Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 376. Hopefully you guys have an amazing Friday. I did. I actually had more or less had a lazy Friday, but I've got a great evening in store for us tonight. You've seen this guy around chat many, many a nights. We have Jankovic Komovsky. Did I get it right for once? For once, did I actually get it right? You got it way righter than you ever have, dude. Right. Um, if uh, if you want to try and pronounce it, it's Chamovsky. Um, and uh, honestly, dude, it's a reference to Encino Man. I, I was like a huge fan. I still am a huge fan of Encino Man, the movie. Um, and um, it came out in like 1992. I don't know if you even remember it. Um, but uh, basically... Um, yeah, they dig up this old caveman, and the mom is like, where did he come from? And he's like, this is uh, Linkovich Chamovsky from Estonia. And like, don't you remember? You said a, a foreign exchange student could stay at our house for six months or whatever. And um, yeah, basically, I just always thought if I ever had to come up with a name, I just wanted to use that name somehow. And I guess the night I picked it, I was high enough to think Dankovich was clever. So here we are, you know, but um yeah, it's a legend. Uh, it's a, a legendary character. So, um, but yeah, man, dude, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I uh, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. I've been growing for over ten years, but basically just staying away from everybody. And uh, when I started participating in your chat, dude, it was um, too much fun. And uh, yeah, man, I feel like I'm pulling my weight. All you chatters out there that that. Uh, haven't done their episode, man. You got to step up. Um, let us know who you are. Just like Johnny, Johnny Canaseed's always saying. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I have a little bit of knowledge to share. Uh, I'm nothing special. I do not feel like I'm worthy to be here, but um, I am honored and I appreciate it, Eagle. So. Well, you're most definitely supposed to be here, man. You have put in your time in these chats. Night after night, and it's my honor to have you here speaking with me tonight. You know, it's funny, before the show, we were talking about that, them uh, doing some dabs there. And you were hoping somebody was in chat tonight. And they were the second one, second one in chat tonight. So, yes, Mr. Red Pill did make it. Thank you, bitch. He is, yeah. Amongst others, all the others rolling along. Yeah, good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. So I'm Sorry, but I'm trying to, to turn up the volume up some... just a little bit on this. Oh, no worries. No worries. I'm rolling up a little Twisted TK, which has uh, been pretty dang good. Pretty dang good the last few days. Very much enjoying it. Nice. So, um, what I got over here is, uh, all right. Um, I, uh, so I have some, um, some good old gorilla glue and some MK ultra, um, dude, that gorilla glue, uh, uh, gorilla glue rules up here in Michigan. Uh, I, um, I mean, I, I, it was out in California, you know, four or five years ago, it was, it was hitting pretty hard, but I, I, I moved up here and it's, it's prominent dude. And like, but it's good, you know, like it, there's clearly, you know, the real cut or good cuts of it floating around. And 
um it works well with a lot of the growers up here so the the fellow that that uh you know the caregiver that i use um uh he basically you know he did well with gorilla glue and mk ultra and some of the old schools uh this past season and so i got a little bit of both of those and flour and then he has he does a lot of bho um, i'm not the biggest bho fan at all but he does it pretty well and it's uh the right price right now so um i top my flower bowls with that so i'll be uh, i'll be getting to that real soon um when i uh, relax just a little bit so I, I smoked plenty today uh, probably a little too much uh you know i'm um, getting ready for this so uh but yeah man that's that's what we're smoking on right now so um i, uh, I actually haven't been able to grow a thc garden in a couple of years which sucks uh but i've grown a ton of hemp and um and basically uh um yeah so but i i have a one gallon gmo and a one gallon purple punch uh right now so um that uh it's getting back to it so uh i, I know there's uh, those have gotten pretty popular since i haven't been growing and i know a lot of people have been growing them um so i'm excited to kind of give them a run and then kind of get to some um you know pop some seeds soon you know what i mean but it's always fun to get started with some cuts because you can just get to business you know what i mean so You buttons seem to be a little sticky there. Them some good cuts too. Them some good cuts for sure. I'm hoping that they're, um, you know, the guy that I got them from, I trust him. Um, and um, but I haven't had any of the flour that he's grown from those cuts. But he did say that he, he, uh, either him or a buddy did ran, uh, run them so far. So, um, but we'll see. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We all know that. So, um, but uh, hey, if I get too laggy, like I said, just let me know and I'll cut the video and see if uh, if that helps out with that. So. so far, so good, my friend. Cool. So cool. I guess might as well start it off just like we always do. Uh, right. When was that first time with cannabis? I mean, that's that is always the question. Well, um, so I was, uh, I was like 15 years old, like early 15, probably. <clears throat> and, um, I, uh, I was with my two best friends. We grew up together and I was at one of his house, uh, one of his parents' houses and it was a Friday night. And, uh, one of my buddies, Jacob, he was just like, uh, dude, I got some weed this week. And my other buddy and I were like, no shit. And uh, I mean, I'll be real, like I'm 32. Uh, so like I grew up watching Half Baked and a couple other movies where, you know, before we even had access to weed, we were like, that stuff looks pretty fun. Uh, I think we'll try that uh, if we ever can. So, um, but yeah, one of my, uh, uh, the guy's house uh, who we were staying at, he was a little, a little nervous to try it that night, but my buddy Jacob and I, uh, made a big old bottle bowl and, um, smoked like two or three bowls and just got high as hell. So I know some people don't get high on their first time, but I was on my back, um, looking at the sky and that was spinning and I was laughing my tail off with my buddy, just, um, saying pretty much, holy shit, that worked, you know, like, um, wow. And immediately it was, it was definitely one of those, um, one of those times where like 
it was that time where you realize like this is a piece missing you know like how come everyone is not doing this you know and and you're like oh shit you know because i'd been drunk before a couple of times i'd smoked plenty of cigarettes you know I, I grew up in a tobacco town i mean everybody had a carton of cigarettes um when they were 10 is is ridiculous but um yeah it was um that I, I was it was a blast and then um i had my first munchie session uh which was basically like my my buddy's mom was a doctor and she had like uh no candy or anything in the house except for this um well one bag of candy and it was those little like those like caramel, like high end caramel candies that like, you know, like a really cool old lady or like a, a, a nice doctor would have in their office drawer or something. And I found the one unopened bag in the kitchen and proceeded to eat all of them basically and fall asleep on the couch downstairs. And um, I woke up, felt terrible about eating all her food, but I didn't feel terrible at all. Like I actually physically felt great. And I think I had soccer the next day or something and uh, or work. And I, uh, I could function, man. And I could get that. Uh, I just remember thinking there's no way in hell I will ever drink uh, until I'm drunk uh, by choice again, you know, um, if I have access to this stuff. So um, that was, I mean, so yeah, by the time I was 16 and I got my license, dude, I was smoking weed every day. And I was very lucky to have a, an older cousin that was the shit and um kind of was doing some pretty amazing things at 18 and 19 years old with cannabis in our little hometown when it came to just kind of moving it around and um so when i was 16 and 17 you know of all my friends like i was the i was the dude with the bag of swag always you know um and worked all the time played soccer all the time i did good in school um but i was high shit the entire time <laughs> you know so um yeah it's first time nice yeah it's it's i was one of those guys that had it all the time too but uh <laughs> i had you know i had that was able to get it easier than most folks it was it was around the homestead at that point i was able to swipe it swipe it a little easier than most were oh yeah uh, i'm glad yeah, like, see, like um... it just seemed to feel right for you though right Oh, immediate. Yeah. It was one of those things where like, you know, we, we all go through shit and stuff like that, but like, I, um, the older I get, the more I kind of connect the dots. And, uh, I like my brother and I were in a pretty bad car wreck when I was, when I was 14. And basically I went through like quietly went through a lot of like PTSD and stress. And I'd like, I was terrified in cars for like a year until I basically started driving myself and then it kind of chilled out a little bit, but I think that like, you know, the half a year, a year leading up to the first time I smoked pot, I was just fucking wrecked, like emotionally, just from that car wreck, you know? And um, yeah, I think that like looking back on it now, I think I just got relief for the first time and I got, and I was, you know, chilling with my, with my, you know, with my boys having a good time. And um, it was, so it was like, you know, just the perfect thing. And then I fell in love with smoking weed and listening to music, you know? So basically by like the second or third time I got high, I was sitting in uh, the backseat of one of my buddy's cars. He was a couple years older than me on the soccer team. And um, we were passing around a joint and he put on a perfect circle. Um, and like, that's uh, the, the, the dude from Tool, uh, one of his other bands. And basically uh, 
it blew my mind. <laughs> I was just sitting in that back seat in another world. And um, I, uh, the, and then like the next two times I listened to Led Zeppelin, like any other good stoner will. And uh, changed my life. And so basically until I found growing weed, I was that guy that like, by the time I was in college, I was uh, getting weed and then taking any extra money I had past buying weed and going to the record shop and basically just kind of thumbing through old vinyl, coming back, smoking some weed, listening to some vinyl, going to work and school, rinse and repeat. <laughs> so, but then I, then I started growing weed and then it all, you know, changed. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, my parents are like really strict. I don't even think my mom or my dad, both of them have ever smoked pot ever. So um, I had a couple of uncles that um, smoked weed and a couple of like older cousins that did luckily. So, um, but still like, you know, um, it definitely, my cousin moved out of his house by the time he was 18, pretty much because he was, you know, already smoking a lot of pot and the family was just like, you know better and if you're not going to do anything differently then take care of yourself you know what i mean and like he did he did just that you know he did very good he worked a really good job and and he hustled too and i just benefited a lot um from his hustle like i you know it'd be i was like a junior in high school and i'd call him at like 7 a.m in the morning and be like hey i'm gonna really want some weed later and you know i don't want to bug you at work and he'd be like half asleep and like come on bye, bud you know so um, I really, I really was spoiled when it come to, uh, when it came to, um, again, having, having weed on me in like high school and stuff like that. So, uh, Smiley talks about doing gravity bongs and stuff like that, uh, which is awesome. Um, because I definitely was a gravity bong guy. Um, and, uh, I had like traveling gravity bongs. So like, uh, um, sometimes I'd pull up at a party and, uh, it'd be like 10, 10 30 party had been going for a little while. And then there'd be like, 10 or 15 people lined up at the back of my Jeep, ready to hit the gravity bong that was in my backpack, you know? And, um, you know, so that was, that was high school, dude, you know? So it was, uh, oh man, the thought of swag and a gravity bong right now, just it, uh, that taste, man, you can, you never forget it. But, um, yeah, man. So do you, do you remember some of the, the flavors that were going around that time or was it you know still right around just swag bro this brickweed yeah like so I, I grew up in like pretty much rural north carolina so um <clears throat> uh yeah so basically i'm sure there was homegrown around you know in certain circles in the cities and hell probably even the cut but uh yeah dude for the youth man it was just brickweed all day for like the first three years of my smoking career you know by the time pretty much until i went to college in charlotte the big city is charlotte north carolina it's pretty big city um i had never even really had access to buy even beasters you know so like i got busted with weed my senior year in high school going to visit my college like or one of the colleges i'd gotten into so you get to do this like official college visit or whatever and you can sign out of class and basically um Signed out of class with my buddy Jacob, actually, the first dude I ever smoked pot with. And uh, long story short, we we got pulled over um, and I got busted with weed. And um, I pretty much I was on probation for a year. I still graduated high school, but like 
I had to pretty much stay in my hometown and go to the community college for a year, which was, which sucked, man. Cause all my friends went off to the universities and stuff like that. And they came home at Thanksgiving break with beasters, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, um, to a dude that only had swag, you know, beasters blew my mind and I was on probation during that. So I couldn't even really smoke it. Like I, I had like all this community service and, and, you know, drug alcohol assessment rehab classes where you basically just learned about meth and it was just crazy. But basically, you know, my buddies were like, dude, whenever you can smoke again, this shit is out there, you know? And, um, that was awesome. So by the time I got to Charlotte, <clears throat> um, yeah, I, uh, that's when flavors popped up, you know? So the first flavor of cannabis besides Beasters and Headies, like it was always Beasters and Headies. And that was like $40 an eight versus $60 an eight. But there was never really a name to it. It was just Beasters and Headies. So that was like for pretty much the year that I was like going to community college and all my boys were at university. But when I got to Charlotte, pretty quickly met um, this real cool fella ended up being my roommate for a year um he was probably more like yourself like his family was down on some levels so, you know his parents were pretty down his mom's uh you know yeah like their his circle was like you know music festival you know good people just like um so basically i ended up becoming a botanical gardener at the university and i met this dude he was the only other gardener in this big ass university with me it was like a work study program for like a student loan or something and when i saw him i was like i do smoke weed immediately and he probably thought the same thing with me you know if i had my crazy ass hair like i do right now i'm sure he thought that but basically um within like a day or two of us kind of looking at each other across the garden and um you know i was like I can't remember who asked who, but I basically, I was a dude that had the apartment right off campus. And um, I said, dude, you know, my part, you want to go smoke after work? And he was like, hell yeah. So we get to my apartment and he pulls out, you know, I had some like petties or whatever, but um, he pulls out some stuff and he's like, this is strawberry cough. And I said, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, what do you, wait, what? It's got a name plus it has strawberry in it you know it was like kind of one of those things where i had never even really um well yeah i don't even know if i'd even read a high times magazine at that point you know what i'm saying like i loved cannabis but i just never you know i was 19 i just you know just i don't know i just never come come across one really again in the south they're not like in a ton of stores you have to get it like a head shop um but uh basically um he explained to me you know that the legend was is that uh it should potentially taste like strawberries on the xl and it and i remember just hearing that i was like fucking hey man there's whole layers of this that i'm you know i i'm probably about to explore if i'm lucky so um make a long story short uh within a couple of fuck couple days uh i was with him going to his dude and the dude had some kill bill when we walked in and i sat down and he had a glass on glass bong that was probably like two feet tall and um uh, he had this like it looked like a heat gun actually i think it was a heat gun and it, it like the piece on this glass bong it was like this vaporizer attachment thing and uh he said that he could only get it in germany or something 
And I still to this day don't even really know what it is, but it was like this big glass slide that went into the bong, into the beaker bottom. And then it was like a place where you put your weed. And then it had this big, almost like a conical thing attached to it that the heat gun would fit into. And the heat gun was like, I guess, like the element. And it would, he would just heat this gun up and then just start pulling on the bong. And it was like the dopest vaporizer I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I thought he was burning it, but no, he was like, this is how you vape. And uh, this guy was, was pretty amazing, but basically he was the first connect to like Cali weed, you know? So um, he just was like, I don't really sell a bunch of weed, but I do hook little dude up over here and you know if y'all are buddies and you know he's cool then i'll hook you up you can just basically whenever he's getting some let, let him know you need some and i'll get you some so pretty much for the next like year year and a half you know that is when i started i was introduced to like cinderella 99 chernobyl um you know uh uh uh, Cali orange, like uh, just a couple of different ones where, you know, it tasted like oranges and it wasn't like peels. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, it wasn't, um, yeah, just the genetic expression was actually, you know, you could tell. And uh, in the different structures and, you know, the buds just, I, I remember just like uh, looking at these, uh, half the time they would come in these little black cosmetic containers like these little circular black cosmetic containers that would have like a um like a uh you know like a peanut butter jar lid you know the little white lid when you open up a new jar of peanut butter and you pull that lid off like a seal the little white seal under a uh, yeah so they had those it was like they'd come in half ounce little jars and the nugs were just so dank and like you know when people talk about how weed's not how it used to be there's fireweed now, in my opinion, there was fireweed then, but, you know, I felt like there was just something about back in the day, and maybe actually it was the amount of money people were getting for, for it. They could put more money into producing it, you know, or they could take a little more, you know, they cared a little more, you know, like, I guess when a pound was still going for three, you know, or 35 in California and it was outdoor, you know, or good greenhouse or light depth, you know, I don't know. I just feel like that, uh, pretty quickly the quality started to drop you know and only when you got really good small batch like you know from a grower that really gave it shit and was growing it for medicine as well that's when you're like oh shit this is the stuff i was getting in college you know and hey maybe it was just you know dudes like us that were sending those small packs to, to my guy and i just didn't know it but um i was lucky enough to come across some fire ass weed it nearly broke me financially which helped me you know, start growing, you know what I mean? But, uh, you know, basically, uh, quit college, um, about a year and a half, two years later and moved to another city in North Carolina near the horticulture college. Um, because basically even, um, some of my professors at, uh, Charlotte were just like, dude, you should be at a different college for plants. <laughs> um, but basically I, um, I said, okay. So, um, I was, uh, yeah, that botanical garden that I worked at was part of the college and, um, it was kind of like the remnants of a past program and it was these beautiful greenhouses and two botanical gardens. And, um, one of the, um, 
managers there basically um, uh, really liked me and she was awesome. And she, uh, she hooked me up with like a eight week or a 12 week, basically like an internship at a local nursery in Charlotte. And they're just a badass ornamental nursery that um, sold a lot of bedding plants and stuff. Um, like every, well, all, all year, like uh, annuals, perennials, and maybe some trees and shrubs. I'm pretty sure just annuals and perennials and like tropicals and stuff to landscape companies and stuff like that. But she basically was like, I think this is what you would enjoy doing with your life is uh, you really, you're good with plants out in the garden and yada, yada. So um, I went and worked for these two brothers that own a nursery. And um, within the first day of him telling me kind of what his lifestyle was, and then also the sprint in the spring and the rush of um, revenue that can happen if you play those cards right. And then um, just what the potential is with plants and cultivating plants. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I just immediately was like, this is this is where I need to be at or people like this. This is um, so like business school and all that. Like, I kind of wish I finished business school now. But um, yeah, at that point in my life, I had zero passion for, for everything I was doing in school. Um, but when it came to just learning how to grow plants and falling in love with good cannabis at the same time, like I immediately was just like, if there's another American growing this plant legally, um, then I want to figure out how to do that. Um, so until then, I just pretty much used any opportunity I could to figure out how to grow plants, like in containers, because I knew, yeah, I think that's how you grow weed, I think. But I'd never really, I didn't know anybody that grew weed. Um, you know, again, like the most I knew was people smoking weed, you know, and usually not that good of weed, just only like a couple of people in my life did. So, um, yeah, I just started slinging flats of plants and freaking one gallon, you know, lantanas and all types of just flowers and shit for weeks and weeks and weeks and had a blast and um, pretty much just kind of learned basic uh, nursery work and then that internship ran like ran up and the same lady that got me a job basically um, her husband is was this like badass old deadhead dude um, who like gave up weed for his wife uh, she they dated in college and then he like just went off planting trees around the country for like 10 years and then you know um reached out to her when he was like 30 and was just like you know what you doing and she was like you know basically like hey we'll try it again but i got this serious job and and you know a state where it's still illegal and we'll try it if you get if you'll quit smoking pot so like you know, this dude, you know, he's a, he's a hell of a dude. So, you know, he basically, he quit smoking pot, came back to North Carolina and uh, helped build this like tree planting company. It was like a, like a wetland restoration company basically. And um, she was just like, it's the hardest work I know of. Um, but I think that you could potentially do it. And basically uh, I got a job doing wetland restoration work and planting basically bare root trees, like in fucking swamps and shit. <laughs> And uh, it was badass, um, super hard work. Um, but by the time like I'd worked there for a couple of months, you know, I could plant a few thousand trees in an hour or in a few hours. And I mean, you use a thing called a hoedad and, you know, depending on the type of tree and the, you know, softness of the ground, I mean, you can kind of windmill your way through a field and it's, it's super fucking cool. But like, they'll do these like, 
stream bed restorations through wetlands and then they have to plant the banks you know with like a bunch of root systems so that the erosion control you know um for erosion control and uh, we we do a lot of cloning and stuff in our line of work with cannabis and all that and like there's this thing called live staking that we did where we would literally just walk out into the site with these giant bags and they look like a huge tool bag and in your bag you have trees you know like literally just bundles and bundles of bare root trees kind of like johnny's doing with his cuttings in the sand right now like that's the first thing i thought of is like like that's how a lot of these nurseries grow these bare root trees are in these giant sand traps and they pull them out and shake the sand off and there are these just bare root trees but basically um we would do these things called live staking where we would um yeah get these huge bundles of basically like willows and silky dogwoods these like red sticks and create like an 18 or 24 inch just like stake like a big tent stake or nail and we would just pound them into the the stream bank like nails you know and fucking a month or two later dude those sticks will sprout freaking you know branches and like you know you just pound them in and then where you split the top from the hammer you just cut it off with a pair of loppers and then it's just, you know, cleans up that top edge. So it's not just like pounded. And uh, yeah, dude, you could, you could put like 200 of those up, you know, on a stream bank. And then by the time, you know, in a couple of months, there's like 200 little trees with pretty deep roots um, shooting into that stream bank. And um, uh, anyways, basically I planted trees for like a year with them and um, saved up a lot of money and moved to, uh, moved to Raleigh Durham area basically. And, um, yeah, uh, within a couple of months, dude, I, uh, had enough money to take a couple of months off work and set up my first garden. I kind of made the decision that, uh, when I relocated, I was going to kind of stop interacting and talking to anybody that I really kind of, you know, either didn't want to fuck up their life or I didn't, or I didn't think they could be, you know, not trouble. Uh, and I fucking, um, I had been collecting seeds since I fell in love with cannabis when I was 15 or 16. Like I'm sure a ton of growers have done. It's like, well, this is a good bag. We don't save a couple of these seeds. This is a good bag. We don't save a couple of these seeds. And, um, yeah, I took, uh, took that 10,000. I had about $10,000 after I moved to a new city and signed a new lease. And I took, um, I took half of that and bought a bunch of grow gear because, uh, one night, um, with not really knowing shit except for the little bit that I learned kind of doing the nursery work that I was doing. And I started 70 seeds and basically I just went through like a few hundred, like a sandwich bag about that deep in seeds that I've been saving for about four or five years easy. And um, I basically, I planted like 70 or 75 of them in like a, like a 1020 seed germination flat that I had taken home from the nursery dumpster and cleaned and kept kept until the day that I did this. And um, I fucking put it on top of a dresser in my closet. And um, two days later, dude, they were popping the soil and I was like an idiot. I, like a lot of excited growers, I didn't even have a light yet, you know? <laughs> so I just, but I was smart enough to know like, these things are going to be fucked up in a day or at least shittier in a day if I don't get something on it. So went to the hydro shop for the first time, you know? So, um, that, uh, 
that led me to the hydro shop for the first time. And dude, that's like, this is the vibe I kind of get from this channel is um, I kind of feel like I'm at the hydro shop, just kicking it, you know, just basically shooting the shit with growers as they come in and <clears throat> it shit's awesome. So, but yeah, I walked in and um, I bought a freaking two foot by one foot T5, little four bulb T5, $100, $120 light, you know? And I'm sure that like, there's so many moms just sitting under a little two foot T5 right now, you know, still, they're still decent lights. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, so bought that, that light and put it over those seeds. And then dude, it was just like, shit just took off. You know how it is. It don't slow down. So I got to work on building my first room and um, you know, I grew up kind of learning handyman work and shit. So um, the uh, first thing I went as I went to Home Depot and bought a drill and a handsaw and one of those like guides where you can put a two by four and you can like cut angles and stuff with a handsaw because I wasn't about to light up a skill saw in my fucking living room in that subdivision I was living in. <laughs> so, um, but uh, basically uh, this was like before tents, you know, so I, I um, put some super thick plywood up in the attic uh in my attic space so my i had an attic my my first grow was an attic grow and um shit by the time that was done about two weeks later um there was two 600 watts open econo wing hoods the old sunlight supply econo wings you remember those They're like 30 bucks um uh so yeah basically um yeah so uh two 600s and i i was I think all those seedlings had probably been put into uh, solo cups by that point. Uh, I think it was pretty simply like a 70, 30, like, uh, like sunshine peat to perlite, you know what I mean? Mix. And when I went in there to the hydro shop and I said, Hey, I need a light. Um, I also said, I'm also interested in just like the highest quality organics that you got. And the like one product catalog that I'd gotten a hold of before all this, you know, maybe like a year before all this. And that was the only thing I really had ever seen or read. I didn't have the balls to get on the internet and look at anything via weed related uh, at that age. And, um, but I thought that like everything was bottled nutrients, like to grow good weed, you had to use bottled nutrients, you know? And, um, so the dude sold me BioBiz, like the full line, you know, and I'm glad he did. I'm glad I started with BioBiz. Um, excuse me but um yeah basically it was three gallon pots after those solo cups the three gallon pots and i had like 50 or 52 females out of those 70 some seeds and um i would kill to have that garden again because i didn't know what the fuck i was doing then um and uh, i was just this like fucking dude in an attic for like six months you know and it was like you know the a-frame part of the attic and the hoods were like, you know, this and had the four inch carbon filter mounted on the fucking ceiling right here. And it went out to the attic fan that vented when it got really hot. And um, I mean, it was a badass little setup. I mean, I'm quite proud of myself. It took me a long time to, to get it kind of light tight and everything like that. But um, yeah, the genetic diversity in that garden was insane. There's there every single plant was so fucking different. And it, I, they all smelled so different. A lot of them were like really sativa-ish or, you know, whatever you want to say. Because I had some plants that like hit the ceiling and grow grew over the hood 
and kind of back around. And I just, I didn't even really understand topping, I guess, at that point either. And um, so, uh, yeah, that, um, that ended up kind of being my first grow, dude, is, is uh, a fucking, and I grew it like 12 and 13 weeks because some of the plants were sativas. And I was like, dude, are these going to dense up? You know, because like I was smoking like a lot of sour diesel at that point. And it was kind of one of those things where uh, I kind of, you know, I didn't really know any better. So I kept waiting for it to, you know, finish up or densen up a little bit. And I ended up just with like 50 different strains of Keef. And a lot of the bud was like, you know, I wasn't like that proud of it, but I ended up keeping it and making a really awesome amount of dry sift that held me until my next grow. So I don't even remember what you asked me to get me started on that, dude. But uh, that's uh, that's kind of the first grow. So gotta appreciate the eight grow. You know, it sounds like you had a decent setup there, man. I oh, had yeah. one myself. Lugging the water up there can be a task all in itself. Pulling the plants down to be harvested on the ladder. Work, work, work. But oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. No, the um, yeah. Now there's so many. Like just thinking back on the the freaking attic grow. Like by the time that house was done, man, it was like a tower, pretty much. Like uh, the bedroom and the closet and the attic that you got to from that bedroom closet. I had all going by like a year later. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, um, I know some of my neighbors had to have known what I was doing because, you know, you can hear up in an attic like the eaves and like the fuck. I mean, it's pretty. And, you know, we were stupid, young, you know, and I had a roommate at the time that did help me, uh, you know, a decent amount when I needed it. But it was mostly me doing all that. But um, specifically, I was uh when you said stairs you go into the attic and it was one of those things where you kind of pulled the door down from the ceiling you know and um i we were i'd been working up there for maybe three days and i had some plastic finally hung and i heard like a like a you know like a tap on the plastic and i was just like uh like kind of up through the scene i was like what the fuck is that and uh and luckily i was in the room so i just kind of took a couple steps into the closet and pulled down the door and there was a squirrel looking right down at me like sitting right at the top of that stairs just like hey fucker this is my spot what you doing up here you know and um and, and yeah i took off after him and proceeded to for like the next 24 hours just like hunt this squirrel and it ended up being three of them and uh i chased them out finally and i had a two-story house so i had to get up on top of the second story and i found this hole in the eve about that big and um, the sun was coming up and I was out there, you know, just like just baked out of my mind, you know, uh, but getting the job done. And um, I look up and I'm like hammering on the side of this house, like, like, you know, like a dumbass. So like, so I didn't even really think like, oh, I could wait till like eight. I just need to get this squirrel out and not let him get back in. And I look up and there's this like dude who clearly had just retired, you know, and these fucking college kids moving across the street and they're clearly on drugs and smoking tons of pot. And um, I look up and I'm like crouched on the eve of this roof, you know, just like, hey, man, you know, and he's just like, you guys doing some work over there? And I was just like, ah, oh, shit, you know, and I was like, hey, man, can't have these squirrels getting into all my shit I'm storing up here. And he was just like, yeah, you know, so. Um, 
kind of was uneasy from the start when it came to like, oh God, I need to be really careful here. But uh, yeah, it was kind of, I definitely had that mentality then of like, yeah, if I'm going to do this and potentially go to jail, I might as well, you know, grow more than fucking 10 plants. You know what I mean? It was, you know, so like pretty much back in the day before I went to California, I didn't even think about numbers to be quite honest um, ever. You know, I know that's kind of stupid, but, you know, if it was clonable, if there was a branch that needed to be chopped off, it got cloned and I ran high numbers in a table. So like I did like, um, I, well, I talked about it with the smiling chat briefly and, um, I loved it, but basically I would drop clones into like four inch square pots with really big drain holes in the bottom. And it was basically like a short squat, like a solo cup. Um, and you could fit like 40 of these things easily on a four by four table. And I would build because I couldn't bring flood tables into my house in the South. You can't do that shit. So basically I would um, get plywood and two by fours and pond liner and build a, a drain table or flood table. Um, but yeah, I would drop those clones right into a four inch pot and um veg them for like five to seven days maybe and then i would set that four inch pot right into a one gallon pot that would be like half full of soil like fresh soil and like probably ocean forest at the time and i pack in a little soil around that pot and then i put it on the table and then just put like uh and the, like that second up pot was like right as you went into flowering you know and you get that stretch and it really kind of pulls newts and if you get fresh soil there man it really um you know and haul ass into flowering and that's kind of what i figured out was you know shit about three four weeks in shit was getting decently deficient i was using organics so i was trying not to overfeed stuff like that um but that uh that second up pot with the small well not up pot but stacking i guess is kind of what people call it um yeah dude it just i could put you know 30 plus plants on a table and put a dripper in each like a one dripper in the the first little square pot and one dripper in the one gallon pot and basically, uh, yeah, just haul ass. So like, uh, I ended up my second grow, I was really lucky to end up getting some cuttings, um, actually two plants and, uh, and like maybe five or six cuttings, uh, from a dude I never even met. He actually was friends with my roommate and, uh, she kind of broke the cardinal rule and was like, um, you know, I guess her, this guy at work that she really trusted kind of told her, Hey, I'm growing, but I'm moving and I need to shut down my garden do you think you might want to start growing? And she was just like, well, holy shit, you know, my roommate just did. So uh, I'll take those. And uh, they ended up being Afghani, man. Like I, for like two grows, I didn't even know what the fuck I had. I just knew I had something very special. Like uh, she just showed up in the middle of the night with this shit. And I was just like, what the fuck are you doing? And um, I was happy, but also nervous. And, but the first grow I knew from bag seed, you know, I was like, if this is a clone, you know, I was smart enough to know it's probably been hunted and, pretty much uh 10 weeks later man i was pulling my first crop from those like few clones that he sent already rooted and it was awesome and i think that like i don't know if that was afghani one or or what or if it was just afghani i know there's a ton of those and yada yada but um somebody i don't know if it was captain 420 somebody recently did talk about like a cut of afghani that was going around either the midwest or maybe it was uh um, AB, uh, fo 28, AB normal talking about some kind of Afghani that went around in like the eighties or nineties or something. And this dude was like 
fuck he's probably in his early 50s now like because i did ask a little bit about the fella and she was just like he's this age blah 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 but you know i perk up anytime i hear about that afghani because it's one of the few that got away and um fucking a dude it helped me fall in love with like cultivation like um because it helped me be successful it was like when people um dude there really are genetics out there that can make bad growers look pretty good you know what i mean they're like it's just uh and that afghani was definitely one of them i could pull well over a pound under a 600 without trying hard and that was like a 600 watt single ended that had been run probably three or four fucking goes too you know um so um yeah that afghani was awesome um and uh that was kind of my first kind of production cut and uh i tried to take that thing to cali and um like an idiot i didn't um i didn't quite understand cuttings yet like uh like putting a bunch of cuttings in a cooler you know unrooted you know and i didn't have anybody that i could trust to mail me anything like that so i shit you not i uh i tried to literally drive well i did i uh, my girlfriend and i when we moved to california in 2011 we drove my jeep with a 6x12 u-haul trailer attached to it and uh it was a fucking epic it, it was it was an amazing journey um but in the back of that trailer was a u-haul box with a fucking afghan mom in it that was like two feet tall and uh that thing came into the hotel with us like every single night we stopped and um i kept it alive for nine days going across the country um like it's me, my girl, our two cats, and my Afghan mom in a fucking days in in Amarillo, Texas, for a couple of days when we got snowed in. Uh, I mean, it was just crazy. And then um, we were in Flagstaff, Arizona, and it was negative two when we left that morning. And when I put that plant in that trailer, I knew it was going to be dead by the time um, we, you know, we got to that uh, checkpoint that we didn't even know about either. So. Uh, that was a, the other craziest thing is we made it all the way across the country. Um, I brought not only that plant, but like a, a fucking, you know, I brought basically a unit with me of my last harvest because I didn't know who I was going to meet. And I definitely had to have my smoke with me, you know, so I, uh, I had all my gear. I had like fucking four lights and all my gear I had you know, fucking most of my girlfriend's stuff and my stuff that I've left so much of my stuff home just to take all the new higher priorities. And, and uh, we basically, um, I don't know if uh, anybody that's driven this drive will know this shit, but when you're coming west on I-40 um, and you, you come from Arizona into California, you have to go through like a checkpoint and it's like an agricultural checkpoint mainly, making sure that you're not bringing in like, you know, a bunch of trees or produce or something that could have like all types of shit on it like bugs or disease or something because california is like a massive agricultural state a lot of people may not even know that yeah they grow a lot of weed there but like you know there's an enormous ag industry there and they try and protect that so um uh, basically though we come around this this bend in the highway and it's just this fucking checkpoint and um my girlfriend is like super shy like she's way smarter than me dude she's like you know um we actually were like moving out there for her job you know so like she's she would never we would she would never let me do this now i'd never do this now i don't even know how i had the nuts to do it back then but um yeah we 
I just look at her and I'm just like, it's going to be okay. So we pull up there and the cop is immediately like, pull over there and, you know, check the trailer. And I was like, okay. Um, so, uh, but yeah, basically, um, I knew the plant was already probably dead too. Cause it had frozen like five hours before. So I was like, if we get fucking busted because of this dead ass plant in the back of this trailer, I'm going to fucking shit. Um, but, um, yeah, we pretty much, uh, yeah, the guy, the, the, I get out of the Jeep and go around to the back of the trailer with a guy and he, uh, we open up the trailer and he's just kind of looking around and that fucking box is right in front of his face, man. <laughs> you know, and I'm just standing there not high. Cause like, I, you know, it was probably like seven hours after we left the hotel and I fucking hit my one hitter in the shower probably before I left. So I was definitely not stunned. And, um, uh, but basically, uh, yeah, the other cop was just looking around and he was like, any plants in here? And I was like, what? You know, And he was like, any plants in here? And I was like, no, nah, man. You know, and, and I was like, sorry, it's so messy back here. He was like, dude, this is a very well-packed trailer. Um, but I was like, I think there's some like succulents or something in like a, a little terrarium up in the Jeep with the cats. If you want to go look at that. And he was like, nah, man, I'm good. You know, just going to shut it up and, and we're good. And I was like, all right. So um, yeah, so like, he thank god didn't smell anything didn't see anything and and uh he let us go and um we i got back in the jeep and pretty much took the next uh exit we could when we got into california and there's not many before you kind of get to the city but we took the next exit and uh, my girlfriend looked at me and said i'm gonna kill you one day <laughs> you know like you know basically it was the funniest thing in the world but uh i was so proud of her and me to just basically you know get into california and not go to jail and that was a, a big feat and honestly like i just i can't believe i tried to bring an entire two gallon plant all across the country i just it's the dumbest thing I've, I've i've done some pretty dumb shit um and you learn the hard way but that one uh like i've kept cuttings in the refrigerator for like months you know <laughs> like a good six weeks I've kept clones in the refrigerator and rooted them just fine. But like, I thought, Oh man, the only way I'll get these genetics to California is if I try and take a fucking plant in a box. Um, so, uh, but Hey, you know, you live and learn and, um, thank God we didn't go to jail, but, um, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's how I lost the Afghani. So. Sweat bullets, man. Sweat bullets. Dead plant or not, I'd still be in the. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The weird thing was, is that, like, I've been in plenty of situations where, you know, I probably was too baked or I had the different ratio that I needed. And, like, I felt like, oh, man, I can't cap this anxiety as well as I want right now. And yeah, the fucking bullets did come. But that particular time, I was definitely nervous. But it was, I don't know if it was just a different level of risk that, you know, I've been in some spots, but I don't know if it was, you know, my girl being in the car, I don't know, but I had like an extra strength and I was like, it was almost like I had that like high school confidence again, you know, where you can like, you're, you know, you're just, you're, you're pretty calm, you know, like, like uh, that. I definitely remember thinking that like, if I would have showed any nerves, I think he would have looked a little harder and he might've seen the one grow box that I did not put into another box. And it was a four inch inline fan, like the old sunlight supply, black metal fucking uh, inline fan. And for some reason that little blue box with the yellow writing um, 
had like fallen forward in the fucking trailer and it was kind of in view you know and um but uh i always you know have thought like fuck if i was you know if my nerves were eating me alive at that point he could have if he sensed that he he might have dug a little harder but um but yeah that particular time i i um held my shit pretty well so but yeah I'll never forget the way my girl looked at me though. Like she's the coolest chick in the world to obviously, you know, we all have some cool ones to let us do what we do and put up with the bullshit that comes with this life. But um, yeah, her giving me that evil. I like, I didn't know we were going to have to go through that now. (laughs) So I was like, I didn't either, babe. I'm so sorry. Um, But uh, good times. And we, and we basically got to the hotel and I pulled that dead plan out and I put it in the fucking armoire, like in the little, like I pulled out the little, like, you know, shit where you're supposed to put your clothes. And I basically, uh, I put up a fucking T5 in that bitch, tried to bring it back to life. Uh, and, uh, we told the maid, Nope, can't come in here. We got, we got, uh, two cats and they're kind of freaked out about everything. So, you know, we'll come get towels and stuff, but basically just like we had the do not disturb sign on our room for like five or seven days um while i just you know i just put it in there and fucking threw some water on it put the light up and was like if you come back you deserve it you know other than that i gotta look for a house (laughs) and basically we just looked for a house and found a house and um yeah by the time we were moving into that house man that shit was going into the fucking dumpster but i did bring a bunch of seeds with me and um uh before like an ex-girlfriend back in uh, north carolina her dad was like one of the only growers that by the time I started growing that I kind of knew about and it wasn't until like you know we had already broken up but we were still kind of friends and stuff and she just was like hey do you think you would ever want some cannabis seeds because you're a plant dude and you smoke a lot of weed and I think you'll probably grow weed one day and um I was like sure and she came back with this bag of like 30 seeds and um I just was like, cool. And then I just kind of labeled them, you know? Uh, well, I remember telling him, she was like, uh, he probably ordered them on the internet. And that was like the only access to like legitimate genetics, you know, in seed form that I came across before I moved to California. And I had 30, what ended up being 30 feminized white widow seeds. Now, I don't know, you know, if they were from greenhouse or what, but like this dude had money, you know, like the, like they were stored at his lake house. And she basically was like, he had like a hundred of them or something. So like, he's not even going to know that 30 of them went missing. And I was just like, you know, I didn't know you stole it. You know, like basically, basically I was like, well, look, look at the label and tell me what the hell they are. And if he doesn't have a label, then just ask your dad because you know, she didn't give a shit. And um, yeah, she basically just said they were feminized white widows. And um, so when I started growing uh, and the first batch of seeds, um, I either didn't have them at that point which I don't think I did. And maybe it was like after my first batch or for first grow that I got those. I can't remember, but I ended up popping 10 of them. Uh, that's the uh, point of it. Uh, so in my first year, I popped 10 of those white widow seeds and um, all of them were females. And it was kind of like my first kind of, you know, like, oh, wow, this feminized seed thing, you know, I guess it really can work you know what i mean like you, they can say they're films and fucking hey they're all females and i remember kind of beating the shit out of a few of them trying to get them to be males because i actually wanted some pollen you know because again i didn't have access to genetics uh, to genetics or 
uh, seed or many clones. And I had that Afghani clone and I thought, shit, if I could get some white widow um, male pollen, I'd hit it to that Afghani clone and then just keep those, you know? And, um, but basically uh, three of the, of the 10 females ended up um, like doing well. And one uh, and doing well, meaning that they like got to the end of term and they had smokable bud that was like, um, I want to grow this again, you know, or that my buddies or me were like, Hey man, this is some pretty good shit. Um, but one of them had an extremely sweet, like a, like a really sweet note to it. I don't, I don't know. Like at, at that point, I didn't even really know what different Turk profiles were and shit. You know, I just, you know, I just said, this is a really awesome profile and it has, it's really fucking sweet. And, um, and it did grow like, like the Afghani buds were more like dense, like a, a, a bud that was the same size as the white widow. It'd be like a third heavier by weight, the Afghani, but the white widow had like the resin glands on it that looked almost like half the size. And it just looked like white sugar. You know, it, it like the, the white widow really was just covered in just beautiful white sugar. And it had like um, small orange hairs, a good amount of like the like orange hairs. I remember coming through on these seeds. And again, they might not even been white widow. You know, maybe she was just like saying the only thing she fucking knew it was. But being that they all turned out female when she said that. And then one of them really was a very desirable smoke. I thought, hey, you know, this this could be a white widow. So pretty much in Carolina, I ran Afghani, um, that white widow cut, and then um, uh, basically same thing. That same girl, she uh, she fucking broke a branch off of uh, a blueberry or a, a bubblegum plant that her dad had. And then just like showed up and gave it to me. And I was just like, what the hell? And I was like, don't do that. Like literally like, thank you, but don't do that. Like if I was your dad, I'd be mad as shit. And like, I don't want him thinking that I asked you to do that. Um, but I did clone it. And, uh, but it ended up being, I think just probably from seed and it just wasn't a desirable phenox. I ran it probably four times and I never could get a good turp profile out of it. Um, the smoke was decent, but it was just like, um, it was nothing special. So the white widow and the Afghani basically um, were kind of like, again, what helped me uh, grow successfully in Carolina, but also get the fuck out of Carolina. You know what I mean? And uh, and actually, when I start to think about those strains, when I first got to California, um, I took like probably four months off and basically just kind of uh, my girlfriend, again, super dope. And she got a really good job in California at that point in time. And we lived up in the mountains way above that job. And uh, so she would just go down to her job in the valley, which is like 30 minutes down the mountain. And I would pretty much just hike around the forest and smoke joints and just basically figure out kind of, you know, what the fuck I wanted to do and and how to get started out there. And um, pretty much just got to a point where I was like, man, this can be easier to just go to the local hydro shop and try and get a job. And, uh, and then that'll kind of give me a direction on where to start my garden and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I'd already started, uh, six of those white widow seeds. Actually, that was kind of what, that was the only thing I had that was like, again, kind of with a name on it. So I popped six more of those white widows, um, before I even got my medical card. So like a bonehead, I moved to California, got a rental house. And then started more seeds without even getting a card and just fucking 
stuck in my prohibitionist ways, I guess. And um, but yeah, I, I, I went down to the valley, took my resume, went to the local hydro shop and um, uh, pretty much got a job that day. And uh, everybody there thought I was a cop for like the first few weeks, easy, probably a month. I had a little shorter hair then. And um, I also just was super pumped, like just like, yo, I'm in California. Let's grow some fucking weed. Let's learn about it. Like, and a lot of these dudes, like, well, um, well, the owner was a cool, just a cool dude. And he was only a few years older than me, man. He's pretty young owner for a hydro shop and he'd been growing uh, for years. And, um, but basically he just was like, he looked at me, he's like, so do you grow? And I was like, I was so stuck in my ways that I, and I didn't really know where those lines were at in California. Like even in Cali, like, do people just talk about this shit? Cause I come from a state where if you say like, yo, I grow weed in the hydro shop, you get kicked out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they'll be like, get the fuck out of here just in case you're a cop or, or whatever. Um, so um, but yeah, like I remember looking at that owner and like, like, what am I supposed to say here, man? Like, my whole resume basically says like I grow and this is kind of what I do, but it never says weed. And you just need me to tell you that I grow weed. Like, am I going to get myself in trouble? And he was just like, dude, do you grow weed? And I was just like, yeah, dude, I fucking grow weed. I moved to Cali cause I was growing weed and I want to grow weed and I want to do it legally. And then he was like, come in here, man. I'm just going to ask you a few questions. And he basically just started fucking throwing grow questions at me and very quickly realized that like I was a, organic bottled nutrient growing none of them boys were like they were all fucking cocoa fucking house and garden or canna uh psychonutrients just fucking slamming it you know these dudes really were real production growers they knew how to fucking crank out that weight and pick genetics that can handle it you know um but they like the dude literally was just like yo you grow differently than us that's great i want a staff member that can kind of do that um and uh and this dude walks in right as we're kind of finishing that conversation. And it's like this guy and he just kind of yells at the owner and he's like, Hey man, I can't take this shit anymore, man. My fucking lungs can't take this shit anymore. And, uh, and, uh, the owner's like, what you talking about, man? He's like, man, I think I saw this GH man. And he's a deep water culture grower. And he just ran three part, uh, GH three part. And he was like, man, I'm making money, but I need to grow my, my own smoke differently. And he's like, I, He's like, I've been smoking this shit for like three years straight. And the owner kind of looked at me and he was just like, hey, man, you want to handle this one? And I wasn't even like hired yet. And he was just like, I, I would literally go over there and suggest to him the exact line that you were just telling me you ran last. And that was a general organics. Um, uh, yeah, just the general organics line, you know, the general hydroponics bottled organics line they came out with. They came out with that like a year or two after I started growing and kind of worked my way to that and ended up just kind of with a workable recipe from that. And I like the end quality product and all that. So I ended up just going over there to this dude and telling him about that. And, uh, the guy walked out the door with, you know, a couple one gallon, you know, general organics bottles, you know, and, um, was going to try it in some, uh, some peat, you know, like a, just a peat based soil, uh, instead of a deep water culture. And, um, yeah, the whole point of this was uh, I started working in the hydro shop and, uh, and the owner was like, yo, so this is so-and-so and so-and-so, and, -so, and uh, they'll be working with you. And this little motherfucker, like this 18-year-old dude, he had just got his medical card, but he had been growing weed since he was like 14 years old, right? His dad is this big-ass fucking nurseryman in the valley. So like he had probably, you know, he he knew how to scale shit too. So like his balls were like, 
as big as his head and his mouth was even bigger and it was he's so fun to be around and this motherfucker literally was like hey you from the east coast what you growing and i was just like man i just got done growing white widow and afghani and he looked at me and laughed so fucking hard he was like what is this 1982 and uh i, I mean like everyone in the shop kind of cut up and uh, i just looked at him and i was like hey man i thought it was pretty fire but that was all i could get my hands on you know and i mean you don't know what it's like to fucking grow in a state where you take what you can get you know and he's like i don't care man you have older you old as shit growing those strains and uh, so i got a big kick out of that that he basically just laughed in my face because i was growing those the older school strains and uh, but it gave me a, you know an appreciation for like the the dude this is a big country and it is so fucking different on the east coast especially in the south compared to california and even michigan like michigan still blows my mind like oh yeah by the way people i'm in southwest michigan i'm in michigan now so <laughs> went from carolina to california to michigan so um i probably could have said that earlier um but basically uh yeah dude that guy was fucking hilarious and um you know uh yeah that was just a lot of fun that dude uh so this was in 2012. So Blue Dream was fucking killing it then. Like every grower that I met grew Blue Dream at least 50 to 75% of their garden for just production. And like that particular guy, he um he ran four light rooms. He did 4,000 waters, single-ended in a bedroom. And he put five-gallon pots in saucers right on the ground and just basically grew Christmas trees. He didn't even fucking top his plants. He would just put his clones right into those three gallons and he would run house and garden and he did Aptis fertilizer like supplements. And uh, this dude was like 18 years old, pulling two pounds of light and in the motherfucking Central Valley where it's hot as shit. Like it'd be like 110 degrees outside and and he was able to like just pull his quality and yields and i just it was cool to be around you know fuckers like that you know i could actually talk about weed um and bad fucking a dude like i worked at the hydro shop for only maybe three or four months until i kind of was at a point where you know i could get back to my garden up in the mountains but i asked like tons and tons of questions you know what i mean it's like uh every grower well after they stopped thinking i was a cop yeah like that was uh the uh the manager was cool as shit um the owner was pretty cool but the manager was cool as shit him and his girlfriend who's you know i'm pretty sure they got married and stuff but um uh basically uh i was like dude come to dinner at you know mine and my girl's house up in the mountains you know like you know mountains were kind of a clip away from them it was like 40 minutes so like you know, for him to come up was kind of an event. So like, um, but he came up and my girl and I cooked dinner and uh, we lived in a pretty sweet spot at that point in time. We had a really awesome view of the mountains and stuff. And um, he came in and I immediately was like, yeah, let's go check out the garden. And I showed him those six um, uh, white widow plants. And the next day, I shit you not, I had probably three of the biggest customers at that store that bought like, like pallets and pallets of soil a week just walk in and fucking put a handful of nugs right on the 
on the counter, like at the register. And she's like, yo, what up, dude? You know, check out this shit. I just pulled this, blah, blah, blah. So clearly, like, he went back and was like, yeah, he's not a cop, you know? <laughs> because, like, literally the next day, I mean, I had, like, fucking half ounce of smoke in my car when I was going home from, like, three, four different growers just throwing samples on the counter. And I thought that was the coolest shit in the world. And it was all fire, dude. I mean, just fucking, just all fire. And, uh, and yeah, man, I mean, yeah, it was it was, it was crazy. Some of the guys that would come in there, dude, that had been Cali growers like their whole lives and they were fucking 60, you know, and they had stories of like doing gorilla glow, uh, gorilla grows up in, up in the forest of like two and 3000 plants. Like, you know, this one guy was like, yeah, I had the blue dream, you know, in the late eighties. And I was the dude pulling 10 pound plants up there, blah, blah, blah. And, and then he'd start talking about like the water pumps and the generators and all the shit they drag up there. And, you know, the details would start dropping and you would just, you know, just fucking mind blowing the shit these guys did. And I guess still do, but, you know, um, but yeah, the, and then the styles was just like, yo, well, how'd you feed and water 2000 plants like that, you know? Um, so that shit was always like, um super valuable actually you know just learning all these different styles and then getting a glimpse of their work and then kind of trying to decide that's a little different than the way i do it that's a little different than the way he does it and then um you know i was like my gardens were tiny compared to all those guys but i was just pretty much in constant research mode you know like i always had a few lights that were to pay the bills but for the most part i was testing cuts and different methods you know and um that grow shop kind of was the catalyst to um a couple of different trials that really you know i stuck with some of the shit i learned then you know but. uh i know you probably already said this but kinder grows in chat wanted to know uh, what part of North Carolina were you from? So I grew up in the Piedmont, which is basically, uh, it's basically the middle of North Carolina. Um, it's like tobacco, tobacco country. Uh, like, um, well, fuck, Greensboro, Winston-Salem, Hot Point. So basically, uh, I grew up just north of there. And um, yeah, dude, uh, it's crazy. Like Virginia just... Uh, legalized and I grew up probably like 30 minutes south of the Virginia border so to think about in a couple of years all the people in my hometown you know being able to just hop across the border and get some legal weed uh that is awesome I mean that's fucking that's gonna that's gonna be too cool and then uh, I, my uh, my cousin sent me an article uh shit I just think this past week that um two senators or uh maybe four uh maybe not senators maybe reps but two democrats and two republicans in north carolina somewhere uh put in medical cannabis legislation um and dude that's fucking huge you know so now i could be i haven't read it yet but the one detail i think i saw in an article was that um it's going to be like 50 grand for a production license like ten thousand dollars renewal every year so i'm hoping that i mean that has to be commercial you know but my cousin said it mentioned something about caregivers as well so um if they do initiate some sort of caregiver program like michigan and north carolina that's fucking awesome you know there's gonna be so many people that can actually be helped with that uh because i mean that's um i, I know you 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 asked this 
you know, to your guests, usually it's like, was there ever a point where it was like, you'd stop just getting baked as fuck to, Hey, I'm actually medicating, you know? And um, yeah, dude, like, I, I think that even as like a 16 or 17 year old kid, I could tell that like, you know, it was a, it was a medicine, you know, that it was definitely, it helped me be a better person. That's so it's like, that's gotta be a medicine. You know what I mean? Um, but it wasn't until, you know, I was like in college and actually like almost growing. Like I was one of those guys that was smart enough to know what the fuck I had to lose. I'm, I've met a lot of growers. Um, they either put up the best fronts in the world where they are the toughest motherfuckers on the planet, you know, um, or they just are, they are too stupid to know what they are risking. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I think that, um, you know, like the stress, you know, of like hiding and fucking uh, just growing in a state and in a place and in houses that you don't own and all that kind of stuff. Like, I realized that like the stress kind of eats you alive um, if you don't use cannabis correctly. You know what I mean? And I think that uh, everybody can probably say that every good cannabis user um, can probably say that about their own line of work or their life or the ailments they deal with. But basically, um, you know, I realized that, holy shit, I could work the first, you know, year, year and a half that I grew in, in Carolina, I did nursery work in that heat, like North Carolina's hot, it's humid too. So you'll be in a greenhouse for like, you know, four hours and it's like 120 degrees and then you get an hour or two off and then you're in there for another three hours watering and then you get another hour or two off. And so like that can be like a four month long summer in like, you know, greenhouse nursery work, like growing flowers and vegetable stars and stuff like that. And then to go home and then work up in the attic, you know, for like another five, six hours, you know, at least, you know, um, just getting shit started, pushing again, like I had, you know, hundreds of plants and shit. I mean, just stupid. And, um, you know, it, yeah, I just realized that like I could smoke a bowl with a bunch of keef on it, especially that keef blend from my first grow, you know, it's like 50 different strains, probably a lot of different, almost land race style shit in there. But like that keef blend, I just remember I could, I could smoke a bowl with like sour diesel flour was like kind of the staple flour the last probably two or three years before I started growing my own flour. Well, maybe like two years. Um, if I wasn't getting it from that that buddy in Charlotte that was kind of small batch, more like the Kill Bill and the Strawberry Cough, it was from my other buddy that was at Chapel Hill, uh, he was at Chapel Hill, and there was like a sour diesel connection that had been passed down there for probably like twenty fucking years, and it was like uh, those bunch of frat bros, and they just basically, you know, um, it was like, oh, I'm graduating, you now get the fucking dude's number you know so uh, but basically like the sour diesel was done right and i think it was done pretty locally and um it was consistent so it was like if you couldn't find any other good shit or headies around you could go after the 400 dollars an ounce sour diesel and um basically uh it was pretty good stuff most of the time and um but the sour diesel bowls with that keef blend on it um i very quickly realized like you know the stress will chill and your energy levels can go up and you're, you know, if you're hurting from working, you know, you're not really thinking about it. If you, you know, 
if you're if you're smoking weed correctly you know it don't hurt as much you know after a couple puffs so you know i think that i realized like fuck i'm working 80 to 100 hours a week and um i'm fucking have, like i'm still pretty good you know like and i was just like and i'm fucking smoking all the time like you know keith bulls before before work and you know you get get done you rip a bowl but you're not on your ass five minutes later on the couch like i definitely went through those stages you know in high school and in early college but it was usually after working or playing a shitload of soccer i'd hit a bowl once or twice and then just you know just pass the fuck out on the couch i was that friend where i was just like oh sam's out you know excuse me by the way i'm sam you know that's uh that's uh something i was gonna say later but yeah i'm dankovich but i'm just everybody knows me as sam so um but yeah so um yeah i definitely would go through those stages where i would just you know go to sleep but it's usually because i was tired you know and i didn't have something that i was excited to focus on like a grow so you know if i think that's kind of the mission um for every good cannabis user and grower is to try and get as many people to grow and use that medicine because it's like a blend you know it's like like you've said like the therapy of gardening is just as valuable or more than the medicine so if you know i think that we are very lucky if we are able to blend a line of work our line of work with you know providing ourselves and our friends and family with medicine you know like if it, therefore you just don't work and then it's hard to attach a number like 80 hours a week like oh i work 80 hours a week you know if i actually put a number on to the amount of hours i spend on the farm working on plants you know it's easily that you know but i don't ever feel exhausted like i'm working 80 hours a week on a job it's like a grind you know what i mean um the the i might get tired or my back hurts or something but it's like it's not a mental exhaustion, you know, you can smoke some weed and think about what you're about to do. Oh, I'm going to pot these 200 clones, smoke some weed and put on Eagle or put on, you know, some music and turn that shit up. And, you know, so I think we're very lucky to experience that. You know, I've, I've you know, you meet a lot of people that they don't ever find that thing and they definitely don't have good weed too. So what the fuck, you know, like, it's our mission to kind of like help people have just that life. Life don't need to be that complicated. Just get a garden and some, you know, a pipe to smoke that garden after it's done. You know, So, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So it's a beautiful thing, dude, growing, growing your own weed, you know, and, and, um, yeah, saving money and providing good smoke for yourself and your friends and family. It's fucking, uh, it's something to keep chasing. You know what I mean? everybody should be growing that's for sure so were you able to utilize some of that california sunshine out there and get to some uh, outdoor experience while you were out there dude um no not really now i was around a lot of grows um like like the uh the uh yeah so like my um my first and only real outdoor seasons have been here in michigan so in Carolina, I had to be indoors because, you know, you just go to jail, you know, and uh, I'd never had a huge plot of land or a cornfield to kind of try and do gorilla, uh, gorilla grows. And when I got to California, we always had rental houses and the two, well, mainly the one rental house that we, uh, 
it was like a four acre property and it took us a couple years to get to that property and the fucking landlord showed up and went berserk and i had my 99 and um i would have been uh i would have been like fuck you man call the cops then but basically uh, i had a tray of cuts um that i pretty sure were rooted and it was like you know so i was like on the line and a little over uh, pushing a little bit like an idiot um but um basically i had a, a, a real asshole landlord he was a real asshole um show up and basically um shut down the one outdoor property that i really had in california so i basically just ran indoor for years and years and years just you know the the master bedroom in our houses was usually the big flowering room and you know the second bedroom was like my veg and um you know propagation and trimming room and i had my shelves where i'd always set my curtains up on my shelves for my curing jars and all that kind of stuff but it was a uh, you know it was kind of one thing after another uh in california um when it came to just trying to get outside because getting outside was kind of the only way to grow the volume needed to finance any sort of like ownership of any entity or any site like any 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 type of license that wasn't your you're 99, you know, you're fucking patience, you know, you're not supposed to be making money, you know, off of it. Um, and the whole goal was to be able to like create a, um, you know, a living legally out there in California. And every, like, when I got out there, not only did the price of price per pound just start fucking plummeting, it's just bad timing. Um, but at the same time, competition was getting even more fierce because of that and then like legal weed was like really starting to become a reality and in, in 2016 when uh prop 64 was voted in that's when shit really changed that's when basically it was like oh wait no uh, if you were going to be running you know your 99 garden on this property or that's the business model you're kind of setting up around the caregiver model and all that nope you know that's kind of like now they're every shop every month that goes by a shop is not going to be able to be taking your backpacks you know what i'm saying so that's kind of like you know so we got there in 2011 at the very end of it and 2012 is kind of when i um you know kind of really early 2012 was just kind of setting back up and getting to know some people and all that kind of stuff but yeah like my gardens were were you know four and six light flowering rooms most of the time you know, there was a couple where I got a little bigger than that. Um, and uh, but really where I lucked out was up in the mountains. I was very fortunate to meet a couple of pretty good dudes um, that were um, from that area. And see, that's the that's the crazy. That's the uh, it's super interesting. But um, like their parents owned land there. And so therefore, I think one of them ended up actually inheriting uh, like his ranch, his parents ranch, like 70 acres. So. Um, and then the other dude had like uh, another pretty sweet uh, bit of land up in the mountains and the back of the property bordered the forest. So like these kids grew up in a, in a zip code where really if they got their 99 when they were 18 years old and they were pretty smart about it, they could do one backyard grow. You know, they could do one grow of 50 to, to 90 fucking nine plants in their backyard and roll the dice. And it was incredible 
how many 20-year-old and 22-year-old dudes there were with 100 pounds of Blue Dream flour sitting in totes in their living room. Uh, and uh, here I am just like, fuck, I want to add another light, you know? So like, um, so pretty much what I ended up doing is, uh, so I'd be like, hey, I'm going to take these two pounds to LA, you know? Um, what are you going to do with all that fucking Blue Dream just sitting there? And, you know, he'd be like, well, I don't know, you know, kind of, I'm going to go, I'm going to the river tomorrow. You know, I'm just like, I just want to, I just want to go sit in the river and smoke joints, dude. I don't know what I'm doing with all this stuff. Like just a completely different mentality, man. It's a, it's a, you can, I think, I think uh high times or, or something at some point had an article headline and I never forgot it. It said, depending on your zip code in this country, you can either be a millionaire or a felon uh, uh, based off this plant. And, uh, in some respects, that's extremely true, you know, and, uh, and, um, so yeah, I would, uh, I would pretty much just grow, um, you know, uh, a small, a small fucking flowering crop indoors. And I was mainly testing clones. I, like that was I, from the minute I got there, I just was like, I need to prove out some clones that, that I like as medicine that I like as flavors. And I need to get good at those lines. And then by the time I do that, production can start happening. You know, I can actually, you know, either get the appropriate license for that area or for whatever and, and go for that. So for the first two, three, four years, I was just trying to just grow as many good clones I could get my hands on. And then any flower that came out that was good enough, I would pretty much just go to LA and shop around to the dispensaries. And, um, uh, half the time I would take like, you know, a fucking couple big packs of my buddies, blue dream or, you know, something else that they have, but they usually were just rocking blue dream. Cause again, they had outdoor space. They had that California sunshine. And at that point in time, blue dream, the good cuts going around. I mean, it was fire herb if it was done right. Like I totally can see why Jack Greenstock and a couple other people are like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Good blue dreams, good blue dream. Cause it is. And, and you know, but then there's also, you know, you clip a hundred pounds of it and then you smoke blue dream for like another year straight. And then all the hash you've made is from, you know, lower yielding blue dream. <laughs> you kind of get annoyed with blue dream, but still it's, it is, it's still great, you know, great smoke when done correctly. But anyways, um, uh, I would take flower down to LA, you know, to just kind of fill my spot, I could carry 10 pounds. And I usually would only take two or three pounds of my indoor down there. So I would just kind of fill the rest up with Blue Dream. And um, and then after that, basically, uh, like regarding sun-grown material and stuff like that, um, in, uh, well, I was all, always doing bubble hash. Like since I started in Carolina, I kind of, um, I, uh, of course, I didn't want to waste shit. And I heard that like the trim you could make hash with. And I was like, what? You know, I remember, I'm sure we all went through that. And um I remember, uh, yeah, I got my first uh, bubble bags at uh, the hydro shop in Raleigh. Dude, they were, the, they're payload bags. Have you ever heard of payload? The brand payload bags? Dude, they were like 250 bucks or some shit. And it was like a three or five bag set. And it was, the guy was like, yeah, this is like bubble magic. It's your only competitor or something. This is the ones we carry. It might've been like what sunlight or BWGS or, you know, Sun Leaves or one of those suppliers decided to carry for a while over bubble magic or bubble bags or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, so I got some payload bags uh, some, and um, was making hash for a couple of years. But 
Um, so 2000, early 14, uh, uh, russet mites kind of hit the scene. And at least where I was at in California, like everybody started dealing with russet mites and, um, basically, uh, make a long story short, I had like a full indoor of some grandfire OG, which was one of my favorite cuts of all time. Um, and, uh, we can talk a little more about that later. Um, but basically, um, yeah, I got russet mites for the first time. And, uh, and I was one of those dudes that like, I really, I maybe did a little bit of spray. And I mean, back in the day, this was like probably 2013, 14, my IPM, it was probably one spray of, uh, Azimax, maybe one spray of, um, the, uh, the Monterey garden spinicide. And that was like rare, actually. Like, I think that the only time I would do that is if I was bringing in cuts um, from like outdoor gardens, you know what I mean? And it's just like, just in case, but they, that would always stop like well before flowering. And if, you know, um, I didn't see a, I didn't see a pest until I moved to California. I, I'll start there. Actually, I was so isolated in North Carolina and I was such a clean freak. I come up from the nursery. I take a shower, change my clothes, all that kind of stuff. And um, I never had uh spider mites. I never had mites. I, I never had mold. I, I mean, in North Carolina, it's pretty humid, but I just, I, I, my, uh, I, I know, uh, my parents used to, to, uh, run an HVAC company. And, uh, so I was crawling around under houses, pulling ductwork, ripping out old HVAC systems when I was like 12 and 13 and 14. So I think I had good airflow and that helped me not ever get mold. Um, but basically, I got to California not really knowing shit all about IPM until I got spider mites for the first time. And then I think like everybody, spider mites kind of let you know, like, hey, this is another layer of the game and you better figure your shit out. So, um, you know, once I figured out how to, you know, beat their ass, you know, I was like, all right, I'm doing good. And then like a year later, russet mites showed up. And uh, basically, um, uh, getting back to my point. I lost pretty much an entire harvest to russet mites. You know, it was just like, this is fucking terrible. And I just wasn't going to release that flower. And I'd say maybe the top, like 10% of the canopy was like buds that I personally would like smoke on a bad day. Like, you know, until we get to the next crop. But one day I just, I looked at my buddy and I was like, Hey man, I really need to, I got to hustle kind of hard. You know, it's got some hard times right now. And, and I looked and I was like, hey, man, those big bags of trim that have been sitting there for like, you know, half a year. And I mean, it had to have been um, like 120, 150 pounds of Blue Dream trim that came from him and one of his buddies grows. And um, so I, uh, I said, hey, you mind if I make some bubble with that and see what I can do with it? And he was just like, yeah, man, whatever, you know, just we'll work out a cut later and all that. So basically, I. Uh, I ordered one of those 20 gallon bubble magic machines, you know, um, like the ones, you know, uh, yeah, like the 20 gallon bubble magic machines. And um, it said discreet shipping and all that shit on Amazon. And a uh, fucking week later, there's a big old blue box sitting on my front porch that says bubble magic on the side. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'm just like, hey, son of a bitch, you know. But, uh, you know, I kind of hopped out my house and I looked in, you know, and at that place, actually, my landlord lived fucking she could see my house. She was 
like it was kind of one of those pinch things like, oh, fuck, you know, we got to get out of this property. Like, you know, long story short, but, you know, basically uh, the house in the little mountain town we were in, there was very few options. And it was supposed to be one of those uh, places where we only stayed for like, you know, six months or something, but it ended up being there for, we ended up being there for a couple of years. And uh, so I had flowering rooms like 50 feet, like from my landlord at times, like she would be gardening outside um, way, way closer than 50 feet. There was a couple of times where she was gardening in the bed right outside the fucking bedroom wall. And I could hear her talking so clearly. I thought there's no fucking way if she stops talking for just a minute that like she's not going to hear my fucking wall fans vibrate in the wall so i fucking go in there and click and turn all those things off and kind of just you know have a very quiet hum from the one you know the carbon filter hopefully getting all the, the smell so um but basically uh you know uh uh yeah, I just kind of made sure that that uh, landlord didn't see that freaking little washing machine sitting there and I pulled it in and fucking that night took it over to my buddy's place and I got to work, dude. And I, uh, I washed, like, I just washed and washed, man. I just fucking got pretty damn good at washing and blue dream, especially outdoor trim. I mean, it doesn't really, it's not like a heavy yielder or anything, but I definitely was getting some pretty good hash. And I started at that point, um, like I kind of brushed up on my, my hash stuff to just like, you know, there's got to be some new tech in the past couple of years since I've just been growing. And sure enough, like the microplaning and the uh, grading of hash kind of started to become like a thing, like people were kind of teaching that a little bit. And um, so I started like taking these giant pucks, you know, uh, before they'd kind of dry and I'd break them into chunks and I just started grading them. I didn't have a freezer where I was at to like, freeze it and microplane it and also just had too much to do that shit you know um but yeah i ended up like grading out like five or six pounds of fucking bubble hash and um and basically uh just drying it and like uh this was before i just recently have heard people talk about like the pizza box method that's fucking genius like it's so simple but like food grade cardboard pizza boxes stacked up as like a hash drying Maybe I'm just like, I know I'm like way behind the times on that shit, you know, it's kind of, but basically, um, yeah, so I kind of created my own of that and then ended up just kind of, you know, what, what you learn is like washing the bubble, the strain obviously has, has a lot to do with it, washing it too, but fucking being able to like dry and cure it properly. You know what I mean? Like if you can kind of dry it and preserve the terps better, that's I, the first time I graded the bubble hash. That's when at the end of it, it didn't smell like hash it smelled more like the flower you know what i mean it smelled more like the trim that i ended up washing and i was like ooh, you know i need to try and do more of that and um basically uh for a while i ended up going to la with more hash you know and just when this shit was happening bho was getting really big so um most people were like man i want fucking bubble ash you know like i mean that's nice and i'll take a little bit of it but you know why don't you go blast all that shit that you're washing and I just didn't, um, it just kind of wasn't my bag. I'd done some blasting with actually that buddy and, um, shit, we were playing with that shit in North Carolina, you know, and I just did not like the thought of lighting myself on fire or blowing up or hurting somebody else. It just fucking freaked me out. So I just was like, I'll wash, you know, and fucking bubble hash is fire. I'd love putting it on bowls and in joints, man. And, um, and every now and again, you would get that batch 
where it would be like half melt or almost full melt, you know, and the dude, you know, one of your friends would have like an email and with the screen and you could kind of test it, you know, and um, I'd usually try and do that before I go to LA because that would help me price the shit better, you know? Um, but uh, yeah. So for a while I, uh, I ended up just kind of moving a little more bubble hash than flour until I kind of got back to, you know, pulling some cleaner indoors once I got my IPM shit on, on point and um yeah uh yeah i can't forget why i kind of started talking about all that bubble hash but yeah that was a point where i washed a shitload of hash for like a good six month clip maybe longer and um got a couple of you know holy shit that's a lot of hash man like when you go into a dispensary like there was this there was this one place called house of dank and i know there's a few of them around the country but there was a house of dank in koreatown back in the day and it was it was run by koreans like in like 2010 11 and 12 or maybe 13 but um uh they it sold and i went in there and there's some new dudes and basically uh yeah he fucking he's just like pull it out so i didn't get to go into the back room i just pulled out these tupperware containers with like you know like five five pounds of hash and half of them were in these patties and um yeah that dude kind of you know said that shit so loud about 20 people in the dispensary all were looking at me at the end of it i didn't quite like that but uh you know it was um luckily he took a good chunk of that so um but uh yeah um yeah man that uh shit i know i'm just going dude you can obviously tell me to stop this shit's making me think of so many different things like you know, I, and I'm sure there's so many growers in prohibition land that are like, yo, I wonder what it's like to throw weed in a backpack and go into a club, you know, and, and it is fucking awesome. I'm glad, you know, that I did it a little bit, but um, I cannot tell you the trial and error because I didn't have anybody to be like, dude, this is how you do this and not embarrass yourself or, you know, not get put in jail doing this, you know, and uh, that was a the first day I ever went to LA, like I hadn't even really made friends really in Cali yet, like, you know, that was that were like yo this is where you go to sell it my boy will buy all your shit blah, blah, blah. like it was just like oh you're growing well cool good luck what strain are you growing you know um but um yeah dude first club i went to i had a duffel bag with two cases of uh jars i'm so proud of that we you know some lemon og it was like the first cut i was given you know besides those white widow seeds and um i had two pounds of lemon og perfectly clipped an ounce in each mason jar basically and uh i was driving down the grapevine heading into la never been to la before i was driving by myself you know i was just like and um i my uh, map said i was in la and i didn't know what the fuck that meant like am i in la the city you know i didn't realize that la was like you know fucking three four hours fucking wide and it's like in like nine thousand towns that all make up this one big city you know called la but basically i um i pulled off on this exit kind of near magic mountain you might have heard of magic mountain it's actually like this uh not shit you not man i've never even thought of this but magic mountain i want to say is actually the theme park that they filmed some of the scenes from encino man the movie that uh my name is a reference from <laughs> but basically it's like this theme park right outside of la that looks like a six flags or something and there's a couple little towns right there and um i think i had weed maps up or something like that like or i'd printed off probably weed maps 
you know, because I had like flip phones, I like burner phones at this point, you know, like I had like my, I threw my fucking North Carolina cell phone away the minute I left that state and had like stupid fucking flip phones and burner phones for a few years. But uh, basically, uh, so yeah, I must have fucking printed that shit out on MapQuest or something. But basically, um, I saw that, uh, <laughs> that uh, um, there was like a green cross on this exit. And uh, that was it. I just fucking found this green cross and drove into this little city off the highway and pulled up in front of this dispensary and fucking grabbed my bag and my papers and I walked into that shit. And the dude at the front desk looked at me and kind of giggled. <laughs> and he was just like, what you got there? It's a pretty big bag. And I was just like, hey, I got some flour I want you to look at. And he was just like, you new to this? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, you know. And um, he basically just said, you know, um, well, hey, dude, uh, put in turkey bags. You know, you can fit way more in that bag you got right there if it's in turkey bags. And uh we don't want your fucking jars you know and i just i uh fucking i laughed and i was like thanks dude you know i gotta learn some way but um and as i and he was like and we don't want your weed right now either and i was like oh fuck okay so i turn around and walk out and as i'm walking out another dude is walking in and he has on a big old puffy jacket and it wasn't that cold out there you know and uh and he kind of stops and then turns around and comes doesn't even go inside he comes in he's like hey man you new to this? <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, dude, what the fuck? He was just like, yeah, man, that's a pretty big bag. There's got to be cops watching you right now. <laughs> and then he fucking opened up his jacket and he had like a fucking a slab, like the size of a fucking sheet of paper, just kind of like tucked right in his coat. And he was like, this is that new shit. This is how you move stuff easy. <laughs> and he was just like, man, you can put fucking thousands of dollars right in your fucking coat and you don't even need a bag right now. And I was just like, motherfucker dude i don't like i'm not into that bho shit man that's just not my game i'll good flower and then he was like well you know if you're gonna do that you're gonna do turkey bags it's like dude just told me that i appreciate that though so you know it was kind of funny i mean i hadn't even been to one dispensary and i had two people kind of like yo here's some ropes dude you clearly need a little help so um but uh it got a lot easier after that and you end up finding clubs that you know like i had more clubs turn me away just because I, I didn't have enough flour because they were like yo i'd I don't want just a pound of this or half a pound of that. I need five pounds now and I'll take five pounds next week. And then the week after that, or I'll take 10 pounds every month. And, you know, the customers are going to want this shit or patients are going to want more of this. And they're just going to get mad at me if I can't poof it out of thin air. You know what I mean? So like, I heard that quite a bit, but uh, you know, you find the, the operators that, you know, they'll take your, your fucking variety packs and they'll, they'll know what to do with them. But Again, by the time I was kind of figuring that out and then going from rental property to rental property, just not pissing off landlords, not ruining my girlfriend's rental history and my rental history and all that shit, you know, Prop 64 passed. And uh, yeah, the writing was on the wall to me, you know, being somebody that was legitimately trying to become uh, legal, you know, um, it was just like, I can't afford California barely now. I damn well, I'm not going to be able to afford it in two, three years. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we seriously started considering leaving North Carolina in 2016. I mean, uh, leaving California in 2016. And then um, the election happened in 2016, and that was just pretty wild times. And, you know, um, the, uh, the South was all pumped up and, you know, it's all well and good, but I didn't think they were pumped up about weed yet enough like they are kind of getting now. So, um yeah, my girlfriend and I just kind of um, 
we decided to, to move. Well, she actually got another job offer. So the whole time I've been going on and on and on. Um, and the, like our first, you know, three quarters of our time in California, we lived in the Central Valley. And um, he actually, um, she was uh, uh, like a horticulture research manager. So like she, again, she's way smarter than me. And honestly, that's uh, an edge I've had with growing cannabis is when we, we started dating like a year, year and a half after I started growing. And um, when I told her what I did, she was just like, you know, really, you know, okay, you know, um, but uh, I just said, you know, well, if I ever like have a bug problem or like a plant problem, you know, I, I'm clearly not going to school for this shit, but, like I can ask you, you know, and, and you might be able to help me. And there's been a couple of times where, um, you know, plenty of times actually where she's, you know, kind of pointed me in the right direction, you know, and stuff like that. And uh, so as a team, it's pretty cool, but uh uh, yeah, so she she was a, a research manager for a big fucking nursery, um, and she was like the plant doctor. Like she basically, uh, yeah, it was really fucking cool what she did. Um, and she had been there for five six years. It was time to kind of move on, and she got a good job offer uh, at like a um, a biotech company uh, near the beach, actually, uh, right like North Malibu, uh, like near Santa Barbara. And I'm like, you know. I'm already still fucking pumped. I'm in California and it's been like five years later and, you know, I'm still fucking still growing indoor and, you know, not getting too mad about it. But like, now I'm like, wait, what we get to go, we're going to go live at the beach, you know, what that's near Malibu. That's fucking, that's cool. You know? So uh, let's do that. So instead of moving out of California in 2016, we actually moved to from the central Valley to Oxnard, which is actually like the town, squished between malibu and ventura and that's just south of santa barbara like uh, there's some big fucking grows going on up there now like in carpinteria and santa barbara there's some huge outdoor grows some big licenses and it's pretty neat but um yeah basically uh we stayed there for like two years and i just uh i scaled way back i sold most of my older equipment you know like double-ended were starting to really be a big thing and leds were starting to be a big thing so i kind of just sold most of my equipment and um bought like a budget led to just like i remember telling myself like all right if i can grow some dank with this fucking 300 dollars viper spectra or whatever not how much dank just dank can i grow good plants you know and um i had lost all my clones uh pretty much when that landlord showed up and fucking, you know, when I tore down all those gardens that day, but I did collect some seeds over the few, like the few years before that. So from like 2013, 14, 15, it was like a proving ground for cuts in my garden. And I ran a lot of different like Bay Area um, genetics that I was very lucky to get my hands on. And um, some seeds come out of there. Like uh, I'd say probably like 50 or 60 seeds over like a three year period. and um, uh, so yeah, basically while I was in Oxnard for a couple of years, that was the first time where like, I really was able to run seeds from my garden that, yeah, I didn't mean to breed, um, or, uh, that I didn't mean to like make or, or pollinate or whatever. And yeah, they probably were, um, herm seeds, but, um, yeah, like, uh, I just, I, I 
pop six seeds. Um, I was just like, yeah, start another garden. And let's run some of those seeds from those, those plants because they were fire as fuck. And I miss them. And if there's been anything resembling that, fuck it, let's see if it if it's stable, then hell, it could just be one of those flukes. But I uh, popped six, four of them germinated. And uh, like a month later, we moved to Oxnard. So actually, I popped those in the valley right after the election. And uh, so when we got to Oxnard, I basically, um, four of them were females. So again, that hinted that again, it was a herm of some sort and it was probably a later term. But um, yeah, all four came out awesome and uh, they didn't herm. And I've kept them for two years and uh, it was really interesting. And I was lucked out like one of them was a great daytime. The other one was a great nighttime. The other one was like a um, like a super creative and and but kind of sedating. And then the other one was like fucking like you hear some people talk about strains being like psychedelic, you know, or like kind of, you know, a bit too racy because it can just go. It's like in this way or that way. And you're like and uh, definitely one of the phenos was that. And uh, those seeds were out of grandfire OG buds. Um, so that uh, now I'm thinking about it, that particular those six seeds were like six of the few that in like the the 50 or so seeds that i collected over the years that when i found that bud when trimming i did pull the seeds specifically out and wrote on a piece of paper in that baggie from grandfather g flower and then i listed the other females that were run in that room like i think i had an alien og table um i had a flave table i had um a platinum skywalker og table and um that might have been that that room that time. Oh no, that was a I think the half a table of candy cushions in there. So um, yeah, it's like that was that, but it was really neat seeing like uh, the parent plants in those. I guess was my whole point was, you know the the I grew the the grand and then the other strands I just listed for like you know three four years, um, you know maybe three years, and I ran them a lot uh, and. Um, like different size pots, different feeding uh, um, recipes, uh, fucking microbes without microbes, all that kind of shit. And, you know, you so you saw the different morphologies and all that kind of stuff. And um, basically, uh, yeah, it was just really, it was a really cool experience. I, I can totally see how like breeders and people that make seeds can totally get addicted to that and just kind of seeing you know, what happens when you cross this and this, or if you can, you know, continue this and, and all that kind of stuff. But traditionally I am a cuttings, like I really enjoy, I think getting that Afghani cut back in the day and seeing how um, just different and better it was for like bag of pill and smoke and like, yeah, just making the whole grow worth it. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's bummed when they run a fucking plant for, you know, 12 weeks or, or longer. And it's like, man, you know, if I would have just filled the whole table up with that keeper cut or those two keeper cuts, you know, um, it'd be kind of raining right now. So, um, Eagle, I'm about to pee in my pants, dude. I'm going to go do that real quick. I in my pants, but, um, I'll be right back. Dude. All right. Go ahead. Frank. Go ahead. What's up? Chat, chat about 13s, green, green. L the Beastly, how you doing? Automation is freedom. Of course, much respect. Chad Westport and Bingus, how you guys doing? Weedus207, how you doing? Top floor genetics. Of 
Sports GMO GR420 community video. Listen, I'm sorry I missed your Friday night hangout today. It looks like you had a pretty good such. Your bro, dude. I just think it is. I seen that name pass by that. I told you I was going to drop you a shirt. Sorry about that, dear bro, dude. Guys got to get on me. If I don't, if I say I'm going to do something, I space it off. I, I just get a little busy. Little, little reminder never hurts. I also seen some of you guys tonight refer to prizes that you uh, did not receive. If you, if I, if there was a prize you didn't receive, please tell me who you want it from. Please, if I missed it, then I'm completely sorry. But as far as guest giveaways, that uh, is directly on them. how cheers to you, my friend. Nice to see you. I actually just looked to see if you were in chat a minute ago to give you a cheers. So welcome to the show, my friend. Ah, uh -uh. I did send you yours, Channel Bob 13. The correct address. You don't have to send me some old lobster stuff if you don't want to. I think it's the looking stuff, though. Yeah, do you think Cheddar Bomb? Kazoo, what's up, Kazoo? Nice to see you in chat as well, John. Biggest. That's good news there, John. What we got here? Chat. Sunrise Grill. Johnny came to see. Cheers to you, my friend. Oops. Please send me a DM, Ivan. All right, dude, I appreciate that. I, I will just smoke here in a few minutes. I, uh, I can feel myself getting to that point. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I was just reading in chat. Oh, okay. Yeah, I hate that I can't see chat right now. I, uh, I'm bummed that I can't see chat. So if, uh, what's up, everybody? Oh, they've been uh, popping all night long. We've had up to 95 at one point. Chad, we still got 86 hanging out. Oh, Chad's yeah. been loving the show so far. Sweet. Well, yeah, dude. My friend. Been a great story, too. Well, thanks, man. I mean, I definitely, uh, we haven't stopped. I mean, that's kind of the easiest thing to say is the minute I started growing, it's, uh, I have not stopped. Like the only time I've stopped is to make a move, uh, like an actual big move to try and uh, uh, 
uh, grow bigger, you know? So like, uh, I've posted a couple of pictures on my Instagram, like, dude, I remember like, man, when I was like 16, 15, 16 years old, learning about Facebook, you know, like my girlfriend at the time, she went to a private school. We were in high school and she had a .edu email and she could get a Facebook. And this was like, before everybody could just get a Facebook, you had to like be in college or some shit to get Facebook, I think. And, um, you know, this was like MySpace days. Like I, and I didn't have a MySpace. I've just never had social media. I've always been very like, what the fuck? Like, you know, not like judging people, just realizing it, it just, it wasn't going to mesh well with me. And as soon as I kind of was having those feelings, I was definitely starting to smoke pot as a teenager and uh, in a, in an area and around people that I knew were like, you can't do that. You know? So I think just like, I have, I have, I've never ever um, participated in social media, especially regarding uh, cannabis, you know what I'm saying? And that has fucked me up in some respects. Like I met a lot of people in California that were just like, dude, what's your social media? You know? Um, and I'd be like, I don't have one. And I'd be like, and, you know, I'm fucking way up in the mountains. I fucking am in my house for three months at a time, you know? Um, and why the fuck would I want to give you or anybody a heads up about what I'm doing or how I'm doing it? And, but things have changed a lot and I am very lucky enough to be in a point are at a point and in a state and in a situation where like, I don't have to hide anymore. And, um, you know, that, that took constant moves, like us not fucking settling and being like, fuck it. You know, we'll just deal with this and keep breaking the law. And, you know, tons of people have to do that for millions of reasons. Like not everybody's just lucky enough to, you know, have the means. Or again, like I remember I told my girlfriend, um, in, in, uh, North Carolina, I straight up after we'd been together for about a year and she had moved in, she's crazy. Um, I said, Hey, either you find a job with that awesome port degree of yours out West in a medical state, or I'm going to crop the fuck out. And I'm going to take that moolah if I can get some. And basically, you know, you're gonna, we're going to just fucking land in california and figure it out from there and i knew that would freak her out thinking like what we're just gonna figure it out no fucking way you know so she was um i mean i shit you not within a week i came home and she literally was like hey what do you think about you know fucking central valley california and i was like what california i'm down i didn't even hear central valley you know like i didn't even know what the fuck that was so um but uh yeah it's just uh we haven't stopped, man. I'll tell you that. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's worth it, dude. You know, I mean, we're, we're in Michigan now. Um, we're growing hemp right now. Um, but I mean the, uh, that's just because I, I, I've been going so hard on the hemp and not even, you know, well, I met, uh, my, my dude here, basically like I was in town for just like a couple of weeks and, uh, um, my, my, uh, partner basically, and, and cousin, basically he, uh, he's like, you're a lot like so-and-so, you know, it's so-and-so son, you know, and he, he's been at it for, since he was fucking 17, 18 years old, man, his daddy was in the game. And, uh, that's another thing man. I was saying, Michigan is impressive when it comes to the roots in cannabis here. People don't fucking get it, dude. I mean, I, I looked at Michigan for years for a couple of reasons. Cause I could pick up on it. But I never went to cups. I never, you know, I didn't really meet anybody from Michigan that was just like, yo, the fire's there. You could just tell if you were listening a little bit. But once I got up here and I got around all these good old boys that live out in the cut, holy fuck, man, they've been growing 
big like gorilla grows like swamp grows forever dude like since the eight like 80s all day you know and uh um yeah he uh he was like you need to meet so-and-so and and you know dude stopped by the farm and within a minute i was like oh it's like a like a dude at hydro shop just like here you know it's like a real grower he's a caregiver uh fucking blows up his backyard every year big time been working the same soil patch for like seven years he had um i mean he immediately was like hey man you know come by see my shit and um i was like good because i need some flour bro <laughs> you know so i stopped by and, and saw shit a couple seasons ago and um he had some fucking like i'd say like a third of his cage because here in michigan um you know y'all's medical cages you got to uh Hold on one second, buddy. Um, okay, so I wasn't because they got out. Hey, world, look at this. <laughs> um, I know you don't like cats, bro. Uh, look, hold on, let me put this little fucker down. Hold on. You okay? Okay. All right. So, uh, sorry. That is, um, I I live on a farm pretty much. Uh, uh, we move. Basically, uh, we are cleaning up an old uh, shut down dairy farm, and the fucking barn cats came with this place. And <laughs> pretty much, uh, my girlfriend and I are. Um, like fixing them and taking care of them as quick as we can, but these fuckers reproduce pretty quickly. And this is, uh, so, uh, in one of my posts, actually, I mentioned voles, um, fucking voles, uh, dude, last year, uh, I had like a fucking probably 300 plants in the field that were like, they were they were just looking gorgeous when the whole world was against them you know it was just like what in the fuck this plant it was one of those times where you're like man this plant is just just badass the next morning i got to the farm and i shit you not like 300 plants were like at a 45 just like you know ugh. and i was like there wasn't a big what in the fuck there was not a wind and what I did is I irrigated that day, the day before, and it had been a pretty dry stretch. And uh, I fucking irrigated like seven lines in that 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 uh, quarter acre plot right there. And the voles were just waiting for that moist soil and those fucking fresh new roots. And uh, I thought of a lot of different things, but I really hadn't thought too much about rodents since planting stages, you know, and didn't put any bait out of it and do anything type of shit like that um but uh yeah needless to say um all i could do was well we staked some plants but when you start to stake uh 300 400 500 fucking plants you you just you say fuck it. <laughs> like you basically are like there's three other parts of the farm and there's only one of us mainly sometimes two of us here and basically um uh we staked like one row of like 80 plants, maybe maybe two rows of 80 plants with those huge bamboo stakes. Picked the plants up, staked them up, tied them. And uh, they, I mean, actually every one of them lived, not one plant died. And uh, the rows that laid over, it was actually almost like they were kind of super cropped. I mean, we had 
great yields from that plot. But all I could do, dude, was just fucking um, dump microbes on them. Like, meaning like I, I was like, I don't want to dump a bunch of fertilizer on a bunch of plants to have a fucked up root system. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but I had this, like, these, like, water soluble uh, microbes. It was like an ag. Oh, fuck, what's the name of it? I think the product was is called Accomplish, and it's by like Loveland or something. They're basically what I found, and this is the kind of shit that Brandon Russ talks about a lot. And this is the the shit that hopefully hemp can help cannabis growers, like weed growers, uh, like how to scale or save some fucking money. But like the and you might have to have like a hemp license or a business license to get access to some of these accounts. But I bet if you're a fucking grower and you're going to buy enough of it, that they would sell it to you as long as, you know, you just establish an account with them. But there's a lot of ag distributors, like especially up here in the Midwest near all these corn and soy farmers where like some of these dudes are trying to go organic. You know what I mean? Like most of them are not, but like I found basically a two and a half gallon jug of three bacillus strains and it's called accomplish. And, um, yeah, it, it can go right through my drip lines. So like I was, I, again, dude, I didn't, nobody's taught me any of this shit. So my girlfriend and I basically just figure this stuff out. We're pretty hard headed and we do as much research as we can. And then we pretty much try the cheapest, best option that anybody in our position would try. You know what I mean? And, um, we ended up getting like a, like a one gallon, um, fertilizer injector, like a, pretty much like a Venturi siphon type, super simple, pretty cheap fertilizer injector system that you actually would probably use on like large landscapes at like hotels and shit. You know what I mean? It's like they build like a landscape and they'll put like a little tank in a box under the ground, you know, like the, you know, this deep underground. And, and then like, they'll put like a liquid fertilizer in there and the timer will come on and shoot that thing through there once a week. And it'll keep that landscape real pretty, you know? So what we did is um, for our field plots is, uh, you know, I was like, well, shit, I want to run some liquid fertilizer to these plants because we got started late on a lot of them and we don't have a tractor or anything to be doing, you know, really tillage or amendments or anything. So it was pretty old school, you know, it was pretty much like no-till planting. I planted it by hand and then, um, yeah, you plant them by hand and they're fucking rocking and you're kind of healing and then the voles come in and fuck your world up. And uh, back to my point, all I could do was basically just dump you know, the little bits of like kelp and some other things that would like help reduce the stress. But basically I was just like, man, I just make anything that's there available to whatever roots are left. And that accomplished product was kind of like my best tool in my toolbox. And it was extremely affordable. I guess it was another point that like Brandon Russ kind of talks about like ag sill and shit. Um, but basically, uh, yeah, I just started dumping like double the microbes I was going to on those lines and then just letting them dry out. Like I basically really timed that watering, just like we all know, like growing good fucking weed, you know, or just healthy weed is like, get those, let it dry out a little bit. Yeah, you need to keep your soil moist and all that. Um, yeah, in the field, I was letting some of those plants go fucking, you know, 15, 16 days without water. And um, yeah, I feel like you'd see them like, just like, a container, man, when you would dry back a container and um, you get that burst of growth, you know, right before you're watering, 
you know, it's like it dries out and the plant's like, shit, I'm almost going to die. So I'm going to try and grow a little bit. Then you water. And then that's how if you kind of time your irrigations, in my opinion, you really just see like growth every day, you know, even in a, a room that isn't like perfect, if you're timing your irrigations, right. And you have your feeding strength in that same harmony, you know what I mean? You really can get some decent growth rates. So I kind of did the same in the field. I felt like, and the voles that fucked my roots up quite a bit. Um, I somehow mitigated that a little bit and uh, the plants bounced back pretty damn well. Um, but uh, sorry, that kitten that you just saw back to that whole catalyst. That's the, the freaking catalyst here. Um, yeah. So when that started happening, everything I started reading was like, we'll just get you some barn cats, you know, just get you cats. And I'm like, well, fucking a, the one beneficial predator this farm has is freaking cats, you know? So like, and most of the guys I meet around here, man, I'll shit you not. Most of them are just like, just shoot them, you know, shoot them, put them in the dumpster and fuck that, man. I'm just, that's just not me. And uh, so we're going to do what we can to kind of, you know, uh, fix them. And, and while we're running this farm and whatever farm we, uh, we build later, it uh, looks like we have a vol patrol or two. That's kind of what I'm calling them now. They're the vol patrol, but um, one of the cats, she's awesome. Um, she's like had two litters and this is her second litter. Uh, we didn't get her fixed in time off of the first one. So, um, uh, but yeah, they all actually have appointments this coming week. Uh, like everybody, um, not the tiny kittens, but the first batch that are like seven months old and they've been in training in the dojo, uh, ready to fuck some voles all up this season. So, uh, pretty much I have, uh, my beneficial predator program, Mr. Sentinel, Mr. Matthew Gates, uh, is uh, freaking cats. And I'm going to keep the, the field plot really well weeded and mowed. And I'm going to uh, make sure those cats are pretty hungry. And uh, they're going to uh, hopefully, hopefully help me uh, mitigate the uh, vole problem without, you know, having to, you know, uh, put too much work into it uh, ourselves because the only other thing we can do is is you know trap them and you know uh, not put down poison but there's this like new product that does kill them if they eat it but it's like a paraffin wax type thing you know so it's like harmless to you know it's not like a poison where it'll poison the vole and then the cat gets it or something else gets it and it can poison them it's like some other some other thing i think it's called like vole block or I can't remember what it is. We bought some of it, but we, we didn't use, but maybe one bag. And, um, like, as a, like I, when we were starting to apply it in the field, we were just like, this is not scalable. It was kind of that thing where like you immediately saw like, yeah, this is kind of throwing, you know, uh, scotch tape on a fucking, you know, <laughs> something you need to go get some, um, you know, stitches for. So anyways, but yeah, the cats, sorry about that. I kind of have them, they're put up right now my again this is like a my little travel trailer i have just parked out on the farm dude and uh the uh the my bathroom is uh not my bathroom when i went to pee i stepped outside and pissed on the edge of the field <laughs> because uh you know the kittens got the bathroom so um you know uh, but when all this is over with i'll have uh six tiny little kittens running around and climbing my legs while i try and pack a bowl <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh but uh, yeah, they, it's, it's getting pretty cold tonight. It should get like actually below freezing tonight. Um, I don't know if it's, it's gotta be getting cold for you too, man, but it's cooling back off and you know, they, uh, I got a little spot for them out there, but they come in, you know, for a little bit longer when it's this cold. So. Pretty chilly up here for sure. 
I didn't realize you were actually in Michigan as well, to be honest with you, until you shouted it out for the show. Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah, we're, uh, I'm just north of Kalamazoo, kind of uh, below Grand Rapids, man. So it's, uh, I'm not far from you, dude. If you're up near Grayling and shit, I mean, I fucking, it's got to be what? I don't know much about this state, but that's like two, three hours, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, just right around Grayling, to be honest with you. Hell yeah. I yeah. think that, uh, uh, that, like, I, uh, Highway 131 is basically like, the fucking stretch that goes north from the 94 up through Kalamazoo and Grand Rapids, I think. I think it goes pretty much straight up there. So, like, the, uh, yeah, it's kind of easy. Michigan's pretty easy to navigate. I'll tell you that. It's uh, gridded out pretty easily. And uh, back home in North Carolina and on the East Coast, man, it shit's windy roads and fucking hills and trees and just, like, you know, know, you get lost as shit real easy, you know, back, back home. California was a little more gridded out as well. Um, up in the mountains is a little different, but yeah, man. Now it's Michigan is, I, I, I feel like that, you know, we, uh, we did well coming to Michigan when it comes to timing and, and uh, I like it up here, dude. And I mean, I've, I ain't been, sh- I've only been on this farm pretty much, you know, we, uh, we, uh, when we first moved here is the beginning of 2019 and we stayed uh, over near Detroit at my girlfriend's grandmother's house. Uh, she doesn't stay in stay in it during the winter time, and she's 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 actually in her uh, late nineties. She was born on this farm. All right, so basically that's kind of the connection to the farm we're on. Is is uh, uh, my girlfriend's grandmother was born on this farm? It's her, you know, it's their old family farm, and it was a dairy farm for like hundred years, and uh, shut down, and and basically. Uh, quite a few people in the family for years while we were out in California always said, you know, y'all gotta, y'all gotta come to Michigan. You know, uh, there's weed in Michigan, you know, they have medical marijuana in Michigan. And, and I was like, yeah, we're looking. And, you know, it was one of the only places that had family of any kind, you know, where there was legal weed. And uh, that, that like, you know, that by far was the thing that was the, the, the that sucked the most was um, yeah, just, moving away from everyone you know what i'm saying uh you, you know like growing and not having a support system is a bitch you know what i'm saying so um yeah michigan was like oh there's fucking water california didn't have much water power was crazy expensive in california like just to give you an idea i was a home grower all right and i had at the time i think four thousand or five thousand watts in a flowering room during this grow is the middle of summer um and uh I, it was my second grow so the power company pumped us up to the fifth tier it within like a couple of bills they were like oh yo homie's growing weed let's put him on that list and uh dude we got a power bill for two and a half thousand dollars <laughs> you know it was like two and a half grand and uh, I mean, I was kind of expecting around, uh, you know, 1500 bucks, 1800 bucks. But when it went up to 2500 that month, that was like a kick in the nuts. And I was just like, man, California's going to make it kind of hard on me. So, um, you know, a, a bunch of reasons why we were looking at Michigan. But no, nah, it was mainly Michigan uh, going wreck, you know, like in 2018, in October, uh, we were kind of thinking, you know, hey, man, we really, really should leave California. And uh 
Michigan, I think, is the, the spot. And then, boom, y'all fucking legalized weed up here in y'all's elections in, the, in 2018. I'm pretty sure that's when it was. And, um, and then the farm bill, uh, the 2018 farm bill happened. So, like, I'd been – so, like, one of the greatest people I met in California was this dude named Jason. And Jason taught me about CBD in 2012. And basically, he was selling CBD gum. And he was like one of the first people to like kind of distribute this shit in, in California. And he, he's fucking badass, dude. But he basically, uh, um, yeah, he taught me about CBD. And he was like, there's a couple of plants that are around, one of them being Charlotte's Web, that it grows like our, our wheat. Like, it, dude, it's, it's cannabis. It looks just like our wheat. It smells just like it, tastes just like it. It just produces a shitload of CBD instead of THC. And, uh, it didn't really hit me then, you know, but as I got older and the CBD wasn't going away and I had used a couple of CBD products and um, I didn't really get shit out of them. And I think they were just, you know, terrible sources um, of the CBD. But um, yeah, by the time the 2008 farm bill happened, I totally saw the potential in smokable hemp, meaning that like if there was a hemp program in North Carolina, which had already kind of started. So like, if North Carolina and Tennessee and fucking Kentucky, I think was the first one. Um, there's a couple States and uh, quite a few of them in the South that like embraced the 2015 farm bill, which allowed certain States to potentially develop like pilot programs. And it was almost like 2018 farm bill kind of, did the same thing, but like completely legalized it federally. So these pilot programs actually weren't like in a gray area. So like actually states could then, they didn't develop them like Michigan, I don't think had developed a pilot program yet. And in 2018, when the farm bill was passed by early 2019, they were developing the Michigan hemp pilot program. But like North Carolina and Kentucky and Tennessee and a couple other states had already developed a pilot program that didn't go with federal law at that point in time but they it was almost like california and michigan and other states that were doing medical marijuana programs or rec weed programs and saying fuck you to the federal government basically it was almost like those states were doing the same but with hemp and their pilot programs you know what i'm saying and i just knew that like if north carolina that's strict and conservative and you know a southern state like if you know there were dudes growing hemp there and they found out that smokable hemp strains existed, well, then that was going to just be it, you know, because some people love smoking weed, but not getting baked as shit. And if that, if those varieties are really now going to exist and the benefit of is getting like a serious full spectrum medicine from it, you know, CBD and everything else, like, um, and again, I come from a tobacco area, like, people love just the culture of smoking you know what i mean so like i and i know a lot of people that want to quit smoking cigarettes and and i and yada yada i just like smokable hemp i think is potentially when it works out some of the kinks it can be very fucking big you know and um that's kind of what you know the farm that we're on the township that it exists in is extremely conservative so like they are they've opted out like they don't want you know, medical or rec commercial cannabis. So hemp 
was the only thing that I can really do on this property for right now. And I'm totally okay with that. I can run a caregiver's garden if I wanted. I'll probably do just 12 this year, um, just THC, just because I've, you know, not done it the past couple of years and got to start growing my own smoke again. But um, yeah, so like uh, the um, potential for smokable hemp um, is, uh, is huge. And basically, uh, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of part of what I want to share with the community is like what I've learned so far getting our hemp license, going from basically a tent grower or a small bedroom grower to fucking growing an acre of plants, you know, um, and also um, shit on my IG, there's pictures of our silo grow. That's kind of what I call it, but it's basically an old feed bunker silo that they used to like uh, put a bunch of corn silage in and um, things 30 feet wide by 120 feet long. And uh, we built like a hundred. Yeah, it's like it's big. Um, but uh, yeah, we built a, a bed that just it's all concrete. It's like concrete floor, concrete walls. It literally looks like a bunker above ground. It's pretty wild. But basically, um, we filled that thing with uh, soil made from the land and like, you know, sand, some clay, a little bit of silt and clay. And then like 25 year old composted cow manure from one of the old shit pits and basically you know just dumped it into that silo and smoothed it out and um yeah we uh so i guess i guess what i'm getting out of there is like i have never done a living soil bed grow you know and i wouldn't even really call this a living soil i mean it's living there's all types of shit living in it you know a lot of fungus a lot of you know uh, some worms and stuff but um I definitely grew it like synganically this season, you know, cause it was the first season I ran it in there and half the inputs that we had were just, I was using up leftover stuff, you know, just budgetary reasons. Like, you know, as long as I, you know, it was, you know, suitable for growing fire weed, I would put it on our hemp. Um, but like, you know, the stuff I'm learning now, um, you know, just regarding true living soil grows and, and all like all the stuff smiling, everybody is really, uh, learning and teaching. Um, I can't wait to apply those to this bed because the system actually worked pretty damn well this past season. And I think that it deserves to be run again and we're prepping it for it right now. Um, but, you know, it, I'm growing all this hemp um, just like I'd be growing weed, you know, cause it is fucking, it's the same shit. And if people are going to be smoking it or it's going to attempt to be smokable hemp, and if it can't meet those standards, then it gets made into like fire ass extracts or pre-rolls, you know, then basically that's just um, how else, I don't know how else to grow. And I don't, you know, want to, want to grow any other way, but we're going to, we're growing in so many different systems. Like we're growing in the ground directly in the soil, um, and we're using like we're doing some dry land farming. Um, but that big bed in the silo is super interesting. And I was, I was really nervous about it, actually, um, because the um, yeah, like I've, I've seen clones put into pots too big and rushed into flowering before they develop that root system. And that does not develop a healthy plant uh that produces good butt it could even be decent genetics now fuck it all up we all know that it won't be potent it'll be fluffy you know it's like um i had one run where i'd run the clones multiple times so i knew it but i rushed it into some grow bags and i put them in two gallon grow bags instead of one gallon grow bags and i didn't adjust the cycle time and um i immediately 
you know, that question was answered. Oh, this is why some bags of wheat are like this. Um, or this is why some people's uh, herb is like this. It's because they're not letting that root system to develop. Uh, they're not letting it develop in that pot or the container they're using. And um, it's just producing an inferior quality product. So I was scared to death that the silo was going to do that. So that's why I put 137 or 136 plants in it. Um, I put as like, I just put four rows, three foot in row spacing, fucking I stuffed that silo with plants. And I just was like, man, all I can do is basically fill this bed up with as many roots as quick as I can and hope it dries it the fuck out. And it did. It was pretty wild after like, um, we had a pretty dry summer at times. It was like hot and dry at times and then super wet towards the end this year in Michigan or this past season. But um, there were days where I could uh, walk out onto that bed and fucking smack it with my hand, the soil. And it would sound like a drum, like it was kind of dry, like it would dry out that big of a chunk of soil would start to dry out to the point where I could actually hear like the, you know, like a thud change. And, um, and the type of soil being that it's sand and, uh, and clay and, and a lot of compost, like, and you're used to, dude, I've lifting pots, bro. You know, that's just, that's what I've been doing for 10 years is lifting pots, you know? So um, it was very different for me to be digging into the soil in the field and digging into that bed and, you know, touching the soil and being like, ah, is that fucking wet or dry? I don't know, you know? And so, um, but um, we've learned a ton. And uh, uh, what I've learned most too, is that there's a lot of people um, in Oregon and Colorado and some other mature markets, I know it's different, but there's a lot of people growing smokable hemp that do not know how to grow smokable cannabis. And, uh, there's a lot of good growers out there that fucking love the plant can grow dank weed. And, you know, they, they should grow smokable hemp if they have that option because they know the plant they love the plant and like the amount that you know a crop can give you even like a quarter acre or half acre or one acre you know if, if you're if you have this the property or the space um and you can grow fire product it'll sell just like good weed you know and that's only going to get a little better you know um there are there's people out there figuring out brokering and um different uh product lines that will want smaller batch sun-grown craft hemp flower and you know um yeah so i think that um here in michigan instead of growing weed right now i've been basically growing uh hemp varieties that are of smokable quality and um just trying to figure out the sops to affordably do that on a small scale and then i want to basically teach that to every um good weed grower uh, that can grow good weed and should be growing the weed, not farmers that don't give a fuck about weed, um, that are only in it for the money. Um, they really, you know, uh, the fucking, the weed growers, man, they should be the ones holding hemp license, growing as much of the flower as possible. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I can't wait to grow some Michigan weed for myself, but for right now, it's just been a ton of hemp, you know what I'm saying? And, um, Joshua, so like Joshua Steensland on your, your program a few weeks back, like a month ago, I don't, I didn't know much about him and I still don't, uh, what I do know and what I see is fucking awesome. And the dude has his head on his shoulder straight for sure. Um, and one of the few things that he said that I've paired it to my partners for years and, uh, basically, um, tell anybody that I can is that, um, he said that him and his partners were basically developing an operation in Ohio, I think, um, for an indoor smokable hemp 
grow with this like you know 100 lighter living soil bed all that shit which is fucking awesome but he said one key thing he said we're developing it under our hemp license as if it were a regulated medical or recreational grow so that our infrastructure is set up for when it does go legal our facilities basically can just switch right over to cannabis to weed so i thought that was simple like um shit dude when i got a hemp license I started going to Home Depot and like giving my tax ID number for my hemp business. And I was like getting tax breaks and stuff like um, that weed tax. Yeah, you definitely get the weed tax and hemp too on some levels. But for the most part, you're you're now an ag business. You know, you get fucking help. You know, um, it's not as easy as like, oh, you're going hemp, you get insurance. You know, it's no problem. That's nah, not that easy, um, but it's definitely um, there's a lot of weed growers that get so used to just fucking being taxed out the ass and having to go above and beyond out of their ways to kind of get what they need and develop their systems and their grow and their SOPs. And um, fuck, if there's operators out there that grow weed and they have the property to do so and a little bit extra money to get a hemp license, which they're usually not that expensive. Uh, Michigan's kind of fucking it up a little bit right now, but um it is what it is but really it's it's worth it in my opinion and i think there's so many weed growers out there that can you know grow probably way better fucking smokable hemp than i can they just need to know what their options are you know and what the potential is and um yeah so again i can't remember what the hell you asked me that made me start talking about all that shit but yes i'm a michigan dude you know and I, i'm pretty stoked about it so you know it can get pretty fucking cold up here though. And I pretty much stayed in this travel trailer the entire winter. You know, I'm pretty proud about that too. So that was some, that was a, a learning curve in itself, but you know, it, uh, smoking plenty of weed though. So it was all right. Yeah, it'd be pretty chilly. It'd be pretty chilly. <clears throat> so when you smoke, when you say smokable hemp, do you say, do you think of uh, more of like a package pretty flower or do you, you think of more of like uh pre pre-packaged cigarettes you know what i mean pre-rolls stuff like that so i think for the masses it's going to be like pre-packaged cigarettes you know what i'm saying like i think that like i think that 90 percent of uh people out there in the future that will just it like hemp cigarettes you know hemp pre-rolls will just be literally a part of their life like cigarettes are for so many people you know and i just grew up around a place where like it was not abnormal for an adult to be smoking two to three packs of cigarettes a day you know so like most of the kids i was around by the time they were 16 they were smoking a pack of cigarettes a day and you know just like by the time they're 40 or 50 years old jesus the amount of money they've spent on cigarettes the amount of like you know the 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 cars and the houses that have been ruined by the smell and yada, yada. It's just like cigarettes, just it, I think cigarettes became cigarettes for a reason. They're the access, the ease of access, how quick you can pull one out of your pocket and light one up. It's a social, you know, icebreaker. There's a million things that a cheap cigarette did for people besides just giving them something to smoke. You know what I mean? I think that like, even with all the damage people keep buying cigarettes or did keep buying cigarettes. And I think it has, it's just a lot to do with humans being humans and anxiety and social situations and stress management and yada, yada. And then again, a lack of an option, just like a lot of people drink in prohibition states because they don't have access to good weed that's legal and kind of affordable, you know, and if they did, they probably wouldn't drink, you know? So I think that smokable hemp 
on a large scale, it, it, you know, just like tobacco could be smoked in a bunch of different ways out of peace pipes and a million other things, but it ended up being the cigarette industry for a reason. I think it's just, again, people got shit to do. They, 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 they want to be drinking a beer, having a conversation or doing a, you know, and most of the time it's easier to just pull one out and light it up. Um, but no, there's definitely going to be room for boutique flower though. Let me be very clear about that. Um, and that's just because more and more people are being educated what quality cannabis is like, just like I was in college, like, oh, no, this is dank. This is this is fucking $60 an eighth for a reason. Now, we got to get that price down for good weed. But um, like that's the thing is smokable hemp. Like I want 10 jars to choose from every night and I want one or two of them to be hemp strains. But like you would never know unless the label is there telling you, hey, this tested at, you know, 0 0.3, 0 0.4 THC but it has 10% CBD and 5% CBG. And then it has this Turk profile that really works well for me to sleep well or whatever. Um, I think that's where it's going to end up being. It's going to end up being part of your side salad. You know what I mean? It's going to be like, oh, my fucking nerves are a little shot today. I'm going to take some of this dank ass CBD flower and put 30% of my joint as that today. You know what I mean? I think so. Like having the variety of cannabis strains, some being smokable hemp strains that are legally hemp and can be grown by hemp operators. But again, their, their terp profiles, um, the, the way they look and smell and grow and taste. Um, and, you know, they're just gonna, they're gonna blend well with your other premium triple A grade flower, you know, and, um, say you're dating some chick and she is very sensitive, you know, to it, but she wants to sit down with you in front of a movie and, you know, roll a couple of joints with you and enjoy that experience with you. I like smokable hemp. I think good dank flour is going to be like stuff for that. Yeah. You can always get a pre-roll and a million other things, but you know, the culture of connoisseur cannabis, I think there is a, a place for good hemp flour. One thing that, um, comes to mind while I'm saying this uh I can't remember the the company but it was it might have been Leafly it might have been one of those kind of bigger online kind of data and rating boards or whatever for strains but there was some competition in the past year like, like last last year and um they had a category on like what strains produce a consistent effect throughout multiple people and I forget the name of the, the, the um, category, but it was almost like, oh, this, you know, Durban poison, it's said to, you know, suppress the appetite. And then you get 20 people to fucking smoke it and 10 of them still get kind of munchies or whatever. Like that's the kind of like what strain can actually do what it says it's going to do and then be consistent across a number of patients or people. Well, the one that won that was, um, I think it was a sour lifter or it was a, it was a hemp strain. Like it was, they smoked 20 different strains, all these different judges. And when they all at the end said, which one like produced a relaxing, calming effect and, you know, whatever, whatever, like all the, all the judges experience for that strain was by far the leader in consistency when it came to like delivered effects as advertised. And I think that's extremely valuable. I think that like, um, that's part of the problem with uh, cannabis, especially for users that are really sensitive or they're not as experienced, you know, they can, they can basically, you know, hit something one time and go to the fucking moon, you know, or take a bite out of a little edible and, you know, have a terrible experience. So I think that hemp is by far going to be 
the the conduit to like uh using cannabis on a more daily basis i think like if i had to introduce somebody to smoking weed now i wouldn't even consider giving them like you know like the gorilla glue or the fucking mk ultra or something like that like i'd roll them up a fucking fatty of the cbd flower we grew and tell them to face it and then look them in the eye and tell like you know my girlfriend's really sensitive to like thc you know um like she doesn't even like she doesn't really use cannabis anywhere near like she wants to, or like I would like her to, but now that we're growing hemp, like it's incredible what she's experienced on that. And the first pre-roll she smoked of it, I swore like I uh, fucking some of my grinder hash must've fucking gotten in there. Cause I was just like, you know, you look kind of baked, you know? And, um, she was just like, you know, I don't feel it, but like, I feel kind of squinty, you know, and I definitely have a little bit of a buzz and she was like, I'm really relaxed, but, um, you know, and then some other, uh, some, some college students we have that, uh, come up and help every now and again, um, two of them smoked a couple pre-rolls and they themselves, like they, you know, they walked back up and, and one of the, uh, she had, you know, baked eyes, you know, and I was just like, you look kind of stoned. Like, are you guys like, are you getting stoned off this hemp? You know, like I dread it. Like as a hemp operator, that's one of the worst things is fucking learning to test appropriately, like learning to test your fucking crop and then pulling it at the right time to where it's fucking legal, you know, because any good smokable hemp strain right now, that's CBD, it's going to be very close to the line, if not technically over a little bit when it comes to like being hot or whatever you want to say. Now, as long as it's not egregious, they're really not going to fuck you up, but really you need to pull it when it's on time. And what I'm learning is that fresh terps, you know, fresh terps mixed with a little bit of other cannabinoids to somebody that's truly sober or that doesn't smoke a lot of pot, they'll, they'll get a buzz. Like they'll just like when you smoke cigarettes for the first time or something like that, like you'll get a little bit of a buzz and maybe a rush of relief or relaxation or something is that buzz. But like, um, shit, I've been on the ladder hanging hanging colas for like two weeks and my my neck and upper shoulders were wrecked by this point and some of the flour was drying enough and this was this past harvest season and um one of the girls that was helping harvest she rolled up and was just like can i roll you a joint uh like of the cbd flour and i was like sure i haven't smoked one yet actually and um dude uh, it was like i grew hundreds of pounds of this shit and then you know i was one of the last people to be convinced that it was you know worth it you know like i had to i went and sat i went and sat in our car off to the side of the field and just fucking blazed down that pre-roll and just went into like a real chill state and like my neck and back pain definitely chilled the fuck out and um i was kind of like oh yeah this is the future because it's like when people can get 20 of these in a pack, like a cigarette, like cigarettes, and it's under 10 bucks, that's that's when it's over, in my opinion. Um, if you're still smoking cigarettes after that's available, then you you truly do like love, you know, something about cigarettes and nicotine. And it's like, you know, you probably should just blend that a little bit with whatever, because you found you just found your shit. But really, I think that when smokable hemp products are an option. And they're good and they're consistent and they're affordable i think a ton of people are going to get a lot of relief and a lot of help and a lot of healing and a lot of cigarette cells are going to keep dropping 
you know, and I still have family that, that farms some tobacco, you know what I'm saying? Like I still have family members that are like, yeah, man, one day you'll convince me to grow hemp. You know, I'm going to, <laughs> it just might, it, it might be grain and fiber for a couple of years until the, the smokable hemp lines, you know, really come out for the masses at the price points to where, you know, you need the volume grown. And that's the thing too, is like um, Joshua Steensland, speaking of, that dude's on a whole nother level. Like I'm not like I'm fucking small scale, you know, um, but basically, you know, you can grow a thousand fucking pounds um, on an acre. But how good is that thousand pounds after a month or two after you pull it? That's kind of what I saw um, is the biggest challenge is actually fucking harvesting all that shit. Like I had never done an outdoor anywhere near like this. I'd been around a couple of big outdoors in Cali where like, I was like, Oh yeah, I'll help harvest and I'll help you trim for a month straight. Like I drove up to Oregon one time to a buddy's place that he, his, his dad had just got a new place up there. And he, he fucking took a truck of plants from Cali to Oregon and set up. And four months later, I was like, dude, you ain't got a garden right now. Do you? And I'm like, no, nah. he's like, I need help trimming. I went up there and helped him trim like 30 pounds, something like that. And you know, it was just, it was, uh, it's crazy. But um, yeah, I, we, you know, a couple weeks into that silo grow and the field was starting to catch up. And I started to think, you know, well, fuck, you know, uh, we better make some friends pretty quickly because <laughs> um, I don't have the budget to pay 20 fucking people, you know, to help me harvest for three days, four days straight. Um, and it was weird. It was like the universe just kind of does what it does sometimes man and uh these two college kids that uh, were kind of living on a farm right down the road just these cool hippie chicks uh just literally like living in a tent just getting farm experience and uh one of my partners knew you know that farmer and they were looking for some spare barn material and uh one of our old barns had fallen down this past year like this property is just it's in you know it's crumbling like the infrastructure like it's a 160 acre farm um but but all the production acres are being grown corn and soy right now and that contract has one more year but for but like the seven acres where the old freestalls were at and the old dairy and milking parlor and uh fucking the old farmhouse that burned down all that kind of stuff has just been like being overgrown like it looks like a post-apocalyptic world when we got here so basically uh you know, we, uh, there's a bunch of old barn wood and fucking sheet metal and all types of stuff just like piled up here and there. And, uh, these girls were trying to build like a little farm stay at this other farm. And, uh, my partner was like, Sam might, uh, go talk to Sam. He might actually need some help harvesting. I have a feeling and you might get work something. So basically, uh, I traded a bunch of like barn materials for harvest help and uh ended up um with like a bunch of college kids coming up from kalamazoo and just mashing out harvest with me and my girlfriend for like a week and uh, i gave them so much goddamn cbd flour like these girls still are smoking on that shit you know and um and they you know got all the materials they needed and um you know it's uh it's um 
but yeah, the harvest logistics, I think that's where my, my mind was going is by far, um, what small operators that are going to potentially grow a quarter acre to a couple acres of hemp needs to think about. So when Joshua Steensland was like, man, I was standing on the side of my field with my partner and we had transfer trucks pulling bud out of the field. I was just like, I could see that, you know, because I fucking harvested that that fucking half acre for like two weeks every day. And there was still so much meat on the bones when we were done. It wasn't even funny. You know what I mean? Like we harvested by hand every day. And those, I mean, those, the, the college students, they came up maybe four or five times for maybe four or five hours. But other than that, it was like my girlfriend and I and my other partner, uh, you know, um, every now and again, like, I mean, shit, just every day. Um, half the time it was with a lawnmower with a yard trailer with like 10 of the huge 45 gallon black totes just like i should post a picture of that shit but it's i called it the harvest mobile and it was literally just like a yard trailer with like you know um maybe like a 10 by 14 it's kind of a big yard trailer but just fucking totes of bud dude it's like every grower that you know like us it's what they need to do you know like even if they sit on it for a year they need to they need to fucking pull that much flour and they need to just make rso for everybody you know what i mean so um i I don't know i think that and and you know now that i'm having the hemp license for a couple years and kind of seeing how things go and all that there are breeders that probably are doing some pretty cool things under their hemp license quietly you know what i mean they're probably there's got to be dudes around the country that are fucking doing some pretty awesome breeding programs with big numbers under their hemp license and then you know somehow uh taking the ones that are worth the shit and getting them out of there if they're you know thc but basically um yeah there's just like there i just can't stress it enough like any home grower that's just addicted to learning about this plant and growing it, check out your local hemp laws. Like, I think Jack was even talking about it recently about potentially fucking with some hemp in his backyard or something for Terps. And I was like, yeah, he's seeing the light. He's, uh, he's getting it because, you know, really if that's, you can do so much with it, man. You know, it can good hemp genetics, just like good weed genetics, like it'll produce fire flower and it'll produce a great extract. And um, there's a place for that. I forget that you can't see Chad there, but uh, oh, right here, why, why sustainable? Says thank you, bitch. Uh, favorite hemp flower for bubble and bean harvester on the tractor works good for NRCS is great farm for rehab. So just wanted to throw that out and. Why you uh, think over that what hemp is good for bubble or would be good for bubble? So um, I'm gonna shut this cam- camera off. I'm listening, but I'm gonna I gotta move this thing so I can grab okay. a handful of flour behind that. Sweet. But I'm here. I'm listening. Okay, ten four. <laughs> yeah, I gotta smoke soon. I really gotta smoke soon. Um, yeah. So uh, when yeah. it comes to CBD flour for bubble, I don't know yet. That's actually something. Oh, that's pretty. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what CBD flower is good for bubble because I haven't. Uh, I really haven't had the pleasure of washing uh, any CBD flower. Like I have a lot of CBD flower and I haven't washed a bit of it yet. Um, and that's mainly just because we. 
I mean, shit, just in the past couple of weeks, we finally got it all, um, you know, into our, you know, storage totes. And basically it's now in the workroom where we're going to be setting up our, um, uh, we got a, an Eto Pro uh, to basically just do test RSO batches and small batches. And, um, and then, yeah, we're going to get the washing machine back and uh, break out the bags and um, start washing some of our material. And I mean, as you all know, some strains just wash for shit. And um, if it produces enough to, to where it's worth it, you know, on a business level, you know, uh, economically, then even if it washes for shit, it still can be worth it. But uh, the um, so we grew cherry wine. So in 2019, uh, cherry wine in 2018, I think was pretty big. And um, so uh, all the hemp that uh, is in the field and in the silo, that was one particular pheno that I selected from our cherry wine seeds from our 2019 stock. And um, it's, uh, well, uh, when I selected it, back in the day i would i would wash like if i did a fino if i was doing a pheno hunt or i had uh, i was running five cuts and yeah, all five of them were bomb but you know one of them dumped way more hash that one definitely had more run next you know like more clones run next or i kept it around oh man that looks really good um what is that that is some twisted tk Oh, okay. Yeah. Southern genetics right there is what I asked. Oh, man, that looks good. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, we ran 30. So we, that's kind of funny. So when we first got to Michigan, I think I kind of was going on to that. We stayed on the east side of the state for a couple of months. Everyone in the family, you know, was always like, you got to meet, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so their brother and sister they're basically my my girls uh, uh second cousins their dad ran the farm he was one of the the children that took over the farm whereas like my girl's grandmother she moved away from the farm years ago um and uh we finally got across the state and uh met them headed off and uh basically uh i, I well i saw the farm they took me out to the farm and i just immediately immediately it was just like the fucking potential here it's absolutely amazing um there's just tons of old concrete infrastructure everywhere like there's just there's fucking concrete everywhere and it, there's just um yeah dude there's like old silos there's uh, old barns that are kind of falling down and there's just you know there were some old little pasture uh places like we cleared the old uh horse pasture that was maybe maybe like a hundred feet by 250 feet so it was just like a nice rectangle we cleared so in the fall of 2019 while i had 36 three gallon pots on the concrete i cleared off basically like 20 year old shit off the corner of this concrete slab and we got 36 seedlings in talus in uh the, the beginning of june the beginning of june in 2019 so um i pitched to them basically my idea of like okay the little town won't allow us to grow weed on this thing but we could potentially do hemp we just have to wait for michigan to start a hemp pilot program and then literally uh i get a call from my partners now and they say let's do it 
Let's do it when we can do it. And the next fucking day, I shit you not, Michigan came out with the hemp pilot program rules. It was fucking crazy. <laughs> the next day. And I barely even knew, you know, her at the time, my partner now. And, um, you know, she was just like, this is too weird. Uh, we have to fucking do it now. And I was just like, I agree. So, uh, you know, within a week we were in Lansing getting our license and we were like in the first 50 people in the state to get a, a growers and processors license for him. And um, uh, by the beginning of June, the only CBD plants I could find in the state online, just like some Joe that doesn't know fucking anybody at this point, um, was a one website and it was some dudes up in Talis and they had bought like an old greenhouse a few years before and were kind of running like a little like landscape nursery garden center tiny thing out of it and they were smart enough to get their hemp license and buy a fuckload of seed and germinate them and sell them as seedlings for nine dollars and fifty cents a clip dude so like these dudes were selling plants starter plants regular seed seedlings for nine dollars and fifty cents each and they were not dropping price until you got above like twenty thousand thirty thousand plants and they were only dropping it by like a couple bucks so i walked in there and the first thing i said to him i got a big grin on my face because i saw like a half a million seedlings on these tables and they didn't even look that good but i still was like it's a gold rush it was that timing thing where it was like a brand new market the cbd market hadn't fallen out yet and I just said, what's your biggest order so far? And he was like, I got a guy coming for 77,000 starts tomorrow. And I did the math really quickly, like 77,000 times $7. And I just was like, yeah, fuck, you know, that's amazing. Um, but basically uh, we bought 36. So we spent like 300, two or 300 bucks. I don't know if the math is right now, but we bought 36. And this was me like coming from, the small home grower mindset you know what i mean like every single other person i met in the hemp game was like yo i just spent fucking 30 grand on feminized seed i just spent a shitload of money on clones to do 10 acres and you know and and that's awesome you know like that's that's awesome but literally our budget and the fact that we had no machinery dude we didn't even have like one building that could keep like animals and shit out you know like so like I was like, let's just try 36. I'll grow them as cheaply as I can. And we'll try and do a pheno hunt. And if there's something that basically passes the lab, that was the thing is that dude could have been selling fucking reg THC seeds. We never knew we have to. And like, you know, you don't want to break the law. You don't want to, you know, especially when you have partners that aren't from our world, you know what I mean? You definitely don't want to push it. So it was like, let's fucking run these plants. And, um, send every single female that's worth a shit to the lab and get them to analyze every sample for cannabinoid content tell me that it's legal cut or not and that's basically what we did um and during that first grow i ran like 36 plants in three gallons 16 of them were females pulled all the males off to the side revegged the males uh just in case i wanted to keep them um and uh most people wonder how you did that um, or, or how to do that. It, for me, it was as simple as treating it just like a flowering plant. I chopped that whole bitch down, you know, basically like at least half, maybe two thirds of the whole plant. You just cut it off and you chop off all the the, um, the growth tips, you know, and, and of course, everything that has pollen sacs on it. And then you put it under a light for 24 hours straight. You just leave. And it doesn't even have to be a really intense light, you know what I mean? But just that's every single I, I did like, you know, 
over a dozen males that way and they all stopped putting out pollen pretty much immediately and um one thing i, I did to keep um because i had some some males around at different different times um just use water a lot like i hear some people say that but if you're lucky enough to be outside just keep a fucking you know like a a spray head on a hose near your plants to just every time you walk by I'm just you know just just blast them with water and it'll it'll help deactivate a lot of that pollen you know that that might be on there so um but yeah we pulled uh 16 females and uh um fucking like four or five of them they looked and grew and smelled just like what we're used to you know the other ones actually they they all were they all looked and smelled pretty dank you know some of them were more hairy the other than others but they had great resin content on them um and it was you know i was smart enough to know that sometimes an airy flower will wash better you know but the lab results pretty much did all the selection for me and then uh the one that we ran in the field i guess this is getting back to my original point trying to um is uh it tested it had over two percent cbc in it and we tested 16 samples and two of those samples had robust levels of CBC compared to all the other ones. Um, and the one that we selected or that I selected for like production, the growth rate, like it really could grow. It cloned easily. Um, it's super leafy. That was one of the biggest downfalls is that it's a big, it's a really leafy strain, but it was a tank and it produced a really dense resinous flower but it had zero trichomes on the leaf. You know what I mean? It was one of those ones where like, you know, I worried about even breaking 10% CBD in the flower, you know, and, you know, but if you can get a 10% CBD flower and it's 0.28% THC, that shit will, excuse me, do well at market, especially if it has a, a high, higher terps, you know? Um, but, um, I guess my whole point is I won't be surprised if the pheno that we picked for the field does not wash that well. I hope I'm wrong, but I will know in the next week or two when I finally start washing it just to see if it's worth washing more of because we have plenty to wash. But um, it's kind of going to be one of those things where like I'm just about to start that where uh, and I, um, I'm going to be bringing in. There's a couple other farmers that have like 20 other varieties that are just kind of waiting um, for me to get a little bit farther down the road on a couple projects to where I'm going to be bringing in those flowers, doing a wash and a couple other extractions on those, seeing how they produce in each one, and then blending, doing a, like I want to do some blended CBD products because, like, it, the full spectrum aspect is extremely important with CBD, even more than THC, in my opinion. You know what I mean? It's like because the THC is so easy to feel even if it's brief if it's just pure thc and it's just like well you know in the head but um if you can get a full like bingus fucking bingus it bingus um said that he does an rso where he does like um three or five strains uh at least of cbd rso that's that's it i mean so that's basically what um what we're going to be trying to do and I, i'll definitely share that data dude because that's that's something that you know one of the first things that um, I was told when I started, this was, Hey man, can you make CBD bubble? I don't ever see CBD bubble, you know? And I'm, you know, just getting to that point now where we have freaking super sacks of stuff to wash. Um, but I also grew just one selection, you know, I kind of just for our part. So to be able to bring in other strains, um, that were grown well and, uh, 
the fuck the dude I'm thinking of right now that has 20 just sitting waiting. Um, you know, those are organically grown and all that too. So, uh, like he had like a certified organic vegetable farm and he just went fucking ham, you know, and he, uh, he's more of like a family man, farmer, like the CBD business, like right now with like these dudes like Joshua Steensland's, they can grow some pretty decent herb on, you know, greater but then they grow fucking 500 acres and grow a half a million pounds you know depending on how they can harvest it and dry and cure it and store it really will dictate the quality of it and i think that like um well i don't want to talk too much about it right now but part of what i'm working on is like the correct the correct conduit to market for a small smokable hemp farmer you know what i mean like like to where it's like you can grow a few thousand pounds of some dank flour but you're gonna make plenty of money to do it so you want to do it next year you know what i mean um and uh we have to like develop cbd bubble that's worth the shit that you know you can sell that to you know many different companies even like a thc extract company you know like that has a good market for for good concentrates like there could be some hemp companies out there hemp farmers out there that can make their fire ass cbd concentrates and then because there's a, technically a hemp product they can kind of sell it to whoever however and it could be to literally like other concentrate companies they just don't put in the money or time to grow that amount of that hemp you know what i mean and i just hope there's more you know fucking weed growers growing that type of hemp than ag ag dudes you know so i think it's the only way too where it'll be respected for what it can be is um yeah because you know again this is my first like huge season outdoor you know and i just was a fucking nut about trying to like do everything as close to indoor as i could and it's fucking impossible so you got to find that like threshold and just stay as close to it as you can and then at the end look at what you got and figure out how do you do it better next year but every other operator that is a large-scale ag operator they do not think like that um, at least the ones that i've met you know they pull it in out of the field and tractor and they throw it into a warehouse or they throw it into a, a dryer or whatever else and then before the end of the week it's usually done in a super sack and they're just like all right you know going to marketer it's not whatever i'm on to the next part of life you know um i think that uh there's a lot of weed growers out there that would give way more love and passion to the crop even if they're getting paid the same amount and uh well the end the end consumer will uh, very much benefit uh with for that so what about Bob and Chad was asking if you could talk about like harvest time. I'm pretty sure that's what he's asking for. Harvest time. Uh, what you're looking for in uh, trichomes in CBD slash hemp. So um, one day we will get to harvest uh, by the way we know. And that is looking at the trichomes or, you know, just knowing I fucking like my shit to be kind of gold. You know, I want to go to sleep every time I hit that shit, you know, so you don't even really look, you just kind of know, Oh, it's been on the plant for nine or 10 weeks. So it's good. Um, in hemp, the law, the fucking laws dictate when you harvest. That's, that's, uh, that's another thing about hemp is, um, pretty much getting used to seeing waste or a drop in quality you never would accept 
in uh, the THC game. Excuse me. So meaning uh, I have to send a sample into the state and they have to tell me, oh, you're at 0.12% THC and you're at 4% CBD. And, uh, you know, so if you think you're going to go hot in three weeks, you need to start pulling now and be done in two weeks. So that's basically what it is, is the minute you are sending samples to the lab, and a lot of them are like state um, accredited or mandated labs, you know what I mean? So that's a, a whole racket right there. But basically, the lab will say you're legal now or you're not legal. And if you're legal, you have two weeks from this window, a window to pull. So basically, if you aren't done pulling your field, you better send a sample in as soon as you can and hope that it still ain't went hot and get another two week window extension. You know what I'm saying? But pretty much you just time it right. You get everything done in two weeks and um, and anything left, it just fucking it rots, dude. And that's the it either rots or gets burned or you have a hell of a bonfire or all three, you know. So, um, but that is a bitch is, is basically seeing um, that if you don't have the infrastructure in place, like if you don't have, uh, you know, 15 or 20 people that will work their ass off and pay attention to detail, then you're going to see a lot of buds get stepped on like fucking buds that are dried five and six gram fucking beautiful fucking, you know, tops. And you, and, and it's, and people don't even mean to, they're just getting, they've, they've just harvested 200 tops like that. But on the way back to the trailer, you know, a fucking cola gets trampled somehow. And, you know, you as a grower walk by and you're like, what in the fuck? You know, like, dude, that's that bitch was like, if that was THC and it was a few years ago, that's like that's a forty dollar bud right there. You know, and the THC is still like fucking six, seven bucks, you know, if it actually turned out good. But um, yeah, you just but after like day five and you're like, oh, I could I could harvest for 10 more hours uh for the next four days straight and i'm still gonna leave that entire row of tops over there you know fuck so you, you end up kind of you end up kind of i remember the first couple of days like i was like sending the girls out into the field and i was like all right cut the colas to where it fits down into the tote you know what i'm saying to where like we get to the nets and we hang you know it's like i don't want to see colas kind of you know, jammed on the top of the tote like this on the edge. And, you know, it's like, uh, and a few days later, it's just like, just carry bundles, you know, and over to the trailer. And, you know, so it's just like, uh, you know, I always had plastic down and had totes and all that. But like by the end of it, uh, the last few loads that my girl and I did, no shit, we didn't even take totes. I, uh, I built, I put a couple of pieces of wood and made the walls of the trailer just a little bit higher. And I took a whole brand new sheet of plastic and I created one giant tray in the trailer of like a plastic sheet with uh, walls. And we just literally went out there as the sun was going down and just filled up the trailer the size of a Volkswagen Beetle twice of just colas, just tops, like the top fucking third of the plants on this one whole row uh, in the field that we just didn't get to. And, uh, that fucking, our lines were full. Uh, half of the lines were full for the second time. Um, we had no more room in our, our backup barn. It was like 
getting to 32 degrees that night like it was we had already suffered three or four frosts and the plants didn't give a shit let me be very clear about that um the plants in the field uh that had roots and these were all clones like pissed off clones i didn't have any um seedlings like in the field or in that silo grow like they were clones from the previous stock and uh the silo grow froze first because it was like 10 inches of soil you know what i mean it made sense like after the third frost i saw like the buds look and smell pretty differently the ones that didn't get harvested yet um but in the field like they took two more frosts like champs and even some of the fucking mids and and uh some of the tops on one of the two of the rows that we didn't get to dude they opt even more you could tell that, that they pumped out more resin and um it was really interesting seeing all that uh but uh so uh before i forget it because it's in my mind uh binga said something else really uh really valuable i think um a lot of people in the hemp game are like oh seeds seeds over clones and fuck i think Cass was even saying you can do fucking clones and i was like yeah preach it yeah you can do some fucking clones but I totally can see with the vol problem. See, Binga said that out in the Pacific Northwest, they use seeds in the hemp game because of the taproot, because of the voles. And he's the only one that I've ever heard say that. Everyone else was like wind. You know, you need the taproot for the wind and all that shit. Well, I saw our plants take, I mean, they fucking, they sit sideways afterwards for a little while with some wind, dude, but they'll take some fucking wind even without trellising, you know. Um, but uh, those voles, like, and if you saw how the voles took the drip line and ate the fucking side roots, I can totally see how a plant that has a taproot of any kind could take that beating way better than clones that just have all these kind of lateral roots, you know? So um, I definitely in the future when that's uh, appropriate and I can, you know, uh, do it. I, I can't wait to do a seed crop right beside a, a clone crop in a vole infested area and just see what the fuck happens. I think that'd be really interesting. So tons of respect for Vegas. He's a good guy, man. That's one guy I'm glad that uh, happened to stumble through the, the community. Oh, yeah. 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 It's easy to, uh, Bingus is easy to love, dude. He's, uh, he's, um, uh, he's a lot of, he's a lot of fun. And it's cool as shit, again, being in the hemp game and hearing him talk about his experience with that hemp company, you know, so, um, it helps me being, you know, just like this tiny operator seeing these, you know, fucking 80,000 seed uh, pheno hunts and shit. That's the, that's cool as fuck, you know. So it'll probably be a few years, but, you know, hope to be doing a lot of those in the field soon, you know. Um, but yeah, step by step, you know. So. so I just went to clean out my pipe and like uh, this afternoon's bowl is still not done. Uh, so I'm going to. I'm going to rip this and then start cleaning this thing out. So maybe I'll, I'll shut up for just a minute doing that. <laughs> I don't know why it's been an excellent episode so far, man. I'm enjoying it. You've had this is an amazing story. Amazing story, bro. Thanks, dude. I can relate to <laughs> much much of your stories especially the real caregiver aspect of going in and dealing with the vision uh, centers firsthand that i i went through all that shit same same stuff yeah. it was kind of refreshing right. to hear that i wasn't the only one 
took a few notes oh, here and there in the beginning. I actually I used to carry a book in there with me too. like everything that was in the garden. If you didn't have this, if I don't have what you got here, then whatever's you see here, I'll be back. You know when it's harvested, <laughs> if it's if it interests you. And again with the the pretty much the party packs there, the mixed bundles, that same there. I heard all that shit, all that shit, because I didn't like to smoke the same shit. So I always had the variety packs and shit. The same thing. This is really good, but I'm looking for, you know, five pounds. I'm like, man, I'm a fucking caregiver. I'm not even supposed to carry that. You know what I mean? Come on. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. Fuck. <laughs> exactly. Right. At that point, half the time, I heard that almost so many times. I almost thought I was being set up and shit. You know what I mean? This is one. I'm looking for five. Come on, man. Are you tricking me into fucking tricking myself into getting some trouble here? Come on. Exactly. Fuck. Yep. 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 There's so many instances in the game, um, especially coming from like a new area or an emerging area where you, you know, nobody kind of knows the rules until they are just kind of jumping into the deep end. And uh, yeah, it's the, like, there's just a lot of different stories where, you know, and, and as long as nothing goes sideways, it's always a funny story or you learn something, you know, you learn something about how business is done, at least for them or their, their patients or that area and how the market's changed. I remember one time I went down to LA and, uh, <clears throat> and uh, it was like uh maybe like a week before like uh I, fuck it might have been honcho grown that said it recently talking about the vietnamese like kind of running shit in california and that was one thing that um i definitely noticed uh was that um in the central well everywhere like obviously you know mexican and cartel influence is real you know what i mean like i i lived up in the mountains and i would see I would see dudes literally just come out of the, the fucking woods and then start walking down the road. And they looked like they had been in the woods for two months straight. And, you know, like they didn't grow and probably just got raided and had run off. Like, you know, this, that kind of shit. But um, yeah, the, uh, um, at the, at the grow shot, there was this Vietnamese crew that would run in and they would buy probably three pallets of soil every two or three days. And I remember thinking, that fucking first week I noticed that I looked at one of the guys that worked there. And uh, again, this is probably when they all thought I was a cop. And uh, and I just was like, you know, that dude must be building the biggest garden in the world. Like, and it was kind of, you know, like, you know, probably like, I think it was kind of towards the late spring. And uh, basically he, uh, uh, he was like, nah. And then pretty much a couple of weeks later, the manager was just like, yo, he has about 50 houses that way. And he probably has another hundred in that city down that road. <laughs> and I just said, he, and he was like, well, his crew. And uh, he said, it's like, you know, him and about 50 family members. And uh, they all, he was like, every single, he was like, the guy told me that every single person, um, oh, can you hear me? Uh, basically, uh, every single person is like, uh, you know, part of the family. And um, yeah, I just, he was like, yo, the Vietnamese, he's like the, the Mexicans and the cartels, dude, they fucking, they do their thing, but quietly the Vietnamese, uh, and, uh, the Asians are fucking killing it. And, um, they're fucking weed as fire too. 
And uh, I said, well, fucking word, dude. And uh, fucking like a week later, uh, same guy comes in and I helped him with his soil. I kind of had it ready for him, you know, and uh, he went into his truck and pulled out like a little orange pill bottle, you know, that had like a couple nugs in it and just was like, hey, man, here, check out my my newest stuff. And he just drove off really before I could even say thanks. And I opened up that little pill bottle. And the amount of keef caked on the inside of that fucking top, you know, it was one of those ones where it was like either that was a jar of his for a while or the bud in there was just like the keef was so sticky. It was like trim bin keef, you know what I mean? And um, it was some of the best weed I smoked in Cali. Was those like those two buds I got from them. And uh, my whole point was uh, one time I went down to L.A. and I like I went into 30 shops. And 25 of them were like, now nah, we're good. We're stocked up. We just bought $1,500 indoor pounds from the Vietnamese. And I was just like, what? $1,500 bucks a unit for indoor? And then he was just like, yeah, man. They just every, every now and again, they'll come around town with like fucking, you know, 1,000 peas. I'm just like, well, fuck, dude. I need to learn my timing then because, like, I definitely went back up the hill with most of that fucking herb, you know? So I was just like, ah, shit. You know, but uh, I don't know, man. It's, uh, again, it's a learning experience, man. The only the, the only good thing about going to L.A. was going to L.A. Like, being a fucking rural-ass North Carolina dude, you know, fucking, you know, I lived in the big cities, you know, in North Carolina, but it was like... I pretty much grew weed, you know, all the time. And one of, uh, I never, you know, I didn't really experience the city that much, you know, and then um, we moved up to the mountains in Cali and that was in the middle of fucking nowhere. So LA, uh, once you would sell or, you know, donate whatever and, uh, or be rejected enough to be like, fuck it, I'm just going to smoke all this right now, you know, or take it back home. Um, walking around in LA, like in, uh, you know, South Central or Koreatown or Hollywood, um, walking around, fucking smoking all those free pre-rolls from the dispensary. You know, you go into a spot and if you're cool, uh, the owner or the buyer, even if he's sending you out the door with all your shit, if you're cool, he'll usually throw you a free pre-roll or something. You know what I mean? At least back in the day. And uh, I could get to where I could dry hit the pre-roll and tell if it was going to give me a headache or not, you know? So like, oh, this actually got some flour in it or add some shit, you know what I mean? There's some straight leaf. Um, so I would take the good pre-rolls and, uh, you know, I would just like, I would just walk, walk down the street, you know what I mean? And just kind of listen to the city and breathe that shit in. And I, I genuinely enjoyed that. And, you know, it was, I got to know the city pretty well. Um, well, fuck. So um, kind of bringing it back, you talked about, you asked me about my first time I ever smoked um, and I'm a little stoned. So it's a, uh, it's good. The, the guy that didn't smoke, my best friend that I grew up with was me and my, my two boys, Omar and Jake. And uh, Omar did not smoke that first time, but he basically, uh, he graduated and went and moved to Santa Monica and he basically lived in Santa Monica, which is pretty much like the beach in L.A. You know what I mean? Like L.A.'s kind of inland a little bit. But um, so I, I would come down from the mountains. And so, like, when I fucking started growing, I literally dipped away from pretty much everybody that I grew up with. Like, even some of, like, the, the best ones, just because I was 
yeah, it was like sometimes you were really pushing it and you were like, I dread them getting a call. You know what I mean? Or, you know, like, I don't, it was just like, I was like my worst nightmare was pulling somebody from my life into my shit, you know, cause I was just wanting to grow a ton of pot. And basically uh, I would go through cycles where even like my best friends, I would like fucking throw a burner cell phone away and it'd be like six months or a year before I'd fucking, you know, give them a call. And I was super asshole, but uh, basically uh, Omar fucking moved out to Cali like a year and a half after I did and hadn't called him in like six months. And he basically, he got in touch with my mom and got my number and called me and was just like, motherfucker, uh, I'm in Cali now, so you got to come see me. And no shit, I was needing to go to L.A. like a month later. So um, for a couple of years, I, I got to go down to L.A. to one of my homies' houses that I literally was in third grade with. And the first time I smoked pot was at his house. Uh, was basically, uh, I'd, go ch- I'd go chill with him in Santa Monica and just go out to the dispensaries from there so like i'd show up and we'd smoke down on like my crop and like fucking he'd be like well shit what you trying to you know move now and it you know it'd be like oh pound of grandfather pound of platinum and um you know he'd try some hat it's just it was awesome that was kind of the best part of of la was was kicking it with him and then going out on my own and doing my own shit all day and all night and then like coming back and kicking it with him and then just driving back up the mountain in the middle of the night you know what i mean just fucking that was uh even if i was bringing product back as long as i got to do that i wasn't too pissed off you know what i mean so you know that was uh you know that was kind of part of going around to the clubs and stuff so um and i also was that uh so i was definitely um and i still am man it's probably why i didn't shut the fuck up now but uh because i I grow hard, dude. A lot of growers, man, they're locked up in their gardens all the time and then they get around people and they just never shut the fuck up, dude. So like I'd come down out of the fucking hills <coughs> and uh, I'd be looking at weed maps and I'd like check off the first 30 and then just be like, yeah, all right, well, I still got some weed. Where the fuck am I at? And I'd be like near Compton or South Central, like places where, you know, you're ignorant and you hear things and you're like, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't be. I'm by myself. I got fucking, you know, a couple pounds and some fucking had, you know, just like, ah, probably shouldn't be here by myself at 10 o'clock. But like, I'm just that knucklehead, I guess, that, you know, like, I pay attention, you know, and, and then half the time, too, you end up in the middle of that shit before you really realize it. Like, oh, fuck, this is a, uh, the only place on this whole street that's lit up is that fucking little medical shop that has that green cross. And, um, there was a couple nights where like, I ended up in, uh, Inglewood actually was, uh, probably my favorite, uh, time. And I was in Inglewood by myself. It's like 10 30 at night. And, uh, I found this place on weed maps and, uh, it was, uh, 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 yeah, the neighborhood looked shut down. The neighborhood had the, like no street lights in it or anything. And I was like, what in the fuck? It looked like something out of Chinatown, the beginning, you know, like the, the city, like the night she gets shot, basically. I don't know. It was like a Chinatown set or something. I was like, this is pretty wild. And uh, I still got out of my fucking car and uh, I started walking towards that shop. And it was probably 50 yards in front of me. 
And literally the only light was that green sign and then the light coming from the door. And this dude steps out smoking a blunt and, and like, I can see him in the distance. So I'm like, we're all right. So I'm on the right track and I could smell the weed again by that point. And, um, yeah, basically a couple people were, uh, like standing right there and they kind of, hey! and I was like, Whoa. And they're like, you, you weed boy. And I was just like, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I got some fire product. You want to come in here and buy some? And they kind of laughed and they're like, shit. And Anyway, so I go into the to that dispensary and end up having like an hour and a half long just fucking laugh. I just basically sat there with the owner and I think his brother and then the owner's son, who was only 16 or 17. He shouldn't even really been in there, I don't think. But it's, it, that was the first night I heard about live rosin. And it was from a 17, 16 or 17 year old kid and his dad and his and like they just ran this dispensary in the hood. And for first off, when I walked in there, he was like, "What? Are you you lost?" And I was like, "Nah, man, I got some product I'd like you to look at." And he was like, "Really?" And I was like, "Yeah, man." And uh, he's like, "Fuck it, dude. You know we're kind of closing down, but come on in here, man." And and uh, he's like, "What you got?" And I signed all my papers and shit, you know, to be part of the collective. And um, anyways, I just got. They brought me into the back office. They could have robbed me. They could have fucked me up. They could have done whatever they wanted. But they legitimately looked at my product. They made a fair offer for the flower, but I was like not desperate, so I was like, "No, nah, it's okay." But what I did have is I had like four mason jars full of keef, and it was a pretty low grade keef, but it was definitely a shitload of dry sift keef that I had shook out, and um, and I uh, I ended up selling it to them for like. I think two bucks a gram wholesale just to get rid of it and uh and i basically was like you have a lot of you know uh patients that come in and buy a uh you know like a daily supply like in the morning they buy like fucking five to 20 bucks worth of weed and fucking roll it up smoke it all day and then fucking come back and then he was like yeah man actually you know just like fucking 20 people on the street do that shit and i was just like word up i was like well sell this shit to them for three bucks a gram or give them like, you know, if they buy like, you know, a couple grams, give them like a half gram or a gram of the chip for free and tell them to sprinkle it in their business and their blunts. And uh, he was like, that's a great idea. And, uh, and then like, hey, have you heard of this live rosin shit? My son was just telling me about that. And, uh, and then his son went on this little kind of, he explained live rosin and like charas and stuff. And I had seen strain hunters back in the day where like they kind of explained that shit a little bit. And, um, up in India, I think. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, he was just like, it was really neat, you know? And, uh, so you find yourself in like some crazy ass places or some just different places than where you're used to. And you meet great people and it's usually always around cannabis, you know? And I mean, there was a couple other times where like, and th those guys were probably like your age, you know, and like those, you know, just maybe 10, 20 years older than me. And then there was plenty of clubs where like I was in there with dudes my age or just a couple years older than me that were straight up, you know, you know, you could tell they wanted your 20 packs because they were going to be put in the mail to New York the next day or in a car to fucking Florida. You know what I'm saying? So like, you know, that, there were so many times where like I was in a back room with just a couple dudes with like, you know, a shitload of hash or something else. And then, you know, I, I for a second you'd be like, oh God, is this about to go bad? You know, but you know, you just be you and be chill. And then you hope that the power of the plant's there and you fucking, you know, it works out, you know, they might not buy your product, but you get out of there, dude. So.
Um, yeah, man. I kind of miss those days. Definitely. <laughs> I do. I do too. Wreck yeah. killed that shit here in Michigan. Wreck killed that shit here in Michigan. I shit. miss those days so much, man. There's a lot See, of days where you talked about like uh, coming out the about like the the clubs. It's the clubs like when you're going shoulder to shoulder with caregivers. There's times where I've had some nervous moments walking out like that. But one of my funniest ones, and it works both ways, brother, was uh, your notation of uh, catching the guy coming out, or he caught you, notice caregiver to caregiver. I've been there many a times carrying my backpack, my case, either way. And you see, you see the caregiver coming in, or you may be the caregiver coming in. But if you if like I'm I've been the one coming out going, oh sucks to be you. They just filled up. Sorry, Chief. Frankly, I yes. stepped into my truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> Holy shit. For sure. Dude, you're you're totally reminding me of uh so like when I was in the Central Valley near those like in those mountains, dude, that was like like I said, there were dudes that would have like totes with like a hundred pounds in their living room, just chilling. There were like three clubs in that one whole fucking grow area. So basically it's like, you always hear about how like in Peru and fucking Colombia, like the growers of like all the cocaine and stuff, they get paid like a couple hundred bucks for a kilo or some shit, you know what I mean? And then it sells for like 35,000 in the States. Like I kind of saw that like from the dispensaries in that, you know, there's like one or two clubs that could hold a license. They were grandfathered in. It was a strict county, whatever. But then all of a sudden, you know, people would crop out up there. And the first place they try and hit before they drove three, four hours to L.A. was the first two, the only two or three clubs there. So you'd have like I remember one morning uh, it was when the mobile testing service was coming through town. This was when, like this, like a couple from NorCal comes down and makes a killing on a Saturday or Sunday, just stopping at the one club where like a thousand growers in the area fucking live and grow their big crop. It's genius thinking back on it now, like they were ahead of the fucking game. But I remember I showed up one morning, uh, not even knowing that was going on. And basically just trying to sell like a couple of pounds before, again, I went all the way to LA and there were over 50 growers in line and like most of them had duffel bags. So like, and like, and it depended on like the, like the, what was really interesting is some of the dudes would be like, uh, you could tell they like pretty much had it in their backpack. They came out of the fucking mountains in, you know what I mean? It'd be like a fucking pretty grimy Packing duffel bag, maybe a Jan Sport that was about to blast at the seams, you know. Um, but then you'd have, you'd have these dudes that like, you know, straight build caps, like fucking, you know, nice jewelry. Like they kind of like they, they were like the typical Cali grower, as I thought of it, that did not give a fuck about being showy. They would, they would fucking grow hard and play hard. They fucking spent their money and flashy. Like Cali was flashy. And um, these dudes would have like Gucci duffel bags full of weed and they were like farm boys. And I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. You'd have like three dudes flexing their Gucci bags and they just be like, 
yo, I got fucking 10 pounds. I'm trying to fucking unload this here, you know? And basically, uh, you get in there and the dude be like, yeah, I'll give you 1,200 a pound for that. I'll go 800 a pound for that. And then he's like, sees my end door and he's like, bro, you don't even need to be here right now. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah, oh, you're right. Fuck. So, um, but yeah, like a line of growers with you know there probably was like i don't know a few hundred pounds in that line you know what i mean and it was crazy they all clearly didn't want to leave it in the car and they knew they weren't going to sell it all you know and they i mean i bet if you know the road to la that morning had a ton of growers going there because they all were like shit you know i can sell two of my 50 or 10 here you know anyways man yeah it just made me think of that shit because they that that club killed it i remember one day I was at the point where I, I looked at the manager in the face and I was like, I got the time and I'm already going down there, man. You must have like a stockpile or at least a list of names that you could call and say, hey, I can broker, you know, I can help you move some of this to a, a more patience and, you know, the, the market and just, and he's just like, I don't need to, man. <laughs> he literally was just like, I, I don't, I don't, I have more than I need. I'm making more money than I need. And, uh, I don't care if you want to hustle, you know what I mean? Like, I was just like, ah, shit, you know, but, uh, is what it is. I will say that that one dude, uh, I spoke about that first batch that I graded the bubble hash and I, and the Terps, you know, kind of like preserved it way better. Um, took it to that club first, that particular batch and that fucking manager bought both jars and it never hit the shelf. <laughs> And uh, I'm uh, I'm not exactly sure, but a coworker of my girlfriend's at the time, um, he uh, had a buddy come to a cookout. Buddy was saying, "I work at you know I'm a manager of one of the local clubs. There was only two or three clubs, and uh, and basically um, he had this sand hash, this hash that looked like sand, basically, and uh, and he was like, you know." I just been smoking on this for a few weeks and it just like there was a couple of things that put it together and when I walked in there like I even took the time to go there because I hadn't kind of went there in like a year or so because I kind of you know I just been anyways but basically uh his menu didn't have any graded hash it was just like they barely had bubble BH was really big at that point and um like rosin wasn't there yet and uh i just kind of came in there with this stuff and i, I think i called it like moon or something i, I didn't even really I think i kind of made up my own name and it was just like the the, con the consistency the texture of the hash like when i would grate it and let it dry in these little piles um you could like tap the pile with a spoon and like it would almost like you know all these little balls would break apart and then kind of you know kind of like sand that was kind of wet and then dry it was awesome um but i think that manager i like to tell myself that that manager was like this is head stash you know because it was only probably like a quarter pound you know so <coughs> but uh but yeah so uh, yeah i miss those days eagle for sure oh you're muted bud shit sorry thank you as far as the bubble hash goes, I almost think that uh, a lot of folks are missing out, to be honest with you, on real good old, older style bubble hash. And I'm not necessarily talking about like the freezer six star, they'll call it. But I'm talking about the little less processed hash. As most of us will remember, it's that good bubble, just straight out bubble hash. 
Yeah. You know, they've been force fed. I mean, that's a pretty good term because it just came on. It just was like, here, try this. The dabs, you know what I mean? All mm-hmm. that shit, slabs. And bu- good bubble hash to us, like, passed over. It just nobody, it never even got a chance in the newer market. But I, right. what I found, and I still smoke a lot of bubble myself. In this last run, I had, you know, a decent pinch from my wash there, and I passed out quite a bit. And I had some people look at me. I told that story. I'm like, like, what the fuck is this? It's fucking hash, man. Straight up hash. What the fuck do I do with this? What fucking, you can smoke it in the bowl by itself. You can top a bowl with it. You can put right. it in a fucking joint. That's what I like to do with it. Right. And, you know, they're like, and then you see them again, they're like, that fucking hash was good. There you go. <laughs> yep. A lot yep. different than that, Dabs. It hangs out for a while. It's it, a yeah. body kind of thing. Exactly. You know, it, yep. People need to realize that, you know, re, re, get re, uh, re-anointed with uh, the bubble hash and get well, refreshed with it because it's, it's a good buzz, man. People need to know. People need to know. I think that uh, my hope is, and see, this is, I've just been kind of in my own shit with the hemp and basically uh, for a couple years and just kind of, you know, uh, just getting fucking ounces of flour and again, the good cheap BHO from him and fucking just getting work done really. But uh, I cannot wait to get back to making bubble because um, I definitely, uh, I totally agree with you. If you can um, get a good bubble hash and especially make it, like like the minute i started grading the hash too and i know some like i i know you really you know you shouldn't have to do all that stuff but just the way that my my methods ended is um i'd either make the little chunks you know i'd make like a huge patty with those 20 gallon washers but then i'd break it apart so it wouldn't mold and stuff in the middle before i started grading it um and you know i'd press a lot of moisture out and stuff with desiccants but um when i started grading it like again i i just love uh glass pipes i used to smoke glass sherlock pipes like just not like spartan freaking gandalf pipes but like you know like the just a a good sherlock bowl and being able to just have a good uh flower uh bowl topped with like the graded little balls of bubble hash of a good bubble hash even if it wasn't like a a super melt but it would burn quick and evenly so you could get that good fucking punch of a hit you know what i'm saying it's, it wasn't just like you know a good chunk of hash in a bowl you gotta kind of get it fucking going and you know it ends up kind of burning for forever and all that but you know when you can kind of put a nice layer of little balls that just basically you can almost smoke like keef you know what i mean it just bubbles up and it doesn't, but it doesn't light everything else on fire because it's all kind of broken up and you can pull air through it. You can get a nice hit. So I think it's all about being able to pack the bowl correctly for starters. Like, um, you know, being able to, so I call them it, pretty much if you've ever smoked a bowl with me uh, in, in the world, uh, I usually have uh, tweezers and a little fucking spoon. And I've gotten a lot of shit over my fucking tweezers and spoons. Um but uh, uh be me right so uh and basically it's just because once i put that bud you know in the grinder i usually kind of hold the bud up and make sure there's no 
cat fur or fuzz or anything on it. Nobody wants to smoke that, you know. Um, and then once it's out of the grinder, you know, I use the spoon and then that spoon ends up being a perfect little hash spoon, you know, uh, to like, you know, just put the stuff in the bowl and all that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, those are those are my little tools, dude. And uh, that's kind of that's uh, it's convenient for hash. And uh, yeah, I, I just like simple pipes, dude. So, oh, the bang leaf. That's what it is. So uh, I use this bitch to put a bang leaf and a bang leaf is basically like, ah, oh, fuck, what do some people call them? It's like the bottom little leaf at the bottom of a bud uh, claws foot or you know what I'm talking about? It's like a lot of people like to trim them off because it's basically, it looks like a tiny little pot leaf at the very base of almost all the, every bud, you know, when you're trimming, it's like, you know, if you're trimming real tight, it's those bottom two little leaves, you know, and um, some people leave them and some people don't. And obviously if they're covered with resin, you're probably going to leave them, but um, Raven's feet or claws or some shit. I don't, I can't remember. Um, I call them bang leaves. Uh, and actually the dude I met in college, I think is, is where I got that from. If I'm, if I'm thinking hard about it, the, the guy in college that, uh, uh, showed me strawberry cough and stuff like that. And he was just like, Hey man, you got to save your bang leaves. And I said, well, okay. And I always took time to kind of build like a little nest in the bottom of the bowl. So like you, I fucking hated pulling shit through, you know what I mean? Uh, nobody wants to eat flaming balls of weed, you know, just like sucked into the back of your throat. That's terrible. Uh, so basically uh, he kind of put a name on it and then showed me like the piece to always go for. And uh, you just take that tiny little leaf and you put it at the base of the bowl and it looks like a little hand, you know, holding the weed in your pipe and there's air that goes through all the little fingers around it, you know? So it's like a little basket and you can put really good ground weed right into that pipe on your little bang leaf basket. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, if you do that correctly, it takes uh, like two seconds and you and your friends will not eat flaming weed and your your bowl will pull perfect hits every time and the way to double check that is it's just like dry hitting a pre-roll or a blunt or a joint is you pack that bowl like that dry hit it make sure it's pulling just fine spark it up you know so like it's kind of crazy I've, I've met a lot of people that you know and hey i'll get tired and fucking stoned and worn out and i'm just like squishing a bud and stuffing it in and just going back to work but uh for the most part, you like to do it right. And I don't know. I wanted to tell you about the bang leaf and having a pair of tweezers around makes it very easy to place it right where you need it. So that's nice. It's like a nice little cannabis screen, like the way you described it. Yeah. Well, the dude that, um, the guy that told me about it, um, like his, his dude, who is where I first started getting Cali Bud from. Um, and, um, so two things. So, like, uh, he's the guy that had the Kill Bill and that super awesome vape thing. Um, he had glass jacks that he would put in his slide, like these little glass jacks that would be the screens that would keep shit from pulling through. And um, and I, uh, you got some of those, buddy? <laughs> I 
And this was like my my friends, like he was like, nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. So like um that's what old dude used. He was like, yo, this is how you this is how you keep all this fire expensive weed from going down into your bong, uh, bong water. And then um man, I hadn't seen one of those in a long time. That's awesome. Uh so uh because I've been using those bang leaves, dude, you know, so um, I grow my jacks. So, uh, but uh, anyways, man, I clearly smoked. <laughs> I put a bunch of wax on this earlier too, guys. So I didn't just smoke some ass end of a bowl and get kind of ripped. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, he was like, here's a jacks. And uh, my friend was like, but I use these things called bang leaves. And I just stuck with the bang leaf, man. And I tell everybody about that shit. Um, the other thing that... Uh, the a fella taught us about um and this was in 2009 probably 2009 or 10 um he uh he pulled out this little rocket ship looking thing and it was like this little titanium like metal tube that looked like a model rocket like it had these fucking little legs and it was like a fucking tube and uh he was like you boys save your stems <laughs> And uh, he was like, because I know you're getting fire weed and those stems got fucking trikes on them. And uh, my buddy and I were like, yeah, you know, and because uh, we had been um, we had been reading about like alcohol extracts, like basically like, you know, we you know, we had read somewhere, or learned something that you could like soak it in fucking Everclear and everybody at college had Everclear in North Carolina. I mean, it was fucking, you know, PJ juice, just, you know, whatever. But um, he uh he he was the first dude that told me about butane hash oil and that's what they that's what they you know he they called it honey oil and i know a lot of people are you know remember that shit but uh yeah he was just like save your stems and any shit you don't want and make honey oil with it so we did just that we actually fucking saved shit for a few months and then actually asked him for it and he was like fuck i forgot i told y'all about that all right i guess you can you can borrow it so we took his little fucking tube and that was the first batch of BHO we ever did. We were in our fucking college house right off campus. Excuse me. Um, uh, right near the Lowe's Motor Speedway in Charlotte. So, like, it was right near UNC Charlotte and fucking Lowe's Motor Speedway. So, the fucking race, you could hear the NASCAR race. And here we are fucking, you know, college students blasting, you know, a couple cans of butane through that little fucking cylinder out on the deck into a Pyrex dish. And we didn't know what the fuck we were doing uh, or any of that stuff, but he just literally said, do it outside and um, uh, do knife hits of it and uh, smear it on joint papers. And we were like, all right, man, what the fuck? And um, we, uh, we did just that dude. No, we didn't purge this shit. You know, we didn't, there was no ovens then. We basically just let it sit out for like a day and um, just kind of scraped that shit up and um, crude as hell, dude. And uh, that was like another level. I remember those knife hits fucking me up and being like, well, damn, why don't more people do this? And then I shit you not within like, you know, I'm sure there was a thousand people just like me having that same experience across the fucking country that month but that wave was starting dude and uh by the time i was growing um i uh yeah after my first harvest and i had all those fucking random strains part of the shit that they got processed a little batch of it was i did i made my own tube 
And I, you know, probably ran a small case of butane through, you know, a few different batches and made some stuff, but it was by far like the most, like, in my opinion, dangerous or potentially leaching something, you know, cause it wasn't like, um, I think it was a copper tube, you know, it wasn't even a glass tube, you know, so, um, being that I knew how to do bubble, I only probably, like I said, did a couple small batches of, of the blasting, you know, in early, early, early days before I immediately just kept going on bubble and I never looked back. Um, so we did a couple of batches with, you know, at another dude's place in Cali who had the oven and, um, you know, big old glass tube and kind of, but uh, again, I was just like, I'd rather be washing. So, you know, produce fire shit. One batch of bubble. We made so much bubble once uh, that actually we kind of, we had probably like a, um, a hamburger size patty. I mean, there's a big fucking patty actually left. But uh, I mean, it really was like a fucking, like a half pound fucking patty. And um, we, uh, again, dude, if only we knew about rosin now, holy fuck. Yeah, there's going to be dudes that are probably going to be like, you did what? Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, we took that fucking patty and we just broke it up into like a million little fucking chunks. And it was miserable, but we got really high and just kind of chopped it up into these little chunks. And we packed the tube full of those chunks of bubble and blasted that. And it created like the darkest shatter. But if you want to talk about full spectrum like well i don't know if it was how full it was but it fucked you up because it was it was a combination of like three strains and um it was aged hash that hash was probably from material that was a year old um and the hash itself was probably about a year old oh dude yeah that looks so good hell yeah fucking hamburger size patty of that basically <laughs> you know like uh, probably not not as good as that but Oh man. Oh shit. Yeah, dude, that looks good. Oh man. So uh yeah. Uh so we blasted that and um yeah, it didn't taste the greatest, I'm not gonna lie. And uh, the yields were not the best. I think that we could have kept like crushing those things up and reblasting and reblasting and probably kept getting returns. Um, but like, it was kind of one of those, like, we're not going to spend the money on the butane or the time, like that hash patty just kind of was a research patty. Um, but, uh, we did take a little part of that pan and whip it and the, uh, whip stuff that kind of turned into the batterish consistency. Again, it was dark, but it was weird. It was like dad, it had that hash taste, but it was like, um, it wasn't like it whipping. It kind of made it taste better, but it still tasted like you were like smoking good dark hash in a bowl, but you were dabbing it. So some people would probably really dig it. Other people would probably be like, well, you know, especially now with the low temp dabs and like really turp, you know, being able to dial those hits in, you know, I'm sure some people would again are screaming blasphemy, you asshole, you know, right now. But um, yeah, dude, I'm all about good bubble on flour, dude, you know, um, and especially good keef too. Like, you know what I mean? If you got like a good trim, trim bin key for something like that a good first sift um i i in chat a couple of times i've said layer cake bowls you know i don't know like nobody's probably picked up on it but for years that's kind of like that was 
it still is. I just pack flour, uh, you know, bottom half, and then a little layer of keef, a little flour on top of that, a little layer of wax, a little flour, and then some keef, you know. Um, and you can, uh, yeah, you can kind of, um, well, shit, I can. I can pack one of those up and hit it once and go to work for two hours, come back, hit another time, go to work for two hours, hit another time. Um, and uh, shit, I grew like, you know, you know, fucking dozens of crops just like that, you know, <laughs> just that's like the gasoline in the tank just to pack up a fat layer cake bowl and roll on, you know. So um, some people are always asking me uh, growing up, like, dude, you smoke all the time. How come you never like need to go do other drugs or like do a million dabs and all that? And it's just like, in my opinion, I kind of just like my dabs are like my layer cake bowls. It's like, um, I mean, literally I put BHO on my flower bowls, but uh, you know, I'll go through stages. Like if I have a shill out of work to do, or it's like a pretty stressful time or something like that, you know, I'm probably smoking more layer cake bowls, but when I'm like kind of in cruise mo mode, I kind of just try and smoke as much flour with just a little topper, you know, and it keeps kind of like keeps your, uh, your, uh, tolerance from fucking going through the roof. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but, uh, again, the minute, so like we got a, uh, for the, uh, hemp stuff and for, you know, all the, the fucking THC stuff on the side when it's done. It's, that's the exciting part of kind of like getting some of this equipment for your hemp operation, but it being there when you have the other stuff or your buddies need some, some help. But um, we're about to start making a lot of RSO and I'm super stoked about that. And we got one of those extract craft Ito pro things like the fucking thing was a lot of money, <laughs> um, but basically it's in the box in that in the building and uh, we're probably going to be setting it up in the next couple of days. So uh, I've never eaten RSO, um, but there's a lot of people that, you know, can be helped by it. So we're going to try and get it going as quick as possible. And I'm definitely going to be the guinea pig. So, um, you know, I, uh, I'm sure that uh, my tolerance is going to be going through the roof. But I mean, it's like we've got a lot of work to do right now. So I can't be going too hard on all that. But um, but yeah, I'm excited about that. Hey people if they have access to an overabundance of it if there is a, such a thing that they should almost take that stuff as a vitamin <laughs> right a small amount daily why not what could it hurt you know what i mean mm -hmm. you're gonna build up a tolerance to it at some point it's gonna become more like medical right. than anything i think mm -hmm. well i think it'll be like uh when the products are available or it's affordable or both you'll end up having like a, uh, like a, like a micro dosing, like a mass micro dosing, like a vitamin, you know, like uh, with THC, like, uh, uh, kind of like a lot of us do, uh, just by smoking all day. But I think you'll find people that can take like a little gel capsule or, or something else, uh, you know, in the morning and at night and, you know, they don't really feel stoned or high, you know, they just have a much higher quality of life. You know what I mean? So, um, if that's kind of what you're getting at, I definitely see that being the future with access to cannabis and, uh, quality controls and all that shit that'll come with it. So, but hell yeah, man. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, dude. Cheers. That's still that twisted TK? Yes, sir.
Yes, sir. Nice. I've been, uh, I, there's a little left, but uh, when you put a, a too big of a chunk, like one single chunk of uh, like BHO, a shatter on a fireball, all the flour can go away way quicker than the, uh, the shatter. So then you're sitting there kind of like, you know, working on that fucking ball on the side of the bowl, trying to keep it from fucking going down in there. So like, you know, there's uh again, I'm sure there's so many people that are just like, get a dab rig, you know, I got one. It's just kind of a pain in the ass. And I don't know. It's, I, I can't wait to get an email at some point. Um, I was around a couple in Cali back in the day, you know, when they were just kind of coming out and they are phenomenal. Like, but again, I am kind of, I'm worried about just going ham all the time. Like once you, once the dabs and the hash is back, you know, or like if you get like, oh, look at that. That's nice. Um, so like, it's, it's, it's even heart shaped. If you look at it, I know. I just, pill. yeah, that's what I was like. When I looked, I was like, oh, that's nice. That's cute. But a hey, hey, red pill, uh, love brother, you know, but basically like a dude like me, like, uh, and I get a great deal from my, my, uh, my fucking caregiver out here. Um, people don't shit, but like, I can ask him for a half ounce of shatter and, and like, he'll give me like 17 grams for a hundred bucks. And like this dude does it right. He really does. He's got the ovens and the closed loop and all that kind of shit. Um, but basically, I guess my point was like, fuck, that'll last me a, a month, two months, you know, maybe maybe six weeks. You know, now, if, again, it's a stressful time. I'm smoking hard, maybe a little more than that, but or less than that. But really, um, I I don't put that much on on the flower bowls. And I, like I said, I throttle it at times, but um Every now and again, if you put just a big old chunk, it ends up being kind of a, a pain in the ass in that bowl. But I'm wrapping this one up, so I'm going to try and pack a fresh bowl. But what time? It's 3.35, dude. That's that's incredible. Goes by quick, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, like really quick. Um, yeah. Yeah, like um, I can get to talking, dude, like, like any good stoner baked, you know. Uh, but... Uh, it's funny. You're like, I hope I don't run out of shit to talk about. And I can immediately think of a lot of things that I haven't even stumbled upon. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you really, when I'm like, yo, we haven't quit. We've, we literally, it's been like 10 years, you know, it's fucking, it's crazy. Dude. You know, lots of, lots of stuff. But so I, I think, I think you've been asked this a million times about while I'm doing this, just so I'm not going to talk constantly. You said that you're, what is your favorite strain to grow or to smoke or both? What is it? Is it uh fuck? I'm just going to let you talk, but basically, or, or what cut, if you could get something back, is it? And, uh, and when you're done, I'll tell you about the, the two long lost loves, you know, in my life that are cuts. Like I said, I have more experience with cuts, but if, uh, so yeah. Uh, favorite yields, favorite yielder. It was, uh, what was it? Anyway, I can't even think that motherfucker right now. It's right it doesn't even have, it, it doesn't have to be yield. It totally, I mean, I, I didn't, uh, you know, I meant more like, 
you know, okay, so when you opened up a tent, because if I'm thinking about the experience I'm thinking about, if you opened up a room or a tent in your career and the smell fucking blew your mind, like where you, it, it was like, holy fuck, that is, that is vanilla as potent as I've ever smelled it in a dessert that rocked my socks off. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Or like you thought about that room for years afterwards, like that, that blueberry smell or that strawberry smell. Um, maybe think about like, like that. that. That's kind of what. That's even a toughie because I've grown a lot of really fire strains, pungent oranges. That Java pie that I had was probably one of my favorites as far as, my, but, but not maybe so much my favorite strain, but it favorite as far as turfs go is because it was like heavy, juicy fruit, like juicy fruit gum. You know what I mean? And so when you open up the tent, it's like opening up a pack of juicy fruit gum. Damn, man. So it's like, yeah, really nice. Favorite strain I wish I could get back would be Purple Death Star, which was a special release from uh, Heroes of the Farm. And the Heroes of the Farm also had, that was, um, damn, I can't believe, I can't believe I can't remember that strain right now. That it was another special release by them. And that fucking strain just yielded huge. I can't believe I can't remember. It was the Raspberry Smash. It was the Jazz. Raspberry Smash times Raspberry Smash. Jazz. And Jazz was fucking, that thing just yielded amazing amounts. And it was such a good hash drink. So that was one of my favorite yielders. You said Raspberry? It, it was, yeah, Raspberry Kush pretends Raspberry Kush, and it was jazz. That's cool. See, um, okay. See, I like that. Like, so, um, like, terp, like, uh, impactful terps. That's, that's kind of like the winner on that category. That's pretty cool, man. Space, space candy, as far as like a hard candy, that's a, it had a very unique smell and taste to it pretty purple flower super pretty pretty all around i've i've grown like see when i hesitate like that i've grown over 300 strains the minute i asked you it's hard to no dude the minute i asked you like and i stopped after i asked you that i was like this dude pops mad seeds and has done for a while of like fire lines and he's probably had that experience dozens of times where I've had a few rooms where, you know, like I, you know, where, where you, where you realize the potential of cannabis to have terpenes that just do blow your fucking mind when it comes to like, oh, I'm growing in organic soil pots or using organic bottled newts. I didn't add any type of sweetener thing, like, um, some flush, like sometimes I would get like, uh, uh, a fruity strain to smoke before I'd, I'd, I'd gotten to this level growing of what I'm talking about. And I'd always wonder, is this shit fake? Like, you know, some stuff, like if it was really dog shit weed, you know, I might've come across it a couple times where it literally clearly was sprayed with some sort of like fucking terp spray or something, you know, but, but for the most part, it was like, did somebody put the fruit in here to cure or dry, uh, re-moisten the weed? 
you know, and the, and and am I smelling those terps, or is this like some sort of artificial infusion? And I don't think it was for the most part. After I like smelled some of the rooms that I'm talking about, where you know, like, um, uh, well, fuck, the first one that really just uh, blew me away was uh, uh, Platinum Skywalker OG Kush Cut that I got uh, from my buddy Jason. Uh, he was he would just like. Jason would just show up at my place in the mountains and be like, bro, got my hands on like six different strains and they're all probably going to die soon if you don't save them and fucking test them out. And, um, and most of them were great, but like every now and again, they'd be a keeper and, um, platinum Skywalker OG. I've mentioned a few times to a few people because it just really was that, that heavy hitter for me for a couple years in Cali and no one else in my little area had it. So he brought it from, I think he brought it from the Bay area or the coast, maybe like Santa Cruz area, but um, yeah, smelled like blueberry fucking pancakes. And I know a lot of people are more familiar with that turp profile now because of blueberry muffins, but like um, for years, like I, it would just had like uh, my girlfriend and I first run, I had 16, one gallons on a four by four on um, I had like a two, four by fours in line. And I used to run three, six hundreds over a four by eight. That was like what I fucking love to do. It was basically two 600 HPSs with a fucking um, 600 watt metal halide conversion bulb in the middle. Did you ever see those Yushio 600 watt metal halide conversions? I fucking love those bulbs, dude. Um, they will veg the tits out of a plant. I mean, the plant structure under those 600s, because the, the, they're like, a, they were like the first full spectrum bulb in my opinion like i didn't even know what i was fucking with i just remember looking at all the bulb boxes at the store and like seeing oh that has the most blue and reds and it fits my 600 watt purple freaking uh you know lumatag ballast and hell yeah you know um and pretty much i uh i would uh i would run those uh those three and sort of like 1800 watts over a four by eight instead of two thousand i'd have a better spread and a fuller spectrum and uh, it was awesome. And the first time I ran that Platinum Skywalker, uh, and it was probably like a couple of weeks, three weeks in the flower, and I opened up the, the bedroom door, and the whole house just like flooded with like those blueberry pancake terps. And um, I just was immediately like, babe. And she was like, oh my, is that your, is that the plants? <laughs> you know? And I was just like, holy shit. Yes, it is. Um, and uh, yeah, a legend was born, at least in my circles for a little while. That thing was amazing. And uh, I missed that plant. But uh, it, it was, uh, that thing would grow spears. It was a little bit lighter, but it took up more, you know, packaging space, but uh, it was totally worth it. And if you, if it was pretty happy, man, it would carry those blueberry turps all the way through. Um, and it would get pretty purple, um, you know, but like not fully purple. Um, and uh yeah, man. So, do you ever come across any platinum, uh, platinum or, or Skywalker cuts? Like, uh, doesn't Smiley have some sort of Skywalker uh, dog walker? Or fucking, I don't know. I believe he's got both platinum cookies and he's got the Skywalker. That's right. That's right. So, he's in chat. He may, uh, May response. Oh, sweet. 
so um yeah like that was one of those plants that uh it uh you could put it in a one gallon pot and not top it and and put like you know 16 or 21 gallons on a four by four and it would just grow a perfect like christmas tree and i did it multiple runs topped and untopped and uh, it taught me genuinely that there are some plants that will run better not topped it won't slow them down um at all and the way the leaf like will um the way the plant will structure itself, as long as you don't overcrowd that table, you can rush plants pretty fucking quickly into flowering from clone and they won't shade out. So you can do some minimal deleafing too. And I would always clear that pound per 600 um, on those runs. I mean, these are all single ended numbers back in the day, but, um, but yeah, that platinum Skywalker, it, you know, looked, it, it's a little bit lighter bud, but it was a perfect, daytime smoke like if it, if i never got it tested but if i got it tested i wouldn't be surprised if it was in the teens like the higher teens you know what i mean of thc um because i could just like i could work and and uh play all day uh and super creative smoke like i always felt creative you know like uh i wouldn't listen to music because i would just be kind of playing my own in my head if i was rolling joints of that and uh working in the garden stuff like that so that's good smoke right there. Yeah, I love the creative. For me, that's the pines. I love the pine for that right there. This clear-headed thing. So, dude, the um, speaking of pine, um, it's uh, fuck. So we um, I've, the one pheno that we ran in our field in our silo. I always forget about our second pheno because it's basically like we did almost a whole another quarter acre of a second pheno. And dude, it had the piniest terps. Like my fucking barn nice. over here has like, uh, if you lived on our road, man, you'd love driving by our property because you can smell it at the road still. And it's been in the barn for like five or six months or however long. And uh, if you get a good east wind, man, it just fucking, the whole road will just smell like fucking pine, like old piney fucking brickweed, you know? <laughs> and uh, everything else is burnt off, but that pine is still there. But Hey man, I was about to pack this up and I gotta I gotta dip outside real quick and, and take a leak. But uh I was gonna show this. Some a lot of people get a kick out of this, but look at my fucking grinder. I got one of the diamond grinds from back in the day, and the thing is like a four-inch grinder or some shit. I don't know. But uh That's badass. I love this thing, you know. <laughs> I'll be back. Dude. I, I um you know, now I'm thinking about it, I bought that during my first grow when I had like all that fucking bud that was like, you know, more larfy, you know, sativa just covered in trikes. And I I just went up to the head shop and said, I need the biggest grinder you got. And that was the one they had. And I ended up just grinding up like probably a pound of flour and putting it through a little Keith sift box. And uh, it blew my mind what snowed out of that thing. Uh, yeah, but, all right, I'll be back. Cheers, everybody. How you guys doing? I seen you in chat there, boom, but I'm telling you right now, I wrote down what was on that pack. Now, it's very smashed. Cheers to you. 
come and get in check. Five watts and cheers. 30 more minutes to this day. Right? Close to 420. Holy shit. <laughs> <coughs> 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 Cheers. Holy cow. This is strong. <coughs> Damn. Smiley's Gardens. Cheers. You going to uh, that thing tomorrow? I think I'm going to be passing on that. Sadly. Sadly. Gonzalez, cheers to you as well. To my chat. I'm at the bottom. Botas foe. Mr. Green Pants, how you doing? Seed sprouts like it's a kid in the Christmas again. That's always fun. Always fun. I'm going, you can't skip it, you dick. Yes, I can. I, yes, I can. Mad, 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 mad. I should not be there tonight. It's so homegrown. Cheers to you, Dink, bitch. You back, my friend? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I uh, also, uh, Mama Kitty, uh, she was outside from the last round looking at me like, you bastard. You kept me from my babies for however long you were gabbing. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> just let her just let her in there and she's uh, I can still like feel her giving me the stink eye through the fucking cardboard walls and the uh the camp. So that's funny. She's all looking the babies over. Oh dude, she does right. it. Yeah. Called forever. Right. When she's done, she's probably gonna scratch. And be like, uh, more food, please, because they just sucked all the uh, other food out of me, you know. But it's just uh, these. It's incredible how quick these things grow, you know. It's incredible. So, you know what I told you? I told um, about the college students that helped us harvest. Uh, we the first batch of kittens, like she, you know, she just showed up pregnant as hell. And, and we were just getting into flowering and the world was just getting nuts uh, quicker and quicker. And uh, boom, all of a sudden we have these kittens and um, all of a sudden these college students, most of them girls coming up here and dude, the kittens combined with the cannabis. It's a business model right there, dude. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I mean, as long as there's some ethics and stuff there, you know, not here. I don't, I don't ever want cats again in my life after I get done taking care of these uh, these batches and finding a, a farm that's suitable for them, dude. But uh, 
but like i think about like the tiger king asshole that it has a fucking weed license and like he's just like come to my weed and tiger farm you know and like play with my fucking kitten with her pre-roll in my mouth you know? <laughs> like there's gonna like these college students kind of freaked out they were just like this is uh and they'd been cooped up fucking you know with covid all year doing zoom meetings and like uh just like it was like it was really awesome to see how much fun they had and how much help they gave me but dude the kittens were like uh i mean dude they were a, a draw i'll tell you that you know so uh i quite a few of them were looking at me like hey dude what in the fuck we usually can come in there and kick it on the bed sometimes if it's just you late at night here man and like you're in there talking to the wall what's going on like they totally were looking at me like this when i was out there peeing you know like hey man I know the feeling. I've got, uh, I've had too many puppy litters of puppies over here. Oh, yeah. I just realized I had a practice Dairy Queen. Oh. I think I still have a practice Dairy Queen. Dude, I said Gorilla Glue earlier. I take that back. It's blueberry. Now, again, who knows if, you know, I know, you know, there's so much blueberry. Uh, and, and he definitely has a seed popper as well, but it's MK Ultra and Blueberry. And this Blueberry actually, um, dude, it puts you to sleep, it, or at least makes me sleepy. Like when I'm done working uh, or I'm getting close to like the end of the day, I try not to, to like smoke the Blueberry because, well, then I always miss your chat, dude. Like, like I, uh, and then I'm like, ah, fuck fuck that weed and fuck sleep man and then like you know i'm trying to you know build and run a business and shit but like man it's fun chatting dude it's fun listening to y'all and you know the show is fucking great like the more i participate the more i'm like oh fuck dude i really did isolate hardcore for a decade and my wires are kind of all weird now you know <laughs> so like when those college students came up and i was giving them a tour of the farm after about five minutes i was just like I'm going to talk a little more and a little faster than probably most. And it's just because I'm excited to talk to people again. And they just got a kick out of that. Or at least I think they did. They seem to. I, uh, uh, yeah. Good. It's funny you say that. Cause I get the same same attitude and nothing against my beautiful girls that one of them may be listening currently. But uh, I used to do the same things with my nephews, to be honest with you. Because I never got, you know, it was all, you know, girly stuff and emotions and all the fucking, when my nephews come over and wanted to play football and shit, it was all like, hell yeah, fucking, you know, I'd be running circles around them. Hell yeah, let's play catch football. What do you guys want to do? Fucking same, same type of shit. Same type of shit. So, so um, that's that's the base of it all right there, eh? That's the crowfoot or the crowfoot. Yeah, that's yeah, the crow yeah, and this was kind of like a kind of a poor example of it, and it has no trichomes on it. So like actually I went and found another one after I looked at it more in front of my face. And again, it's nothing, you know, we've seen them a million times. I just kind of have a name for them and um, but yeah, oh I see what good one right here. 
a lot of uh, what I've noticed is that um, old homie, like he does outdoor, like, um, you know, well, he does indoor too. But uh, um, most of the flour that I get from him, you know, I'd say 90% of the flour that he grows each year as a caregiver is, you know, it's a big outdoor. And, um, and uh, basically uh, he does a lot of machine trimming. He got a Green Bros machine trimmer this season and seemed to really like it. Um, you know, he said everybody was kind of moving to the Green Bros trim. I think that's what it's called. Um, but basically, like as a hemp farmer, it's crazy that I don't know this machine trim. This tells you that I literally have my crew hand trimming our, my flower. You know? So, uh, but basically, uh, his Twister Four is sitting in my greenhouse, um, and and the the machine that pulls the trim off of it and like puts it into this big old kettle, this big old like giant still pot. It's a pretty sick machine that attaches to the Twister 4, but I just still haven't run that yet. But that's his old system. And I guess my point is that um, when you're hand trimming flour, you have to kind of like break open a flower to find a good bang leaf because you've trimmed off that bottom bang leaf on the bottom of the butt, like the connoisseur tight clip. It's going to be very hard to find what I'm, I'm talking about here. But on like this outdoor that goes through the trimmer, like, Man, I, I'm suck at this. Yeah, you get the gist. That's that's a that's a hand trimming uh, uh, treasure right there. I would think, right? You wouldn't get that from a trimmer, bud trimmer, bud. Well, no, the um, like a lot of the buds that come out of like an automatic mechanical trimmer have those crow's feet on them. So, like, what his crew does is he was telling us he said we run them through the mechanical trimmer once or twice and then he still has his trim crew roll over that material after it comes out of that that like a mechanical trimmer and he said that they basically are just almost like checking and then taking off any like debris or leaves that got missed or kind of jammed into the butt or whatever and he said it takes this trim time like makes it a fraction so like it's still like and he calls it technically hand trimmed as well you know, because again, the final trim product was hand trimmed, but even those, that's what I'm getting right here in these little buds. And, um, and you know, if you kind of break off the little crow's feet and stuff like that, um, you know, it's mainly like these tiny little popcorn buds are a little bit bigger. And, um, you know, I can get an ounce for like 80 bucks, you know, and uh, again, it's, uh, it gets the job done. It's a nice little, you know, bed for the for the hash right now but uh but basically um yeah my whole point was that it really is loaded with those little crow's feet and good hand trimmed indoor flower is not because a hand a good hand trimmer really would clip those off but if you like you know how a bud is kind of stacked of multiple little buds you know you break off that little bottom chunk of a bud under it is going to be like a little bang leaf you know, that you haven't clipped out yet, usually. So that's kind of what I'll do is I'll take a bigger bud, break off the bottom part, that bang leaf that's there, start the bottom of my bowl, and then kind of break up the flower and, you know, I'll only break up what I need for that bowl, you know, ideally. So, so it might have been, uh, I have been on the other shows recently, but uh, another thing, I, uh, so like uh, this girl I grew up with uh, in high school and in college, um, 
hell, actually, she, even before that, I grew up with this girl. Uh, she um, she was the one. Uh, oh, shout outs there. Yeah, uh, I miss you. You're awesome. Uh, she taught me about the penny method, and like I was always like the smoker. Like she was always like doing so much extracurricular shit, and like she just was. I'm not gonna carry weed because that'll ruin my life. Uh, but like you always have weed, so I'm gonna come smoke weed with you whenever you let me. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And uh, basically, by the time we had gotten to college, we found ourselves at the same college, and it was kind of the same deal. She had a scholarship or some sort of thing where she had like a really fat uh, meal card at the commissary or, or um, at the uh, like at the campus restaurants. So she'd get out of class, and I get out of class, and I'd she'd smoke. I'd smoke her up. And, uh, and then she, uh, would take me to lunch and it was awesome, dude. Like fucking went through like a year of college like that, you know, it's fucking, it's a great time. And, uh, you know, pretty quickly, you know, she'd be like, let me take a little, little bit of bud or she'd get some bud from somebody else randomly. And then she'd show up with this like perfectly cleaned little bowl and, uh, and it'd have a little penny taped over the bowl and she'd rip that thing off and just, we'd fucking spark it up and i'll and like it was the one thing that kind of like my whole group of friends at that point you know like kind of you know weed related that i just thought was brilliant taught me you know and i was just like fucking a sarah you know and i just immediately ran with that dude i was already a bowl dude but the minute i started like pre-packing bowls up and, and fucking taping them uh you know and then taking them out dude i would like i would pack up three four spoon bowls and like two sherlocks and have a console like a moron a console in my car full of like fucking loaded up layer cake bowls dude and i would just straight up plan a fucking trip man and i'd fucking i'd take like a damn trip through the appalachian mountains and just or to the beach and i would fucking i'd be gone like six hours and you know it'd be like a bowl an hour wouldn't even really realize what was going on just great times dude but and i still to this day i'll fucking pre-pack a bowl and slap a penny on it um yeah dude so at some point you know it's you gotta, smart right? yeah it is it is and if the penny is dirty as shit just wrap the penny once or twice with the clean tape and then take that shit over it, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, it still gives you that hard back tap for your pipe. So like, I don't know, I picture all these like pre-rolls, man, I just want people to do this. And actually it's all about the fucking operator, but you know, like there's going to be, actually, I think I saw an ad for um, uh, a pre-packed one hitter finally. So like I saw some, some somebody in some market is buying like or making glass one hitter tubes, you know, like a fucking yeah, like a, a small chillum, you know, that maybe can hold one to two or three hits. And um, they're fucking loading them up, putting a cap on them and putting them in like a blunt tube and selling them, you know, like preloaded little pipes. And I think that's fascinating. So. Um, yeah, but anyways. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be coming to market, like pre-packed bowls, you know, so. I think it will be, how, how would you come up with a good uh, throwaway piece like that? Or do you think maybe uh, 3D printing will come up with an answer for you like that? So, um, yeah, I've thought about it a little bit, and uh, I, if 3D print 
like well glass the, the the goal would be glass i would assume almost like a bottle of beer i know there's waste involved with that and stuff like that but like a glass bottle of beer um but imagine like a, a glass piece uh well the best thing would be a collectible or uh i think that cat's actually starting to yell at me either a collect like a collectible piece that someone could uh literally um you know keep and and always repack later or um like uh find glass blowers or uh have somebody create them it's got to be out there to be able to create pretty much in mass small glass spoon bowls or little pipes that you know are under two or three dollars a piece and then you know you pack them up with a premium product and that price can be incorporated i would assume into the the you know to make it worth it and then um and it can just be a throwaway um and maybe you have some sort of like turn in credit or some sort of like you know way to like uh exchange it for like a free every four pieces or if you buy like six of them in like a six pack almost like a six pack of beer you know and uh then you uh you basically could um you know turn those six in and get like a fucking credit. And every, every time you get, you know, three or four of those credits and you can get a free six pack, you know, there's, there's a bunch of ways to try and, I guess you could say entice a, uh, a, uh, a recycling program or some sort of reusing program, but making it small and economical and like knowing that it can be thrown, it will be thrown away probably. Cause that's just, unfortunately the culture that we live in for the most part, um, you know, would be ideal. Like if it could be some sort of like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, the coolest thing would be to make like a hemp pipe, you know, like a biodegradable hemp pipe or something that can be, uh, you know, made and then almost like hemp wick, you know, but obviously not this going to light your face on fire or some shit, but, uh, basically, um, you know, uh, but yeah, the, the thing I've thought about is almost having like the limited, like have a glass blower, uh, you know, or some artist come out with almost like a limited line. Like we're going to do 10,000 of these, and then that's just one and done. So it'll end up being almost like you almost like in, in, make it an, an incentive to collect them by like kind of creating a system where, you know, they are always going to be limited. Because I think that's the beauty of art and glass and the culture is to do the inspirations nonstop. You know, I'm saying, you know, it's, it's going to. So um, but one other idea uh, that we uh, that like. Uh, yeah, like I, I was I was telling um uh, my girl and my partner this, uh, you know, a while back about just like, uh, somehow, like, uh, I was saying you should basically create almost like a cartridge, but for a bowl, almost like a little six pack of, of, uh, like pre-packed cones that, you know, that's, you know, that you can just almost like somehow just reload your little pipe that you've already bought, you know, that's like, it's just somehow ready not to where you don't have to you know do the whole spiel but you can still pack a fresh bowl that's that'll hit correctly and then my partner who is not even a like a smoker she's you know she's you know she's, she's you know decade older than you or more and she basically uh she she's like that concentrate stuff you're telling me about that like wax stuff can it be made into molds and i was just like probably and then she was just like, what if you made the cone mold out of the concentrate, like CBD concentrate? And, you know, um, I thought that was awesome, you know, like, and she got pumped about it. You know, I got pumped about it. But, you know, so these are just little things that, you know, it's uh, they're 
they're going to happen at some point, you know, whether we do them or, you know, other people are, they got to be doing it, you know, but like to be able to have like, uh, you can go to a dispensary and just like a little cardboard box of like, uh, you know, fucking 10 gummies or whatever, you could fit almost like a little like punch out packet or something that you could slide out and it'd have six of those little, you know, preloaded bowl packs, you know what I'm saying? That could fit like a pipe that was that, you know, this certain gauge pipe or whatever, but, you know, I don't know. So I, I think that the preloaded, so yeah, like, you know, my old friend, Sarah, you know, who, uh, you know, told me about the penny bowls, you know, still a fucking decade, way, way longer. I'm still, still doing the penny bowl thing and hoping that, you know, one day you can go into a shop, you know, and not have to get a pre-roll get a pre-packed glass pipe will fuck you up you know or you can get a good cbd one that'll make your back step hurt you know so, so or I'm, one that is, can i can i throw my hand in on the pre-packed bowl yeah dude i, I need to pack this up anyway so i'll shut the hell up no i just i had an idea why you're talking that i think as well like a hershey kiss type thing so you pack the bowl you know, like that, and you'd fold it up on the end, basically with your penny top flat. So you just put that. You'd almost just clip the ta- clip the top of your kiss before you packed it into your bowl, so it'd suck through, and then you could just burn off the hemp paper. Dude. That's badass, dude. That's what. I, that's what. That's what I said. I just saw it pass that. I thought it was pretty. That is badass. Hold on one second. Good girl. Yeah, that'd be fucking pre-packed Keith Bowls. That'd be amazing. That's better than the Moon Rock right there, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Moon Rock sells 10 times better. Right. Probably smoke shit, and it, yeah, I was about to say, it's all about how it smokes. Like that's like, I've, I've hit too many bowls packed by other people that do not pull right. And yeah, you're smoking a bowl, but you're having to pull through it. Cause it ain't been cleaned in a while. Or like, if I'm not paying attention and I pack up my bowl with too big a wax chunk or whatever, and it drips down and then clogs up the hole before I can really smoke it quick enough, you know, that can fuck it up. But if you pack that bowl, right. Um, and it pulls right and it'll pull for three to five good hits. If it's a regular size bowl, you know what I mean? Just a medium, regular size bowl. I don't know, man. I've been smoked bongs and blunts and joints and vapes and all that stuff. And I always go back to my fucking layer cake bowls, dude. You know, I just always do. And again, I like when I'm, when I'm growing, like when I have like, when I have like a personal crop. You know, I definitely smoke a little differently, but not much like, you know, from when I like when I'm like right now, just growing hemp and I don't have any THC, bud of my own, I'm having to buy it in. Like I'm probably smoking three quarters of what I usually would um, when I'm growing. You know what I mean? I just I end up smoking way more bubble hash, you know, when I'm growing, you know what I'm saying? And then I end up giving away or getting rid of the bulk of my flower you know what i'm saying because i usually have more coming right in you know if i have gardens going like that so but uh but yeah man i can't wait to get back to that yeah dude we're gonna have to like uh make like an eagle cart talking about like limited edition runs 
you know, whoever ends up developing the fucking pre-packed bowl. You know what I mean? That'd be cool, man. That'd be really cool. I kind of like the Hershey Kiss idea. I really do, man. No, that's... like a bag of them. You know, like yeah. different flavors, different. Yeah. You know, and you already, you're That's already in badass. the hemp industry. You could be making the hemp wrap and everything. You know, That's awesome. No, the Hershey Kiss. Um, that's exactly. You know, if I needed to explain it, that's the exact shape that I was talking about. You know, the cone, upside down cone, and then the way it's wrapped and all that. Like, that's a total. That's fucking awesome. Cheers to good sessions, man. Yeah, dude. Cheers, man. We did. We did the whole. We did the whole lot, man. We did the whole, whole shebang of bang. We're five oh, shit. minutes before twenty. Five so minutes. No, I kind of feel bad, man. Like, uh, cause I fucking love the the wormhole. You know what I mean? And you know, I uh. Hopefully we'll have a wormhole tomorrow or something, man. If that's what you're saying, it's like I nabbed away the wormhole. I talked that bitch away, didn't I? I they, these episodes, I like the full episodes, to be honest with you. You know, they're they're 50-50. I enjoy the wormholes. But as I've always said, spotlights were first. Spotlights come first. You know, the wormholes have always been, you know, kind of extra to fill. Man, this has been a great conversation. You know what I mean? This is how the, been, the months of the beginnings. Shit, if you, I know you kind of may have caught on a little late, but the beginning episodes were like almost like a dare, man. They would like go, they started out at like a half hour, 45 minutes, and then that one guest would go, Oh, yeah, you went 45 minutes? Not, you know, an hour. And then it became like a thing between like Jack and Spartan, you know, back and forth on who was doing the longer episodes. And then it just kind of be, it went, that was just the, the thing. Them two drove it to the, it was just the, the standard. <laughs> it was like awesome. fucking, so. But yeah, I wouldn't feel so, bad, man. I don't. This has been a great episode. And I, everybody in chat's enjoyed this just as well as I had. You go back and watch this. Yeah. All through this, they have said, I've comments like, I've enjoyed tonight's show. Great guests. Enjoy chat. Yeah, nothing but great things tonight. I'm excited to go back and, and read chat for sure since I couldn't pull it up out here on the farm. But uh, hell yeah. And, um, yeah, dude, there's so there's so much stuff we didn't uh, fucking get to chat about. But basically, uh, one is um, so like when I first so like I never got online for for weed stuff ever. And like, um, but just because of where I came from. But basically, um, we got to hit that 420 mark. So I'm gonna try and fucking not ruin it. But basically. Uh, uh, oh, man, fuck. I lost it. It'll come back to me. I'm gonna focus on what what I need to focus on. So oh yeah, even no. We, go ahead. No. I remembered, but I remembered. Sorry, uh, it was in 2017 when I moved to the beach and I kind of slowed down on growing after Prop 64 went in and I sold my equipment and got some LEDs and was just fucking around in my closet and just really enjoying it. Um, and hey, 
Sorry, it's not helping right now. Hold on a second. And um, I lost again, bro. Oh, man. Look at this. Hold on, mama. So, what I was going to say is either what, no matter what we don't cover tonight, there's always possibilities of either another episode or you you get to jump you, you there's possibility you jumping in any night now and then in the wormhole and talking to us telling the story so it doesn't necessarily even have to be a whole other episode it could be every fucking night you want and <laughs> little by little you know what i mean yeah it man it could be a one night episode it could be every night little by little now All right you got the key so uh- that's I dude. That's uh that is fucking exciting. That really is. I, I'm not gonna lie. Like I'm super envious that I'm uh to the those that uh, still run flowering at night. Like they still work at night. Cause like I was you know I was a night owl fucking eight nine fucking straight years running flowering rooms at night. And like I just think all the time fucking a would I have not have done for this show back in the day. You know. Um and uh, but basically I didn't ever get on. This is my point. Um is uh in 2017 probably like late 2017 was the first time I ever started to like enjoy YouTube cannabis culture, you know, just to bring it back to kind of uh, that. And, and um, the DGC was basically the first thing that I kind of like, I was like, who are these knuckleheads? And uh, I fucking immediately got a kick out of, out of them. And I learned a decent amount and uh, just to kind of how the community is online. And, uh, but I never participated in, uh, participated in forums or anything like that. I did learn some stuff. Uh, just, uh, I'm talking maybe five times I Googled something in like probably 2014 or 15, you know what I mean? And, and a, a forum would pop up that'd be pretty old and I would read through it. Um, but basically, uh, uh, yeah, I, first place I saw you was, uh, on, uh, the bro show and, uh, dude, I immediately, uh, I dug your vibe because I, you you've been in the game for years, you know what I mean? Like, and uh, you do have that little bit of that misfit and outlaw culture in you. And um, I just, as much as I don't think I identify as that, cheers, it's 420, buddy. Uh, Dude, that's a lot of me, you know what I mean? And I miss that shit from like True Cruise and the Hydro Shop and fucking um, the fucking, uh, fucking talking shit with Eagle. Uh, That's just the vibe I get, dude. I, I miss that shit, but cheers. See, my friend, I appreciate that, man. I, I really do. And uh, t- thank you for taking note of me back then. You know, that was I mean, yeah. before then. I was, uh, I was like fucking head deep. Like, I, I had like six foot tall plants in my greenhouse last time or last year, this this time of year, last year, this time, fucking a and uh. <coughs> I pretty much, <clears throat> once we got started on the farm and I had time to kind of click shit on every now and again, I definitely didn't have time to start participating. Um, but uh, I started listening to the Embracing Organics a little bit. They were kind of like the first podcast panel show. And uh, very quickly, the bros show kind of popped up. And then within a couple of episodes of me realizing that actually those are a couple months where like it was like, you know, 18 hour days every day, nonstop. And then like, when I came back into it, you kind of had your own show and shit. You were probably on episode like 
50 or 60 or some shit you know what i mean and uh so other than that dude i've actually been listening for quite a while but it wasn't until the first of the year when i was like i cannot not participate anymore so i came up with this fucking name and uh basically said uh, i got to and um you know said hello to a couple people hold on a second a little dude <laughs> in the box hey Oh, there's so many fun comments you can throw in right now that I'm just going to refrain from for fun shows. Oh, that's a cute guy. Hey, world. This is my predator species. Oh, my God. She's cute. No, you don't need to be an outlaw to grow the plant. No, you don't. Honestly, like the uh, you don't. But I will say um, one thing I learned is that uh, if you're in a prohibition nice state, switch. So, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, if you uh if you grew before you had medical or if you grew before you you know could legally do it or if you're in a prohibition state still doing it now or in another part of the world where it's like that um props to you like because <clears throat> it does take some nuts and it's you know it's you're 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 doing what's right you know what i'm saying <clears throat> so um it it's just awesome so so it was it was an honor for me to be honest with you brother to be able to switch over and be able to you know legally do what i was doing before and able to you know somewhat hold my head up and be proud of what i was doing after so many years of fucking you know it's wrong like you you just so many so many bullshit comments over the years. Yeah. It was nice. And it's still to this year, even though to some people, to, you know, you say I do what I do, but I still, you know, it's getting easier and easier, louder and louder. <laughs> now I almost, you know, I talk about it too frequently. Nah, can't do that. But uh, yeah, man, I, I hear you, dude. Like, uh, I, we moved to Cali so that I could get those papers you know and dude I, I can't remember how nervous i was before i went to that doctor for the first time um like uh because i you know i didn't know how chill it was you know and um it but the minute i got the papers that said i could grow 99 plants and 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 carry 10 pounds of flour um i mean that blew my fucking mind you know i i, I still have all those papers to this day in like a binder you know um and yeah it just was uh after growing for a few years with no protections at all to then, you know, moving almost two and a half thousand miles and getting those protections, dude, you know, it still was a learning process and fucking, you know, never easy, but it was one of those things where like, shit, dude, I remember talking to my parents and being like, yo, so I, we didn't move out here just for my girlfriend's job, you know, like, uh, you, you know, I came out here to grow cannabis and like, again, my parents didn't use pot or anything like that. So, 
Um, and they actually were cooler about it than I thought they would be. And, you know, they knew I was trying to do it right, you know, and move somewhere where it was legal, uh, semi-legal. Um, but, um, yeah, I think like with a lot of people, hemp has really changed the game when it comes to, um, like understanding the plant and the potential of it. And it's like, a, um, it's like a perfect, <laughs> it's a gateway to the gateway, dude. You know, it, it really is like, it's a shit. Somebody's going to brand a hemp fucking, somebody's going to brand some hemp that, you know, but, uh, anyways, it's, uh, it's kind of what I see the potential is there, but yeah, man, props, props to anybody fucking fighting a good fight for sure. Carry on and, you know, be safe. <laughs> so, but I forgot Shout the, uh, you, man. I'm, I'm hoping through, you know, hemp farms like your own that we'll be able to find and unlock some more turps that we can bring back to the campus side of things. That's what I'm really hoping for on the hemp side of things. It's just that whole new world of turps that it could yep. possibly have. And cannabinoids too. Like I think that like they're going to be able to isolate different cannabinoids and hemp varieties quicker. Um, and uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, but basically, um, one thing that uh, uh, yeah, sorry man, this bull and that cat just totally I I lost it again. But <laughs> oh boy, it's it's getting there. Oh, <laughs> derps and hemp. There we go. <coughs> Cannabis, I love you, but you definitely help with uh, memory loss a little bit. <coughs> um, anyways, so a uh, little project I did on the farm this year, and um, we can wrap it up whenever you want, bro, if not after this story. Dude. Uh, but basically, um, I haven't decided what I'm doing with these seeds yet. But what I had is I had about 200 little one-gallon moms of about uh, 13, 12 or 13 um, select phenos. Like uh, basically it was six cherry wine phenos, a uh, couple of cherry citrus plants, some different BAOX selections, um, uh, um, uh, Chardonnay, Chardonnay by cher uh, cherry wine. Um, there was a, a couple more. I have I have the list, but basically it was I'd collected some cuts, some different CBD cuts for like about a year and a half, and uh, I was mothering them out. And what I ended up doing was, uh, dude, while I was planting the field, I had like all these one gallons in our greenhouse, and my girlfriend and I were just like we'd get here at the crack acid dawn as the sun was coming up, and we'd water those plants real quick, and we didn't have a shade shade cloth on the greenhouse yet, and we didn't have time to get that many plants out. We were just planting the field as quick as we could until that window closed. By the time we got to those plants, I had eight, nine, and 10 foot tall one gallon plants that had like tons of cuts on, on them. And it was awesome. The, the pictures are pretty cool. It's like a fucking weed forest in there. And um, it, it, it's, it's pretty crazy. But what I ended up doing, uh, trying to make a long story a little shorter, I cut them bitches in half and I cut them in half again. And then I fed them one time and then I let them roll into flowering outside on the concrete strapped to a big trellis net on this like old uh, feed wall where they used to feed cows at. So they would dump feed on the other side of this fucking concrete wall with like a fucking loader, like a bobcat, you know, like a big old 
food scoop. And uh, basically, um, uh, yeah, I lined up like 201 gallon pots there instead of cows and feed and uh, flowered them out. And uh, uh, knucklehead across the street, I uh, so like I show up, show up into these pots and all these uh, good old boys around here come over to the farm and pretty much first thing they ask me is, hey, man, how do I grow some weed? <laughs> you know, so uh, you teach them how to grow some weed. <laughs> uh, but basically, uh, you know, and then you tell them, hey, the piling will go quick. You know, you got to pull those males and, uh, you know, don't fuck everybody's shit up. So uh, but basically, but I was like, hey, if you got anything cool from any cool lines, let me know. And uh, I told him about a different, you know, a bunch of different seeds and I, uh, I had apparently told him the story about that blue, um, blueberry smelling platinum Skywalker, you know, and because uh, he went and bought every blueberry you could fucking find. <laughs> and basically he bought a shitload of seeds and uh, he basically ended up with. Um, now, I got to go back and look it up, but it was the uh, I think it was labeled original blueberry. Now, I don't think that. I think it would be labeled DJ Short's blueberry if it was like the DJ Short, but some seed, and it was like a seed vendor that almost seemed kind of like a bulk wholesale seed. You know what I mean? Like an internet seed vendor. I can't remember, but I swear it was labeled as original blueberry. I could be completely wrong, but he had three really good looking males from that, and he was about to cut them down. He sent me a picture of them, called me, and uh, I said, well, fuck. Uh, yeah, I'll come get them. So I got in our Bobcat, which is like, we have this old bobcat it's like a uni loader actually it's like a little, um, little badass thing and uh i like, went down the road with a pallet on the forks and uh, it's like you know 100 yards down the road from the farm and i'd fucking go into his driveway go in his backyard get these huge pots like he's at work he's just like yeah go back there and get him and i get these like fucking dude had been like 50 gallon pots you know you know 60 gallon pots it's fucking heavy ass so he had put like topsoil like not potting mix in these things like he he didn't listen on some level <laughs> but anyways i mean they plant but the plants looked good you know i don't take that anyways brought these mills back and i fucking um i put that pollen on those cuts um and um just in case it was actually kind of like a backup plan you know what i mean almost like for the farm um, and just uh, to try and bring some blueberry flavors into CBD. And uh, it's very crude beginnings of it. And, uh, but yeah, basically we crossed three um, blueberry uh, males with a bunch of proven CBD cuts and harvested like tens of thousands of seed from that. And um, that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, so when you talk about kind of expanding flavors and all that kind of stuff, I'm definitely looking more for, obviously terps are important, but um, when I can do batches of this, I'm going to send it to the lab as quick as I can, just to see if I can get some good, you know, one-to-ones and other ratios like that, that I might not be able to farm under the hemp license, but that I can move off site um, to where, um, you know, that's where really good medicine is at. You know, I think that those are like, you know, where it's like five and 10% THC and then there's a room, there's room for all types of other stuff you know, different cannabinoids and terps. Uh, I think uh, the masses, you know, once they use hemp for a little while and they get more accustomed to it, then if they have like a 5% or a 10% or in THC, I think that's going to be a beautiful thing, you know, but it's going to take like, I think a lot of hemp varieties that are dope 
mixed with a lot of good THC varieties. And then there's all that shit in them between. I don't know much about breeding at, I don't know anything about breeding, especially compared to a lot of people in, in uh, this realm, but you know, I do have some seed now. So I, uh, I would love to hear from people, you know, and hell it could be shit, but the, the, the plants, the females at least were not it all was quality flower and very terpy. All of them were like selected for a smokable hen. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I have like a tiny little video that I shot months ago when I did do a germination test and they all germinated. I tested like 10 seeds and they all germinated within like two days. Uh, just fine. Like they had tails. Um, but uh, yeah, man. Sorry, I puffed that and then talked for another, Jesus, 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm not worried about it, brother. So they did ask earlier in chat about your YouTube. Right, do you have any videos up on your YouTube channel? Is it the same name that's on the screen? No. And well, do you plan to put more videos on? I have zero YouTube videos. I if I have a channel, I don't know it. Like I, dude, I can't tell you how fresh I am to fucking like sharing anything about myself so like okay you mentioned about a menu you brought a menu to the clubs you know what i'm saying and you were like yo if you are out of this got it right um, here. dude that's awesome that's awesome you want to see it i Fuck showed yeah, it dude. one night because i i found it in a chest hell yeah so this so and i still use the fucking case well this is it's a seed case now i was looking through it earlier I would show up with my pre-weight zips in this here case, which was always stupid because it screamed bright white. And then I'd have, you know, like I said, my zips in there. And then I'd have this here menu right here, which uh, every one of these sheets, which I, I don't even know how many are here. There's a lot. Mm -hmm. Every one of these was a strain I had in the garden at the time. So basically they could look through my case and they like right here, jelly beans on here, because that nice. was, you know, back, that was, I mean, there's all kinds of fucking shit on here. Sour diesel, fucking Afghan Kush special cheese. But basically Sensi Sour, Jack Straw. Dude, that's awesome. Hammer. Fucking uh, mother's tongue, Cuvée uh, Shangri-La, Skunk Eleven, uh, let's see, Chernobyl, Cheesequake, Crazy Train. Uh, what else is in here? Purple Death Star, ACDC Times Coracle, Wonder Woman, Marmalade, uh, Dynacam. So that's the sour diesel. Again, another Afghan cheese. So I'd walk in there and they'd let them look through the thing. And if they had any questions about what was in the case, they could flip through the menu here and it would tell them basically the THC, the medical effects, blah, blah, that's blah. Awesome. And if it wasn't, if I didn't have what was in the case, I, they had, they knew what was in the garden. And they could That's be like, awesome. okay, this nine-pound hammer, you don't have it, you know. When's it going to be ready? Well, it'll be ready, you know, 
few weeks, you know. Shit. If you're interested, I'll put you the top of the list when it's ready. And Man, I that's would. Awesome. I'd make a little note that, you know, X and X, you know, would, was right. interested in this and that'd be the first place I'd stop when that was ready. But that's, that's the way I write Dude, that's fucking <laughs> awesome. That organization, I, dude, I get stoked about that. Like, and I have, and ninety percent of the time, I never get there. I'm always like, ah, shit, it's here. I got to get it done, and I'm not that organized. And like, um, dude, that's fucking awesome. Um, yeah, if I came correct like that to like half the clubs, especially in like Beverly Hills or fucking Hollywood or something like that, at the time, I probably could have built uh, built the relationships way easier. Um, so it got to that's funny, and um, I kind of hesitated for a minute, but fuck it, dude. Like, I, you know, I've already showed my dumbass with this haircut i would shave my head so captain 420 was like us old school growers man you know we gotta we gotta be able to like change our appearance and stuff like that and uh i fucking was like oh shit you know i kind of fell into that I, I would just like grow my hair out to like a, a an annoying level and then i'd shave it really close like a buzz cut and i've been doing that since i was like 16 but i pretty much fell in the harmony of like i'd fucking harvest and shave my hair or I'd harvest and then move my fucking, you know, stuff looking like a jackass, kind of like this. And then I'd shave my head and start growing again. And then, like, you know, usually harvest not looking so, you know, dumb. But anyway, so uh, that's my props to you, Captain 420. Uh, but basically, um, what, what I was getting at is it got to a point right before I stopped, basically, uh, that uh, pretty much um, the, uh, like, a couple club owners were asking me for, like, you know, an IG like dude you know why don't you put your shit on IG or why don't you have like a menu or something like that you know something basically I guess they were looking for what you're looking for and I was very thick-headed at the time kind of like I am now and I was so adverse to social media and about them like taking my account or some shit like that that I got pretty high one night and I looked at the domain names that were out there and I bought highpriorities.org <laughs> And like, I saw some commercials like GoDaddy, you can build a website in a day or an hour or some bullshit. And I was like, yeah, right. And I fucking could buy a domain for like a dollar. And then when you sign it, it's like a hundred bucks a year or some bullshit. But like, again, I was high and it was like a hundred bucks. It wasn't terrible. So I sat there and built my menu on a motherfucking shitty domain name. And it is still there. So like, uh, that is the crazy thing is that it's like on automatic pay. And like my girlfriend and I are kind of, you know, slow sometimes. So uh, she'll be like, shit, GoDaddy got us again for your dumbass old website. And I'm like, no way. She'll just be like, damn it. Remind me and we got to cancel it and just pull your material off there. And I'm just like, I don't know. What if high priorities is like, you know, what if? what if I could use that one day? But like, I'm doing this interview, dude. And uh, we're talking about menus. And like, I, it was basically, I could go to a club and just be like, yo, just go to this website. And it's like, and it like, I didn't even finish the website. Like, yo, if anybody goes there and you email me or something, or if they like say, I don't even think you can email me from that thing. It just has my old pictures on it. And it has some of my old pictures, like some of my little old indoor pictures. Do to have some of my hash patties on there. <laughs> There's like a big old uh, 
Tupperware container full of hash patties on it. <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's like uh, some, you know, kind of rookie shit, but it's still like, uh, it's a representation of kind of some of my old shit. There's some pictures of Platinum Skywalker on there and, you know, just shit like that. So, like, I would sell, like, plants sometimes, too, you know what I mean, or donate them, whatever. But uh, anyways, bro, that's my fucking, fucking menu. Old- you fucking totally cracked me up with that change in your appearance thing because you know, I've, I've kind of been like that long for a long time too. I'm telling you right now, I grew up, grow some facial hair. You probably wouldn't notice me in public, but this is That's what great. the fucking, what you bringing that up, I'm sitting here laughing because this happened yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. Yesterday. I'm like, I'm out doing you know, daytime shit, basically. You know what I mean? And I'm working. I and I do wear contacts probably about 90% of the time. But if I'm working on like a messy project, I will have glasses on or no glasses, depending on what I'm doing. So I'm in Home Depot yesterday, and I am pretty much looking a lot like this i've got i'm all covered up you know what i mean i'm and i notice somebody come up next to me and like facing the other way and doesn't say anything and i'm like doing my thing and load up my cart and i turn i see it's somebody i know from the cannabis community and i'm like oh hey man How you doing, Bird Watcher 420? He's like, man, I was trying to get a picture because I thought that was your, your guy. What do you say? The, your doppelganger. Your oh, your doppelganger. Yeah, he's like, man, I, you could you, the glasses. You couldn't see any tats. He looked just like you, man. But I didn't think it was you, man. I thought it was like a twin. That's great. So I'm like, I'm like, don't you do that shit to me. Don't you do that shit to me. I'm, I'm, picture, <laughs> I'm picturing you. You're like in a cardigan, like in a really like like fucking cozy cardigan too, like with your glasses and a cardigan. That would be the picture right there. You know. Oh no! Oh no! Total work here. Total work. That's awesome, man. Hell yeah. No, it's definitely, um, yeah, like uh, I said to my girlfriend probably five times today, um, I really should show my face. Uh, I didn't get my hair cut. And she's like, yeah, but like most people that have met you in the past like 15 years meet you like that, right? Like you kind of always look like that. And, you know, yeah, you don't look that bad. And I was like, yeah, okay, I appreciate it, you know. So, uh, you know. I'll, like I said, I'll, I'm going to cut it tomorrow, you know, so uh, we'll see what happens, man. You know, now that I'm into this fucking, you know, kind of sharing some shit every now and again, um, I will definitely, uh, I'll be out there. You'll see how ridiculous I can look the other way. But, uh, but yeah, dude, uh, speaking about uh, YouTube and videos and all that, um, I kind of feel like this hopefully will be a catalyst to kind of me sharing um, like videos or whatever the fuck kind of gets the knowledge out uh or just allows me to communicate right now you can reach out to me like it, it, on instagram i mean like that's i totally 
you know, I'm smart enough to know that like the minute I got Instagram and you could reach out and DM and all that kind of stuff, it's a fucking game changer when it comes to networking, like lock yourself up in a grow room for eight straight years and kind of just keep going. But then like, boom, all of a sudden you're a lone wolf, you know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, it's like, uh, it's a valuable tool and uh, I fucking can receive, uh, receive DMs now. So uh, fucking spark a bowl and ask me a question or some shit and we'll see where it goes. But um, I'm all for like, so like a, a couple of people that helped me uh, harvest, they fucking uh, got some bud that had some seeds and, you know, they were just dying to learn how to grow after being around the plants and just like, just me kind of half-ass coaching them over the past few months you know as they just helped me out a little bit and i'm just like you know i'm just basic recipes keeping it simple for them and all that like they're seeing you know they sent me a couple pictures the other day you're just freaking out like just having a blast you know barely spending any money uh just kind of growing a few plants you know it's not going to be enormous but you know like kind of used lights stuff like that you know and just kind of getting people growing you know like what we're all fucking talking about you know just like you know now they're pumped about their backyard you know they're here in michigan you know they're over 21 and uh they fucking they've been rocking fucking 12 plants in a little tent you know fucking um i told them to top and you know four feet later they're you know finally top you know stuff like that so it was cool i had uh you know telling them like on the phone hey take that stock and like bend it like in a 90 degree angle as you know carefully as you can and just put it under that net like this you know and they're like no way you know and then a couple uh, a couple weeks later they send a picture and um it's looking great dude so that's a good feeling is finally being able to like share that with good people you know what i'm saying just like saving them some money and showing them that they can grow the dank as well, you know? And um, so fuck yeah, dude. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to like scaling shit affordably, like, uh, so yo, the dude's always talking about Jack's fertilizer. This is a little tidbit real quick. Um, I grew earthworm castings, beneficials. And like, if I grew, uh, if I used any fertilizer, it was like a, an organic bottled base. Right. And I did that the first, probably like, nine eight or nine months that i fucked around with these cherry wine phenos first year right so i saw there's actually 18 females but 16 are the ones we tested the morphology was quite different that was like a variation wide variation that was probably like 12 to 14 of them easily were different quite different you know what i'm saying the fucking leaves were structured different the, um all that kind of stuff they smelled different their terps were coming out more and more. I had these plants in pots for a long time. I'll, I'll put up some pictures of some like revegged mothers that were actually really pretty in seven gallon pots, fucking thick stalks. They had revegged twice sometimes. And so like I could tell them the biology was building up. And again, I was just running like compost washers, just basically throwing a bucket, pour it into the fucking water and can and strain it. So, you know, just fucking hand watering the shit out of it. Um, uh, due to a couple reasons and this fucking local nurseryman actually kind of coming by and like some of my stuff was yellowing because the sun was coming out and i just got these badass new lights in the greenhouse these 500 watt ceramic metal highlight like growers choice kind of i didn't even know they made 500 watt ones and i could get a good deal on them and i was like fuck it and i got the 4,000 k bulbs that were dope as shit and boom the plants just fucking took off and they needed like way more food like way more immediately and uh I, this dude came by he's like just feeding from 2020 
he'll turn green in a day. And I was like, no, man, I mean, I know you're right, but fuck. And uh, basically uh, my girlfriend who comes from like traditional kind of markets, whatever. And we work with like a a greenhouse supplier out of uh, um, uh, Grand Rapids. And um, there was a, I was hearing sequence and a couple of the guys talk about jacks and red, you know, and red said, are they, uh, I know that they use jacks, I think. And uh, green jeans, I think might've, I can't remember um, who kind of got that going. I know I'm fucking up on the history here, but regardless, I heard enough from a couple of people that I was like, I'm just vegging these plants. I just need to grow some cuts. I'm going to try this shit out for like a month. And I got a bag of 2010, 20 peat light, it was the only bag of jacks they had. It was like $30 or something for a 20 pound fucking bag. And the minute I got it and I made the water and it turned blue, I was like, Oh no. Yeah. Like I know I was getting into, but I still was like, I ain't seen this like kind of ever. Cause I always use bottled organics. Like I ran all the organic lines, you know, but uh, still I was like, Hey, this is part of the business. This is how we learn what's what, what's worth the money and all that kind of stuff. My whole point, ran jacks within two to three weeks, all the phenos started to look a little more similar, a little more similar, a little more similar. And every single fucking leaf structure started to become uniform. Every growth habit and even the fucking like stacking of the internodes started to become to a point where I could not, I'd spend so much time with these phenos, I didn't need to label the plants. I could look at them and know what was what. I couldn't do it after a month. And after two months, I damn well couldn't select them. I had to tag everything and the fucking turf profile kind of became a little more uniform as well. So, uh, I mean, that was me just literally running that with my well water. I just went down on costs significantly for a while, you know, but I need to start worm bins and beds. I know people, I need to be asking questions myself, but, uh, we're getting to that. I just had the, uh, North side of the, um, so there's a 20 foot bunker silo to the left of the 30 foot silo it's pictured so there's actually like a potential second project and on the north side of that wall is a 120 foot strip that um i want to try and create some compost piles you know for um you know worms you know so uh got to figure some things out i got a lot of details to figure out but we're trying so um i can shoot videos of that shit probably so if that's my whole point Everybody wants to see stuff like that. Everybody likes to see stuff at a bigger scale, that's for sure. Right. Well, shit, Eagle, I am realizing it is approaching 5 a.m., my friend, and I uh, You know you got to give me the sound bite before we get out of here, right? Oh, shit. I, yeah. All right, bud. Um, what's the episode number? 376. 376. No shit. Fucking hang. All right. Uh, all right. Um, this is Dankovich on fucking talking shit with Eagle. And it's episode 376. And thanks for listening. Cheers. Thank you, that- man. It that's that's good, man. All right. I that's completely satisfied with that. Thank you for right. hanging out, man, and Jenny, oh, your night, man. Time has flown by, and time yes. is very precious, man. I talk about that very often, man. It goes by, 
and it gets more precious as we go along day after day, man. Well, we don't realize how precious this it is until later. Yeah. 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 But, you know, we are lucky to spend it with the plants we do and um, with the people that see the light as well. You know what I mean? And uh, the path leads home, dude. It does. So it does. Look forward to seeing you again, hopefully in a wormhole very, oh. very soon. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm stoked to to kind of ruin my my day uh, by fucking enjoying the night in the wormhole every now and again, for sure, dude. So, you know, like uh, I'll at the very least, I'll be reporting back to the wormhole, you know, because I'll probably be wrapping up a lot of work, you know, during the spotlight. You know, it's going to be a fucking, you know, yo, Michigan, the seasons go you know, fucking, they come and go quick. They change quick. You know what I mean? It fucking moves quick up here when it's moving. So, uh, but yeah, dude, I, it'll be easier for me to hop in a wormhole and fucking talk for 20 minutes straight than do some videos. So, but bear with me and uh, watch the wormhole if you are interested. You know, I don't, you know, so, but yeah, dude, I'm excited and thank you, man. Cheers. Thank you, man. I have very much enjoyed this and uh, yeah. I look forward to seeing you soon. That wraps up episode 376, man. I thank you all. You know, by the way, you know how much I know this has been a good episode? Numbers have not faded all night long. They oh, nice. Maintained a great, great number oh, cool. all night long. Thank so you, chat. I've they enjoyed are- it. They enjoyed it for sure. So... Thank you, Eagle. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. I'll be back tomorrow night, 1130. I know it's going to be pissed a lot of people off. They're not going to see me. I, you know, what's funny and not funny is I had left 17 open, and I kept scratching my head going, why don't I have a guest scheduled for that day? Why don't I have a guest scheduled for that day? And I scheduled a guest for tomorrow, and then I went, oh, fuck, I'm supposed to be at an event that day, and now... I'm not going to the event, and there's going to be a few people mad at me there, and now I'm going to have a show. Well, you know, that's uh, it. It is what it is, dude. Anybody that gets bent out of shape, they have the best tools in the toolbox, probably right in front of them, my friend, and they can roll up an extra fatty, and then again get those priorities straight, the perspective right. And it's all good, dude. You know, and hell, if you need to fill any gaps, man, fire up that wormhole tomorrow. Fucking, you know, it's been a couple of days and Bingus and Red and all y'all, Johnny, you know, fucking Mr. Chad Westport, Tao. I, I was this close to not showing my face and literally using the American one as the excuse, like, I'll show my face when the American one shows his face. But I was like, ah, fuck it. So, but uh, anyways, cheers, everybody. And uh, thank you, man. So. Cheers. I do. Have a great night. You guys, we are out of here. You guys know the routine. Please do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. You people coming on, doing this night after night, hanging out, donating your time, telling your stories is some of the most amazing acts of kindness I've ever seen in my life. That is no bullshit. Thank you so much for hanging out night after night, following me through this journey. My cannabis journey, learning about other people's journeys, their techniques, their lives. 
It's awesome. Thank you guys. I love you. I'll be back tonight, 11:30. See you tonight.